Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what's the, what's the, what's the scenario? Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, episode number 70, the big one, Halloween. <laughs> this is October. I'm excited. What can I say? <laughs> this is October. We're doing the first the first half of our Halloween franchise uh, deep dive, if you will. It's episode 70. I'm real happy. I'm really excited. I'm Dave Z. What about these guys? What are your names? I'm Christian. I'm Sam Loomis. Yeah. <laughs> it's always, yeah, Sam it's always a different name with this guy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to be myself tonight. I want to be Loomis or any other night. Loom- I want to give Loomis's quote. Can I? Can, can we start out with a quote? First of all, you can do it. You can attempt it. You can say it. I'm not going to stop you because who am I to stop you? But you can do it. But no one does a better Loomis than me. I'm just going to say that. I'm I did. You do it. Uh, not- am I supposed to know? Oh, wait a minute. I do. What am I supposed to do? It, I'm just going to read the most famous of Loomis's quote. Lonnie, get your ass away from there. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Fuck Lonnie. <laughs> no, it's going to do. I met him 15 years ago. That whole speech you're going to do? I don't think that so. That was a horrible impersonation. I'm not doing an impersonation. <laughs> That's the worst Loomis I've ever heard. That's closer to Sam Loomis from Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at this night. I can't do it that way. I can only do off the wall Loomis. I can't do like Loomis like. What? No. No. Yes. Off the wall, Loomis is my specialty. I can't do. Off the um, wall, Loomis is the best. Uh, of course, it's great. I wish I could do all Loomis, but I can't. I can't do. Um, <laughs> Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. I mean, that's okay, I guess, but I mean, it's not anywhere near as, you know. I think it sounds pretty much like Psycho Sam Loomis just as well. <laughs> this is the Psycho retrospective again. Again, yes, we're right back into Psycho. And yes, it's You're the Franchise, everybody. So, surprise, we're doing Halloween. We don't care if it's cliche. It's October. Here we are. This is oh. the year of the franchise. But but house cleaning, we are not doing Halloween 3. And why is that? We already did it. And it's the best one. So why do the best one? Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's a good one, I think. I, we no. had a lot of fun. And I'll tell you what, speaking of deep dive, we did. I think we called it a dissection on the in our description. It's episode 23. We, we had Matt Wazell here. We went deep into it. The whiz. And, <laughs> balls deep. Oh, absolutely balls deep. Over an hour long, man. We freaking, we got into that film, you know? And yeah, I, I think we did We did good. We had fun. I've heard people say that they're going to play it every year, every October. Oh, so, that's great. Well, do we call him the whiz or do you call him the Wes? No, whiz. Wizzell. W-I-Z-Z-E-L. The Wes, the whiz. Well, the I don't whiz. know. I barely know the guy. He was on one show. The Wicked Wiz of the Wes? 
I call him the wizard, Wizel the wizard, but uh, I don't call the him the wiz. That's what I call the wiz. You know, when it comes to Wizel, I See? spent eight years trying to reach him, <laughs> and then another seven. He just said Wizel, not Wizel. He said Wizel. I just heard it from Brandon's mouth. Nobody Wizzell. fucking wants to hear a fucking Loomis quote. Fuck all of you. <laughs> I wanted to hear it. He interrupted you. I was waiting to see how good you can do it. I can't do it good, but at least I could give you the quote. That's why I interrupted. <laughs> and then another seven years trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Well, A, horrible Loomis. B- <laughs> Ted and White, though. I'll give him props. Yeah. He read the line correctly. Yeah. It just sounded like really sick Brandon. I love trying to do really sick Loomis because he sounds sick in every movie. He doesn't sound sick in part one and two. You're, uh, how dare you? How dare you? He's You'd be sick Loomis. He's oh. nuts. Well, we're off to a smashingly good start here. Yes, we're off to a, yes. I, bl- I blame you guys. Pumpkins, October. Yeah. I blame you guys for this start. Okay. Oh, well, let's. Let's redeem ourselves. We have to do a quick uh, voicemail. And everyone, just so you know, because it's you're the franchise and we're digging deep un- until for a little while now, we plan on having a show in December where we're going to play around a bit and we're going to, you know, field voicemails or emails or, you know, just play around. These are all going to be deep, long shows, you know, and we hope you enjoy them. But we're not going to be doing a lot of stuff that we ordinarily do. This is all this is serious business on our end. So. We're going to do this voicemail tonight. We're happy we got it, of course. and uh, But we're going to do that. And we may squeeze another show in there between now and December, time permitting, but no promises. We're, we're just playing around. But we'll see. But, yeah, let me just play this voicemail. Hey, guys, this is Eric from Dark Discussions. I wanted to send you a voicemail because, well, you asked for some. So I figured <laughs> I'd oblige. Uh Last episode, Dave was talking about the fact that he had seen Cargo, and he enjoyed it as well. I was happy to hear that. Uh, Last time I sent you guys a voicemail, I made note of the fact that we had recorded an episode of Dark Discussions on Cargo. may have noticed it hasn't come out. Uh, Yeah. 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 uh, I didn't lie to you. We did record that episode, I swear to God. Phil, the man that does all the hard work behind the scenes at Dark Discussions, likes to keep a couple of episodes in his back pocket. That way, if something comes up, we still have an episode to release. Uh, and it worked wonderfully. Over seven years, we haven't missed a week yet. Uh, so I'm not going to mess with this system. Uh, but I just want to let you know I didn't make it up. We, we do have that episode. It will be out someday. Christian was also talking about Winchester. Uh, I wanted to speak about that a little bit because Winchester House is within walking distance of where my brother lives out in San Jose. Uh, When I was out there in May, having seen the movie, I uh, went and took the tour of the Winchester House. Um, And literally, we we walked there from his house. Uh, So I wanted to give you guys uh, some little tidbits on that. Uh, First of all, some of the stuff you see in that movie is, uh, in fact, from the actual house that does exist. There is a staircase that goes up into a ceiling. It goes nowhere. Uh, there is a door that opens up over nothing. Uh, if you step through the doorway, you will fall down to the next floor into a sink, as a matter of fact. So uh, the house does exist. It is really weird. Um, and Sarah Winchester was, in fact, very spiritual and did believe that she was being haunted by the spirits of the people that were killed by the Winchester rifle. Uh, it never got as crazy as the movie, but uh, she did believe that. 
And one of the things in the movie that I found a little, uh, it caused me to roll my eyes a little bit was the earthquake. Turns out that actually was a thing. Uh, the <laughs> earthquake of 1906 did cause significant damage to the house. And if you take the tour, they will show it to you. So I thought you might think that was all pretty interesting. Uh, they would not let me take any pictures, anybody, not just me. They didn't single me out. They wouldn't <laughs> let anybody take any pictures on the tour, which was a little confusing to me because I took the tour when I was a kid and I swore people were taking pictures back then. Well, turns out, I don't know how this works, but apparently Cold some out. deal that was made with the movie studio they now hold a copyright on the interior of the Winchester house. What? Which is very weird to me. I didn't know that was a thing that could happen. Oh. But apparently the movie studio now holds a copyright on the inside of the house. So you cannot take a picture of it without permission. And, uh, of course, they want you to buy all the books they have with the pictures in them. As well as the movie. Because the tour now ends in a room where they have all the costumes for the movie on dummies, they have the dress that uh, Helen Mirren was wearing in a movie. I thought they had her. Other costumes. <laughs> yeah. And of course, they, they, uh, nice. they watch the trailer for the movie at the end of the tour. And of course, it encourage you to go <laughs> buy a copy in a good shop. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But uh, capitalism. Anyway, I thought you might find that somewhat interesting. Just wanted to let you know. So, uh, love the show, guys. Keep up the great work. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Oh, Thank great. you, Eric. Yeah, Except it was, was me talking about Winchester. Well, it was, yeah, it was you that brought it up, and then me that brought it back down to reality that it was... It was uh, me who did the in-depth review, you who was interrupting me with, with bullshit nonsense. Yeah, which is what he remembered. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's dark discussions for you. Yeah. Hey, they're the real... They're a real McCoy, man. What are they, over 350 episodes? Oh, yeah. shitload. Yes. Yeah. They, they, I think they did... quality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, that was uh, Brandon. I'm, I'm just kidding. I like dark discussion. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're coming after you now. And there's going to be what? Now there's an interview with you coming out? Oh, yeah. Like a, a 2020 interview? interview? Yeah. Probably out now by the time yeah. this comes out, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Forgotten yeah. Head. That's the, the title. <laughs> I don't think you realize how much of the Forgotten Head that you are. I really, I really think it's you. I'm not sure if it's me. <laughs> the Forgotten Head. Oh, if, if, in Jerry's eyes, it's definitely me. I don't know. People love you. <laughs> it might be me. Oh, Why do you got to do this? Why do you got to make me feel bad? We haven't even started yet. Well, I'm making like you feel good. Jerry likes you. Yeah. I'm the forgotten idiot. He interviewed Dave. He interviewed you. I'm I sure got you're no coming next. No, He's saving yeah. you for last. In his beard, maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, Eric. Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Sorry. Thank you, Eric. I got something to say. You know what I took from that? I will never watch that movie now. I will never support that studio. Fuck them for doing that shit to people, for, for, for owning the house and freaking, we're not going to do this unless you give us fucking carte blanche to come in there and turn your, your tour into fucking uh, yeah. a, a, an ad for a movie. Fuck them. So well, sorry, guys, I'm not watching the movie. And I, I watched uh, Devil House. Is that the right one? The doc you, mock you. Demon I think it's house. a regular doc. Demon House. Thank you, Brandon. See, you, you are valuable to the show. Uh, <laughs> and... There's one part in that movie that pissed me off, too, about how a major studio or whether quote unquote major was kind of putting the, the silent, tr like making people swear to not talk to the guy making the documentary because they wanted to use it. And I'm assuming it was for Conjuring 3. I don't know if you guys saw that movie and if you put two and two together, but I was thinking that they were trying to 
to get the rights to the story to use it for Conjuring 3, or at least a part of Conjuring 3. Hmm, that could be. Yeah, I could see that. Anyway, side note, but uh, that's it. That That's the only aside I think we're going to do today, because we have mm-hmm. another demon to discuss. Ooh, and that is demon. the Halloween franchise. Yeah, yes. The Myers wow, that was saga. Horrible. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I appreciate it. It was good. It's it, look at. I'm excited. I'm excited as can be. I really am. This is the Myers, the Michael Myers saga. I don't think any podcast has done it. Everyone that does it, for good reason, throws in Halloween three. We've already yeah. explained why we're not going to do it. So I believe. Now I'm sure. I'm, this is not factual, but I believe we'll end up being the first podcast that does the franchise that just sticks to the Myers films. So, well, as usual, we did no research to back that up, but yeah, <laughs> no, we did. That's why, why Dave's creating his own ratings numbers, and now we're the first podcast to yeah. ever just do the Michael Myers. <laughs> yeah, the only one that's ever tackled Halloween. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. sure there's ever been another show on Halloween. <laughs> never. I never yeah. heard of this franchise until we decided to cover it. Oh, I'm really excited about your thoughts then. Yeah. Can I can I really give you like my introduction part of it? Like since we're talking, we're doing one, two, four, five, and six, in case we didn't make that clear enough, everybody, on this episode. I gotta tell you, I went in open minded for all the movies and I thoroughly enjoyed almost everything about revisiting the movies this time. I heard you also went in open anus. <laughs> <laughs> you heard right. You heard right. Bleached. Bleached. And bleached. I'm fully bleached. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I went in open minded and uh open had a really really good time with this. And open open bleached. Whatever. <laughs> open bleached. Wow, there you go. <laughs> I went in open minded, uh, open bleached, open <laughs> everything. And uh I'll tell you, I took something from each film. I can I can tell you that much. Um one film I ended up liking more than I have before. So Five. That's something. I knew it. What's that? <laughs> My bets are on five. Hmm. I wonder why. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get to it. Um, I guess that's it, right? Uh, what else can we say before we dive right into uh, Halloween from 1978? Nothing, apparently. We're going to save it. Yeah, because we're going to save it. Just making sure you guys didn't have some type of um, you know, diatribe before we began. Okay. Good. Good, because Christian alluded to something earlier about doing a one through six uh, something. Well, you know what? The more I thought about it, I said, well, we are going to deep dive. And I think my, my thoughts were summed up. My overall enjoyment w- was uh, definitely elevated with this batch. And really, this is a continuing story, more or less. These were these were probably the beginning and the end, because then after this, you go into like scenario two. Yeah. Ultimately, for scenario one. One, two, four, five, and six. Let's uh, let's jump in. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what's the what's the what's the scenario? All right, okay. here's the scenario. Halloween, 1978, directed by John Carpenter, written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Fifteen years after murdering his sister on Halloween night, 1963, Michael Myers escapes from a mental hospital and returns to the small town of Haddonfield to kill again. Ah, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you think that there is a better opening credit sequence followed by opening scene than this movie? I'm talking about when the credits hit, when the piano strikes, when you see the pumpkin, jack-o'-lantern, when it goes through, and then the POV with Michael doing what he does in the beginning. Do you think there's a better beginning to a horror movie than this? Because I do not. 
I can't think of one off the top of my head. I think the score is brilliant. I think the music is what drives this film. And I think the opening credits with the Jack and Lantern is just brilliant. The way it's getting closer to us. And I do love the POV. I do have one critique with the POV. I know Judith is not the best babysitter and she doesn't know where Michael is. And he can be outside fine, but why is he across the street? Yeah, looking at the house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you learn in part six where he is, I think. What is he, a surveyor? <laughs> what is he, surveying the house from across the street? Yeah. But it's Halloween I, night. They, they, actually, they actually answer that, I think, in part six. They answer yeah. everything in part six, whether you want to, yeah, uh, whether you know, you want to agree with it. Yeah. They answered why Mike was across the street in part six? All right, yeah. well, I'll wait to get there, but uh, all right. Mrs. Blankenship. Was ba- babysitting him that night. Correct. Oh, she was the one babysitting right. him. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Never mind. You're right. That, that's something about part six. Like it or not, uh, agree with what they say or not, they did, they set out to answer questions that had not been answered in. You know, they did that. But well, whatever. then the real what the fuck is why was Judas assuming that Michael's around the house somewhere? She didn't know he was being babysat across the street. Because she doesn't care. Because she just is fucking partying. It's Halloween night. She's there. She's probably getting high, eating candy. What the fuck her boyfriend? Getting high, the last... candy. <laughs> Yeah, that's what kids do on Halloween night when you're that age. Uh, that's... Michael's the last thing on her mind. She's like, oh, he's around here somewhere. Yeah, this just goes to, to, to show what type of sister she is, and guess what? Maybe she deserved what happened to her. How's that? Ah, right, well, let's not get crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy talk. I'm just teasing. I know. <laughs> you know what? You might be right, though. Uh, I just can't I... believe that guy lasts longer than I do in the sack. That's all I know. You know what? I, I don't know why, watching it this time, I got the impression that he, that he went upstairs, they kind of fooled around, but they didn't have sex. Like, almost like, oh, you know what? I got to go. Because yeah. if they had sex, that gives yeah. me hope. Because I'm pretty sure I could last at least three seconds longer. It gives me hope. <laughs> <laughs> but to answer your question, I didn't answer. I, I I can't think of another film. I'm sure there's other ones out there that I love the opening. That right now, of course, you, you put me on the spot and I'm drawing a blank. But from a, from a jumping right in and getting you into the mood. And, and then following that up with a great, seemingly single take. POV shot. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. And to think that the original thought was that they were going to just pan down a sidewalk and end on a, a Halloween mask, I believe, was the original idea for the opening credit sequence. Then uh, someone had the bright idea, why don't we just open up on a jack-o'-lantern and slowly get closer to it. And what a brilliant idea it is. Boy. Yeah. Whew. Did you notice how nonchalant Michael's mother was when the father unmasked him? Did you know she puts her hand in her pockets? Like I love that. Oh, she puts... <laughs> yeah, but she's mad. She I always joke. Her hands in her... Yeah. Like, oh, you, you know? rascallion, what have you done this time? Yeah, it's, oh. scallywag. What are you up to, you scallywag? You dog, you scallywag. <laughs> and Dad just goes, yeah. Michael? Yeah. <laughs> I fucking love it. And that, whew, I tell you what, when that, that scene with the crane, with the fucking crane shot and the pull back is one of my favorite scenes in, in horror. Another one. Oh, my God. I just... I, yeah, that is a good scene. It well, it's a brilliant setup because you don't know until, of course, uh, nowadays it's hard to avoid the spoilers. And if you've seen it for the first time, then um, obviously you know we're going to be spoiling throughout this, uh, the, the, whole, um, the whole episode. Excuse me. But ultimately... You don't know it's a kid at the beginning. Yeah, they, they show a hand grabbing a knife, but you really don't know what's going on until that reveal. So that's even more horrifying when you find out it's a young boy. I still boy. didn't know it was a kid. I thought it was the little lady from Don't Look Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the one from Poltergeist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. This house yeah. is clean. Everything about that thing is 
Excellent. I love how they hold that one note for like fucking 30 seconds when he's outside the house panning it in 1963 and there you go. And they, oh, it's just so scary. And then it leads up to the upstairs. And here's what's funny. <laughs> you guys realize that Judith, Judith is just as concerned with covering up her tits as saving her very life. You well, know, like, I don't think she realizes what's going on right away. Like, I think that's why she was like, more like, Michael, what are you, like, what are you doing? Yeah, but Michael. she's still covering, Michael, but she's still covering her tits while he, she's being stabbed. <laughs> she just wants to make sure if she dies, her tits are covered. She's, she's protecting her puppies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she sure is always, man. She's, she's like, hey, I don't want no one to see this. Obviously, the boy just did, just did do her. There you go. I mean. She's there naked. She's brushing her hair. It's afterglow. It didn't take long. She was very orgasmic. It happens sometimes. Some women come quicker than men. It does happen. So I believe that they went up there. These two got together, and they both orgasmed. And That's more of a myth than the cult of thorns. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait a minute. Hold the fucking phone. I will tell you this. I would like to sit here and brag and say that every woman I've every woman I've slept with I, I've, I've brought to orgasm but that is not the case however however it is not my fault and I've learned this through my, my many exploits in life I have been with women that have orgasmed six times before I have one and then I've been with women that I've slept with for a year and they never orgasmed one time at all so, I heard you've been with women who orgasm before you're even in their lives yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe some are listening right now <laughs> Love you, ladies. But anyway, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Some women are that way. You don't believe that to be true? I believe Judith is one of them. I never even looked into it. Yeah, I didn't so. think about it, but <laughs> I never even thought. <laughs> I never thought twice about it until now. I just, oh. I, I, from a technical standpoint, what they had to do to this house and, and and do the lighting changes and whatnot. You don't realize that because of the way that they shot it and what whatnot, how they had to kind of set it up from a cinematic standpoint to just make sure that it was lit properly for when the camera came through that's a, a testament to uh, dean cundy and and i guess carpenter as well just to to see that vision through on a ultra low budget film yeah the lighting throughout the film is fantastic it really gives you that that halloween vibe and i mean it, it's it's perfect that way i i can't fault it on a technical standpoint at all there, yeah. are, there are shots in this movie because you're so engrossed in the film itself that suddenly you, you didn't realize that it's raining but they're filming when when jamie's walking home that one scene it's totally fine but there's that one shot where she's walking and the the ground is soaking wet and i think it's even raining a little bit more but they 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 had to get that connecting shot of her going to her house and i i, I probably didn't notice that until i was probably in my 20s which was a long time I ago i still haven't <laughs> noticed it even with you telling me i still don't know it are you being well, serious i never noticed it no oh, there you go yeah <laughs> look for it next time and look for the palm tree yeah, everybody talks about the palm tree. That I've seen. Well, you know, this movie's been seen for many years and many yeah. times. Of course, you know, in 1978, who's thinking that? that They're that, making that, a low-budget horror film. That, who? What, that's the least of their concerns. Oh, of course, man. Yeah. I mean, you, you could pick this movie apart from that standpoint if you wanted to, but damn, I mean, the the effort, this was like a, and it, it was a family affair, you know? It was yeah. all of that, everybody involved. They were a tight-knit group. Of, the, the oldest people were, were John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, and I don't even think they were 30 yet. So it was, it, well, except, of course, for Donald Pleasance, you know what I mean? But I mean, and that's yeah. where their money went. Talk about the budget. More than half of their budget went for the camera for Cundy. Because it was uh, an amazing, you know, it, it gave it, this in part two and part three, for that matter, that look. 
you know, that, that wide scan, whatever it's called. I'm not going to pretend I, I know everything about that. But I know that the camera apparently cost like 150k or something like that. And then they had to pay Pleasance for his couple of days work. And there you go. That's like, I think it was like 70% of the budget was just for that. I believe they call it the Cundy Cam. <laughs> Cundy Cam. It was invented just for him. I see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the double C. All right. Okay. So we nice. get this opening shot. And then, and then we follow it up with the introduction of Dr. Loomis and, uh, oh, and Marion. Uh, Marion uh, uh, yep. Not Marion Crane. I almost called her Marion Crane. But Marian it almost Crane? feels like it's... No, it almost feels like it's a, a take on that name. Marion... It starts with Chambers? a C. Thank Chambers. You, Chambers. Thank you. Chambers. Yeah. yeah. Right. Good call. Marion Chambers. MC. Oh, wow. Just like Psycho 3 with the MC thing. And you know what? And here's where I'm going to defend the film, even from where it goes in 6, is I love the fact that from the very instant of the opening scene where you see Loomis is he's talking about Michael being something other than human, always referring to him as it and just talking in a way that makes you think that even though this guy was once human, he is no longer human. And to me, it's just him speaking about Michael is enough for me to suspend disbelief as to how many times he gets shot, killed, burned, whatever throughout the franchise and just say, you know what? He's become a boogeyman. Awesome. I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about that. No. But to me, like, I mean, I'm not saying I, I hate the cult stuff and we'll get to that later, but I'm saying I don't need that. Well, I, I don't need it because I never like that stuff being explained. And it seems like there's half the audience out there that wants that stuff. But that's when it gets into the ridiculous mode. And yeah. we, we've had these discussions before and we're going to and this will come out a little bit later uh, this evening. But yeah, when you when you explain the origins of the evil, that's where I can get lost. Sometimes and just, yeah, and things I, don't make I, sense. I don't need the that. story. Yeah, you just a lot of things. A lot of things really don't make any sense when they start explaining the the origins of evil. So you're thrown into it, and yeah. I'm good with that because it's how it's presented to you. And the great part of that is that they're coming up and talking about him. And as soon as you see some of the patients outside, and she and and again, Mary Chambers says like, when did they start letting them out? Uh, walk around, <laughs> on, wandering out on the, at night on their own, or whatever. You know, Loomis instantly knows it's Michael <laughs> Myers, and there's something wrong. He yeah, Marion was kind of stupid for set for saying that. Like yeah. something's clearly wrong. It's pouring <laughs> out. They're just wandering around on the lawn. Oh, it's great. And and, and what you what you said about Loomis, great script writing because he is the best pitch man of all time. He. He he could be he should be the manager uh, of a UFC fight or something. He could talk somebody into the building, talking about how bad the guy he represents is. You know what I mean? He's fucking fantastic. I mean, he, he is. is you sold. You're right there. He you know? is. He's he's the best part of this franchise. I think he's the fucking pitch man. He's out there. He's hyping it. He's the hype man. He's yeah. He's my he's fucking flavor flave. <laughs> right. Which he's, is he's why when he's gone. The franchise takes a major hit. Absolutely, and, well, and sure. that's how integral he is to Halloween as a, as a yeah. film franchise. So sometimes he he gets zany almost out of the gate. You're you're kind of introduced to his character here. They start like in part two. He's almost flying off the handle right away, and it just continues. But that's why you love him. Absolutely, he's like I said, he's. He'll talk you into, into an arena. If he was trying to sell him as a monster, he he's like P.T. Barnum. He can have people come. He talks so well. He's great. But as, as much as I love him and it's hysterical, he makes me laugh in this scene because he's like immediately panicking. And he already knows. And the way he talks to her, go on, move. He's fucking, oh, he's good. And then he's like, wait. Oh, I love him. He gets all fucking panicky and bugged out the way he talked to her. But 
I'm going to pose a question to you guys. Yes. Now, this was something that was uh, brought up when we did this on Banana Leaser by Wazell. Back to, back to Matt. But I'm going to do it in a different way. I'm going to ask you guys a question instead of making a statement. My question is this. Why do you think Dr. Loomis, based on what we know, decided to declare him evil? What about his story would lead you to think, would lead him to think that Michael was evil? Think about that. I mean, isn't this? I mean, spending it's fifteen years, yeah, spending fifteen years of of seeing his total. I think that's what Zombie was trying to showcase in his version of it. Unfortunately, maybe it didn't come through. Just this this kid not showing any human emotion beyond. I think, right? Yeah, I think it was all in the in the quote that I was going to do at the beginning. I didn't do the full quote, but the Thank the God. quote. You know, he talks about meeting him as a six year old child with a blank, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. He spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because he realized what was living behind those boys' eyes was evil. So you spend seven years with a kid from ages six to thirteen, completely withdrawn from the world, and even speaks about how it's it's almost like he's just withdrawn within himself, and he's just waiting for his moment. But but does that speak evil to you? A, a boy sitting there for fifteen years, never speaking, just looking at a wall. Would, would yeah, you come up with yeah. the term? evil from that? Yeah, I, th I think so. I, you don't I think get, there's yeah. tons of fucking people that, <laughs> that are in, in psych wards that sit there and never speak and just look straight ahead? You don't think that, that that's kind of like I think something you would different. see? In his mind, he's seen evil. Evil in this boy. Yeah, I mean, he brutally stabs his sister to death, and then for seven years, he can't get any response out of him. Nothing. I, I hear you. I just, you know what? Maybe you guys have convinced me. Not that I was unconvinced. Of course I believe he's evil. I, I love the character. I love yeah. both of these characters, Michael and Loomis, of course. I just, <laughs> we did, I discussed this in the past, and I, I wanted your guys' take on it. But you guys buy it? That, that, that's cool. I just, you know. <laughs> I, buy, I buy it. And the other thing is, like, my only concern is if he wanted, I know that they were trying to move him to a more maximum security system. Well, isn't uh, that the issue with the whole franchise? They're always trying to move him. Yeah. But it's also because of the fact that he's supposed to stand trial. Because that is the law. Yeah, that's that, <laughs> which <laughs> is ridiculous. <laughs> well, after 15 years, maybe there's some law thing where you have to go to a different um, type of security yeah. based upon the, the, that particular patient. I could buy that. That doesn't bother me. I mean, I you know? buy it, but it's it's ridiculous given the fact that, you know, Loomis has declared him evil. I'm on Loomis' side. Loomis is crazy. I don't think he's as hey. crazy as he is in Alone in the Dark, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's similar. Yeah, yeah, I could buy that. I could buy it. <laughs> How did he know it was Michael? When, when evil is gone from here, that whole thing. Because you think about it. If he would have saw Michael on top of that car... He would have come up there and tried to put a stop to it. When he smashes the window and he grabs the nurse and, you know, is able to jump on top of the car, grab it, get in the car and drive away. By the time Loomis comes back in the dark and the rain, he immediately, I don't even know if he saw his face. I think he's just assuming that it's him. He's assuming that it's him by the driving. You know, he's he like, assumed it was like him. only Michael can drive like that. He assumed <laughs> it was him when they saw the patients. That's what I said earlier. I think he just said, this is happening because Michael's escaped. He knew it. That was like, you're just supposed to get the idea that he knows what's going on uh, based on his thought process of, of Michael and, and what he's all about in the evil. So I like, you're right. After, after yeah. 15 years, he would have that connection with Michael where he would know. You're right. He just, he he's jumped to it, but he saw him get attacked and the car race off. That yeah. was it. And then, Why did she open the window? Why did she roll down the window at first? 
Like, there's something on top of my car. Let me roll down the window and stick my head out and see what it is. She wanted to smoke another cigarette. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> she was fucking chain-smoking the whole time. She was very know? concerned that they were going to drug him up for his hearing, like he was going to speak in the first place. Yeah, Guy hasn't spoken was... for 15 years. He, she's talking about how, yeah, he'll, be, he'll barely be able to sit up. That's the That's idea. The idea. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Loomis knows what we're dealing. He even says it. Try to understand what, we, what we're dealing with here. You know, I mean, he I'm knows what board. the... I'm on board with Loomis from opening opening line. How could you not be? His delivery of the lines and, and what and what he has to say. The script, great script, man. Carpenter, what he wrote is great. If if for nothing else, for Loomis's dialogue is great. And then of course Deborah Hill writing the stuff for the girls, which is great. Which is also the charm of the movie, where you may not have that if John Carpenter spoke to write dialogue for teenage girls. Instead, <laughs> you have a female doing it. And you know what? It were, how many movies? try to replicate this and fail tons how many slashers do you watch nobody has characters like this that for whatever reason maybe i'm just speaking for me personally but these three characters of laurie and annie and linda there's just something about them they feel like real people to me yeah Haddonfield feels like a real place and i don't know if i'm just being too fanboy but this is when i watch this movie that's it's almost like i believe it I watched this movie, and all the characters in this film, it seems like a real thing that happened, and these are real people. And I can't tell you how many movies have that effect on me. But That's, this what, is what, that's what happens when characters are well-written, and I totally agree with you. And well acted. I, well, I will also argue that I find the same thing with Friday the 13th. A lot of people say cardboard characters, but I think you, they got a bunch of likable kids, and I feel like the banter between them kind of rings true, so you feel like you're there in the cabins with them. Uh, and we'll, again, I know we're not talking about that franchise, but I think they managed to copycat it quite well. But a lot of other movies, especially the knockoffs, were, I think, too worried about amping up and getting to the action that they forget that you need the development of the characters as well. Man. And, and that's what they did well here. So to back up what you're saying, I think that that is the strength of the script and exactly what most of the copycat movies are missing. Absolutely. And it doesn't seem like it'd be that difficult, but... Apparently it is. Only so many, only a handful of movies have pulled it off this way. And with Friday, just really quick, with Friday you, you have a bunch of people getting together, going to a place, which is good. And I love the atmosphere and uh, some more than others. But I mean, I love all that. But Haddonfield being a town, you know, your little town, Sheriff, you know, <laughs> being a place where the sheriff is there and, and the people and just everybody, it just feels, I don't know. If you Again, say the for sleepy me, this, town of Haddonfield, I'm going to fucking puke. <laughs> the sleepy town? The no. sleepy town of Haddonfield. I'm not going to say that. That would imply that there was something sleepy about this film. And it's I've heard a people quaint, call wholesome boring. little town. It's a great with a town. Dark, with a slightly dark past. <laughs> and Friday and Halloween do go back and forth throughout the entire series, ripping each other off. And I noticed it going through this series this time, how yes. many times they've gone back and forth since since Jump. 100%. Like There's, there's forth, one sequel in Halloween, which is like three Fridays in one. <laughs> That's probably why I like that one a lot more. But uh, we'll, uh, right. I'm just assuming I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I don't know. I just know that, that it all goes back and forth. I mean, th this is the first one. They, you know, they did their thing. Now, back to that whole thing. The POV in this film, the only time you see POV is the opening shot. If you want to get a little bit technical about it, the scene later when 
Lori comes to the door when we're first introduced to Lori and she gets Tommy and, and she goes up to the door and puts the key under the door and then walks away and sings her little, you know, I wish I had you all alone. That thing. If but you want to call that. If you're talking POV, about, you're talking about um, Myers the key POV. off at the house. Yeah. Mike, Michael's POV. But yes. you kind of, you kind of still see Michael that kind of pans back and shows him yeah. as well. When he's it's, in the house, yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It may not even count, but I'm saying they use so little POV in this film. It's really just the opening shot. Yeah. People like to say Black Christmas came and they did a whole bunch of POV, and then Halloween came along and said, well, we're going to rip it off and do POV. When if you look at it, the only POV you see is the opening scene. You know, that's it. And if you listen to the, uh, the commentary, the first thing that Carpenter says is that, because I ripped this off from Hitchcock, the POV. That was the first thing he said. He goes, this is the Hitchcock thing for me. It's funny, I was watching this, uh, and my son really wanted to watch it with me, and I'm like, ah, it's Halloween. This kid, I would never have been able to watch a movie like this when I was his age. I would have had nightmares forever. He had no problem with it. He loved it. But there's a scene where Myers scares the kids at school and then gets into the car and then follows Tommy. Tommy. And and, yeah. and it's not POV because it's shot from behind in the back seat through the metal bars and whatnot. And my son's like, who's in the back seat? He was thinking it was <laughs> someone's POV of someone in the back seat. I'm like, this kid's a genius. Even though it wasn't, it was just it was just a, a, a camera shot. Maybe uh, it was Michael in the back seat and in yeah. the front seat the whole time is his driver since he shouldn't know how to drive. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you go with this alternate theory that Dr. Wynn was the one who taught him how to drive. Yeah. <laughs> well, that does explain it. Once again, that's one thing that film did. Oh, if, you have a beef, if you have a beef with Halloween 1, Halloween 6 answered it. Yeah, but it didn't know Halloween 6 was coming, you know, all those years later. So in that respect, you still got to look, I accept its imperfections, but I got to point them out. You well, if you believe in evil, evil, my friend, if you believe in evil, then you believe in things that are out of this world. Because evil yes, is, and you can but touch. I don't know. Driving is driving's a, is a privilege, driving. not a right. <laughs> 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 he didn't just earn that right to drive. You know what? How about this? Maybe he had one of those toys. Did you ever see those toys? I mean, my daughter had a toy, and it was like um, <laughs> just it's one. like a steering wheel that little babies play with, and, and you can you can shift it, and there's a horn, and there's this and that, and some yeah. of these look technical, and they come with pedals. You got you know what I mean? Maybe because he is who he is, maybe he had a toy that he played with when Loomis wasn't around. Maybe he was staring out the window the whole time in the asylum for 15 years watching people drive. Yeah. <gasps> there you go. You and just solved the mystery. I'm serious. Like, I, I buy it. Look, my enjoyment of the film does not get hurt by any way, in any way by the fact that he can drive. But I could see people saying the fact that he can drive is ridiculous. And he drives so well. And he parks so well. And he's there. He's stalking. He's watching Lori in the classroom. Then he's back in the car to to scare the bullies and to follow Tommy and he's parking and he's driving and he's just staying out of sight. I, oh, like I told crazy. you, I told you when we, when we talked about this in a, a, a show before that it's all explained. One line of exposition dialogue is all explained. Yeah. Whereas like, for God's sakes, you can't drive a, a car. He was doing very well last night. Maybe someone <laughs> around here gave him lessons. He was doing very well last night and they followed up with a bit of a joke of maybe someone around here gave him lessons, which is a great line. And that is, is script magic of saying you can't call us out on it anymore. Yeah. Really that's that's Boom. what it is. End of you it. can End of call story. them out, but well, you're it, calling the, them the out, line is it solves it. The line it does. Yeah. 
But it's coming from Loomis. Put that in perspective. Loomis, who said he all he did is sit there for 15 years and look past the wall, look to this night, and he was evil. If he is willing to accept the fact that maybe someone taught him lessons, then we should be able to, correct? Exactly. Plus, I'm also, I'm also in the Loomis mindset that he doesn't give a fact that Michael could drive. He knows where he's going. He knows what's going to happen unless he stops him. So at that point, the fact that he could drive is the least of his concern. Aha! Do you think it would have been better for you if they made him a sloppier driver? Like he was pull up to a fucking fire hydrant <laughs> hit it or fucking... <laughs> no, no. I, I, you know what? I buy, you know, even Isn't before we done? get to part four with the psych, part five with the psychic connections and all that, <laughs> I buy that there was some sort of connection between between Loomis and Michael because Loomis just happened to stop exactly 77 miles away on the way to Haddonfield halfway between the 150 mile drive at the exact phone booth where where Michael stopped and killed the uh, truck driver which he probably should have switched trucks at That's that what point. I was going to say why did he switch cars there No he, he took decided, his clothes. I know why took he wanted to get the throw emblem he couldn't drive stick the truck yeah, was thank stick. You. Exactly. That was a stick. That was a tow truck. Correct. Good answer. Is that really why? Doesn't he drive drive stick in five? Yes, we have to. Well, this is part one. (laughs) In part one, we have to accept the fact that he can drive a regular car. Now, if he's driving a stick, it makes it a little hard. 15 years of studying driver's manuals and he never decided to pick up a stick manual? It's afraid. Maybe he did try once, and it jerked around. And he said, "Fuck this! Why should he, I do?" He blew the clutch too many times. Can't like, fucking Fuck believe it. we're still on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, no one's gonna say we're not going in depth here on this review. I love yeah. how. Okay, so you get that guy dead. I love how he stole his clothes, and that's where he gets the jumpsuit. That that's what I love. That's so what easy. I take away from that. That's what he did it for. Exactly. He needed clothes. He's not gonna walk around. Could you imagine this movie? He was walking around in a fucking a white sheet, like a freaking like a hospital patient. <laughs> like later in the movie, uh, <laughs> I said, I gotta tell you, I would love B-roll. Just like we talked about Friday the Third, I would love B-roll of a bunch of footage from this movie. I'd love B-roll of him going to get Judith Meyer's tombstone, lugging it. Digging it out of the ground, putting it into the car. I'd love B-roll footage of him dressing up in the ghost outfit, cutting out the eyes and putting the glasses on and whatever before he goes nah, up. I don't I don't want to see B-roll of that. <laughs> Maybe getting the tombstone, even though the tombstone seems kind of... He, he should have just desecrated the tombstone rather than taking it. Well, I'm I talking, understand. I'm talking he, from a comedy standpoint. I'm not talking oh, about from no, a, I know an actual... That, but... We're going to do that. That's going to be our movie. I know. That should be our movie. B-roll. Yeah, it'll be B-roll. It'll be... It's just called B-roll. Roll that that beautiful B-roll. And then we just do cutaways. It'll be like an anthology of all the scenes we wanted to see in a movie. Wow. Yes. And we can show... We can do Friday the 13th. And we can show Jason helping his mother. You know what I mean? So it makes it more believable that he... Washing the the dishes. And and washing the dishes. Yeah, why not? Everything. Oh, man. Brilliant. Uh, but, but, back to that. Sorry. Why do you think Loomis went to the graveyard? What was he hoping There's, to accomplish that, going to that, that, that scene makes really, I'm going to go home, better go check the graveyard for a stone. The, the, from that standpoint, I've always thought the scene was a little odd. They want it for the big payoff of the, the shrine he builds later on in the movie. It is an odd scene when you think of it. There's no point to it. Is where Again, I'm the connection. He knew He knew what Michael was going to do. It's like he knew he was going to take the tombstone, and he has to deliver the he came home line. Really, listen, listen yeah. I love the fucking scene. Don't same, wrong. same, I'm just, I know. But... I'm just throwing questions out there. And I love the story. Charlie Bones, you know, that whole thing. And, and, and I love that gravedigger, especially when he goes up and he goes, why do they do it? 
goddamn kids. Oh, I fucking these great. I people. wanted to hear the rest of that story, by the Thank way. Thank you. Every fucking time I watch this movie, I hope he's. I'm gonna hear it, you know. And then he proceeded to. That's you know? the only thing I dislike about Loomis, that rude bastard. Let him I know we cut him off. Where are we? I know he was right there. He was just about. You know, he, he excused himself from the table, and, and, and he kissed in his, his, his wife and his, his kids goodbye, and then he went to the garage, then he came back with a hacksaw, and then he proceeded to, oh, where are we? I'm like, come on. <laughs> Shut the hell up. B-roll. There's our movie. Well, let's tell the, the Charlie Bowen story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll cut, and it'll be us showing it. How about that? Yeah. He'll wow. be chasing Loomis back to the car, finishing the story. Like, I don't want to hear it. Why do they do it? I fucking love them. He's hysterical. Oh, there's, there's so many great characters in this film. These, these little side guys. Yeah, how many, how many tombstone robberies are there in Haddonfield? Why I do know. they do it? It's like it's right. happened like every day. <laughs> they do anything for Halloween. Yeah, they fucking apparently. Maybe he just went to pay his respect. Oh, Loomis went to pay his. Yeah, but he was all business about it. He was yeah. like, well, I'll do it with Myers Grigg, you know? He not, wasn't to, like, not to his two parents that died, but just to his sister? Yeah, no flowers. What the fuck? Who goes there with no flowers? Pay respect. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, we don't do flowers in a Jewish cemetery. Oh, Loomis is Jewish. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. We do rocks. Rocks like runes from part six? Yeah, exactly. You put them on top of the tombstone. Wow. Well. We don't do flowers because flowers die. Oh, okay. Well, if you pass away, can I bring thorn to your uh, tombstone? <laughs> yeah, bring me bring me a thorn rune. Okay, <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> and, and, and say Sam Hain. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, Sam Hain throughout the whole fucking <laughs> franchise. Except except for part three where they get it right, but that's Yeah. You're right. <laughs> well, what else we got? I mean We we got proximity issues, right? I mean yes. I'm very confused, but we got proximity issues with the house and the babysitting, right? I've I've I brought that up on the other show as well. Yeah. I'm glad you I, brought I it up again. Well, well they, yeah. they take a drive through the downtown core that uh, to to yeah. smoke the joint, they see the dad and then it's it's dusk it turns into night and they're pulling up to the house but the house is literally right down the street from the Myers house which we've already established at the beginning of the movie is it's right distance. near Lori's house yeah. because you walked there to drop the key off exactly well, hold on let me help you out there you're talking about two girls driving around smoking a joint they didn't get the chance to finish the joint they had to put it off because they saw they saw Sheriff Brackett so that was what? that was a stupid thing too why would she you know, she's like, oh, my God, my dad. They didn't have to stop and talk to him. Well, yeah, sure they did because they know that the dad was going to see their car. If I see my daughter's car, not that she's driving, but that's what it is. You he's going to just drive by and wave if we're on our way to babysit. Drive no. by and wave. How did he not smell the pot anyway? What was there's, you an there's a fucking cop car. There's, there's something going on. There's an alarm going off. What kind of asshole would you be if your dad is the sheriff and he's standing outside? You just drive by fucking and, and wave. Oh, hidey ho. And keep it going. was all to establish where Michael got the mask. I understand. I'm just trying to say for them to stop there. I could see them for stopping. For them to be so concerned about the weed, I don't think they would have stopped. I think they would have kept driving. Yeah, because, no, but keep in mind, they're smoking weed, so they're slightly paranoid, and they're probably thinking, oh, if I drive by, my father's going to think something's up. <laughs> we got to stop to fully, I've been in that position. Remember, they're smoking weed, which brings me back to my original point. They're smoking weed, so they're driving around. I don't know about you, but a lot of times, I smoked weed with friends, and we drove around for a couple hours, because that's what you do. Yeah, so who's to they, say- They were babysitting. Lori <laughs> and Annie didn't do. That's great. It's great to deal with kids when you're high, because when they're assholes, it doesn't bother you so much. <laughs> I don't go. know. 
I think there's just genuinely a proximity issue. I disagree. I think they're high and they're driving around having fun. Why, why does it have to be a thing? Because uh, you know what? They establish it that they're literally driving to get to the babysitting gig. Yeah. Not like, hey, let's go out and hang out for a bit. Yeah, pick, pick me. I'll pick you up. We'll smoke a joint. If they yes, said you pick do. me up. It, but when you're when you're young and you cruise around and smoke and think that's the goal. She says, "Okay, we just have enough time. Okay, we're gonna fucking get high and we're gonna cruise around. Let's fucking do our thing, man. They want they, they don't have to be babysitting until seven. So guess what? It's only four o'clock. Let's fucking do our thing. That that's just a given. When you're a pothead and you like to hang out and you go anywhere driving with your friends, that's just assumed you guys are gonna smoke a joint on the way there and do your thing." Again, I'm bringing this up because I've watched this movie so many damn times <laughs> that I just feel like throwing it out there. I'm okay. I love the movie, but I'm just saying I've no, I've noticed it and I've always questioned that. But then then you know the scene the scene redeems itself because then you've got Loomis waiting to talk to the sheriff, and then you see Myers making the turn, and I just love how he misses him by you see oh. it all happening right behind him. Brilliant. <laughs> Loomis always missing him. <laughs> it's great. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to try to have answers. If somebody has a question, I'm going to try to have an answer because I love the film and it, it makes it, you know. Okay. <laughs> now, you well, think the dog was warm because Michael cooked it? <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. Michael Myers, notorious dog killer. He kills. By the time we're done talking about these five movies, he's killed four dogs. Ridiculous. So anyone that wants to tell me, <laughs> if anyone wants to tell me they don't want to watch a movie because they kill a dog, guess what? If you're a Michael Myers fan, you're fucking dead wrong. Michael kills not one, two dogs in this film. And one yeah. food. And we see both. Lester get killed too, which is upsetting because you see him getting eats getting like a bear hug. <laughs> yes. He's getting crushed. At least in the other films, you don't see uh Sunday or Max get killed. Oh after effects. <laughs> yeah. But you get the aftermath of the one. Yeah, yeah you get the movie. yeah, and the, the after effect of Max in that one was just like a stuffed <laughs> animal hanging. <laughs> <laughs> and why did Annie think that Lester found a hot date when she heard a dog cry. I don't oh. know. She said, that's fucking a good thing. And he's evil. Like, like, all of a sudden, oh, Lester's barking again. He's really being annoying. Oh, wait, he's crying in severe, agonizing death pain. But at least she's <laughs> quiet, so now she can have but a talk conversation. <laughs> oh, shit, I spilled a little that. popcorn, on, a little butter on myself. I have to get naked now. Yeah, that was, I know, yeah. that reaction yeah. always makes me laugh. I put it on for someone who's just vaguely familiar with the Halloween franchise and whatnot. When they see that scene, they laugh instantly. Because she's like, yeah. oh, shit, and she just pulls her shirt right off. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's my kind of girl all the way, Annie. Gotta love Annie. I got, I do have questions, not to jump all over, but hey, this is what we do. And again, we're hey, not I doing, think, we're I think not this doing review has gone scene by scene pretty much so Yeah, far. but that's what I'm trying not to do a scene by scene. Why does Michael Myers decide to turn the lights on and off after Linda's death? For the perfect timing of Jamie Lee's scene, like looking across the street? I know why. Because he's trying to set up the shrine with candles and he wants the lighting to be just right. <laughs> <laughs> he about it off. It's just a weird thing. It's it's to make obviously it's to make Jamie Lee go over. I don't know why I keep calling Jamie Lee, but to go over and uh, uh, and yeah. and see. Well, he he set up this whole diorama for her. He does his best crafting with the lights on. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he wants to see how it's gonna look. So he's like, okay, you turn on the light. Okay, let's look. Let's turn the light off. Let's see how this looks with the you know when someone when Lori walks in this room later. Or <laughs> I want it to look just right. So. Boom, boom. Oh, there it is. It works. And you're hard enough me, to see through those little holes in his mask. Well, and you're telling me he doesn't have a sense of humor by putting the, the ghost sheet I over think him? Michael's got a, I think Michael's got a great sense of and humor. And the glasses. And I, I, I think it's misunderstood. <laughs> I think it's kind of misseen mis at times. I don't think Dude. people realize it. Throughout the whole series, he's kind yes. of he's goofing around the whole time. He is. I've heard, I've heard people say that it's uncharacteristic 
for what he does uh, with the scene w- with Bob and Linda. And I'm like, but nope. it's not. No, I agree. <laughs> watching the movies, it's really not at all. He continues yeah. on doing that. You're a hundred percent right. He does it in part two when yes, he walks he out and the hot tub kill and pretends to be the boyfriend sitting there. Yeah. Killer. He waits to fucking to surprise her. You know what he I mean? Waits to get his fingers sucked, sucked off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? I mean, shit. He does do it. And I got another question. Oh, shoot. Lori uh, exits the house holding the keys, walks over, and we get some POV of Lori walking over to the house. And then when she runs back to the house, when the final chase begins, the door's locked. She never locked the door. Now, maybe it's just movie magic and movie editing. We're under the assumption she locked the door. But because it literally has her leave the frame and exit the house and continue across the street, we actually don't physically see her lock the door. But it's I would locked. assume she locked the door simply because she's leaving Lindsay and Tommy right. behind. You, you would so, assume that, and I guess they just yeah. edit out for flow of the movie and i'm yeah. again i'm okay with it but as you said i'm sort of devil's advocate saying yeah, they don't it's, they don't establish that but you you assume she's grabbing the keys for that reason but she doesn't yeah. actually lock the door but it is locked later when and she can't find the keys i always get creeped out with bob's line about ripping Lindsay's clothes off yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's just, i don't know why it's just it, it's still i mean i know why it should creep anyone out but it's just i don't know well, how does Linda not? And Linda, Linda likes it. She thinks it's funny. <laughs> and I love Linda. I love Linda. I love her too. But here's my take. This is my take on, on Rip Lindsay's clothes off. <laughs> he was supposed to say Annie in the script. He fucked up and they didn't do reshoots in this film. As, you, as you'll see in the very next scene when you see PJ Souls walking out and tripping over the, the wire for the camera. Uh, in that one room, she does that little walk when they when they get up, and you know what I'm talking about when they're in yeah. there to get the phone, and they go, "Oh, uh, Lindsay's not going to be home tonight. The house is to herself. Oh, fantastic!" And then they, they run upstairs the fucker. You know what I mean? Yeah. She trips over a thing. John Carpenter said that there was there was very few reshoots, so I think that that was a uh, he was supposed to say Annie's clothes off, and he said Lindsay's, and they did Okay, all right. My theory is it true? I don't know, but that's that's what I, I think. like the theory. They, they weren't doing reshoots over stupid shit like that. Again, 1978, they're not imagining that this movie is going to be viewed fucking... Exa- exactly. Times. They have no idea what this is going to become. No, this is the babysitter murders. It's a movie that he had an idea to do. And Erwin Yablons, the producer, not John Carpenter, came up with the idea to call it Halloween. That's documented. I've seen it on, on a few different documentaries. It was his idea. He said... Let's call this Halloween and set it on Halloween, and let's see if this thing is, is, is trademarked and the holiday was not for film, so they made it. So that urban legend story about John, uh, John Carpenter talking with Bob Clark, saying something about, oh, I'm going to make a, a sequel to it one day. I'm going to set it on Halloween. The guy's going to escape, and it's going to do the job. It's like, hmm, and then he made it. You've been yeah. misinformed. It was Erwin Yablons that fucking suggested Halloween. Carpenter was just babysitter murders. So Interesting. Boom. Correct. And you, you'll see. I mean, there's no reason to lie about it. You know what I mean? Why would Irwin Yablons take credit? Why wouldn't Carpenter say, I wanted to name it Halloween? You know what I mean? So Yeah. Do you think Loomis had a stiff neck and that's why he didn't turn to the left for like three hours <laughs> to see the car? I mean. He's so fixated on the house. He was very fixated on he the house. And he just makes a slight <laughs> with his well, neck. And, it, does oh, seem a, it does seem like a little convenient to, yeah, right. to, to push it into the yeah. final reel. But again, convenient after I don't even know what number watch this is. I honestly have lost count of how many times I've watched this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you notice it after the umpteenth time. But I never cared when I was younger. I still don't care. 
I feel it's important to point them out because yeah, that's why we're here. Because that's what we do. But yeah. my enjoyment of the film does not suffer at all because of any of these inconsistencies or these kind of silly conveniences. Other than Myra's driving, you have a, a bone of contention with that one. It's it's ridiculous, but I no, it doesn't affect me. It really doesn't. <laughs> but it's important to point it out when I, when I hear people put Halloween on a pedestal so high above the other of the big three franchises. I'm just saying none of them are without their mishaps. Of course not. Which is kind of funny, though. If you ask Dave and I, I think we all, although we might have them shuffled up of what one is the best and and favorite, the reality is I think Dave and I are are aligned with all of them being 10 out of 10s of the original big three and i, I hey and i based think you were too our top yeah our top 50, yeah i was right there i was a tiny sure. bit lower on this one but i just feel like maybe it's it's not even the films the halloween films it's the fans and i'm not talking about you guys but the, the the halloween diehards always remind me you know growing up being a new york sports fans remind me of philly fans where i wind up hating the fans more than i hate the team i got nothing against philadelphia sports teams it's the fans that are annoying uh, you know what <laughs> I'm with you. Something about the Halloween fanboys, and I hope I don't piss anybody out because I'm a Friday fanboy, but whatever. I have encountered some strange folk, and the strangest and the most argumentative are the Halloween franchise. That's it. That's exactly it. I don't know why. Maybe (laughs) because Friday kind of took the limelight from them and they have a chip on their shoulder. But then again, I think because of the – um, the different timelines and what they did with H2O and what they did with 4 and how they do different things and they discredit certain things and ignore others. And and some people get pissed off about what happens in Halloween 2 with the sister angle. There's a bunch of things that are going on in this franchise, and it's just going to get more when we get to the new movie. you know. But it is what it – maybe that's why because they do bicker amongst themselves too. But I have noticed it. Yeah. That's no shit. Like, look – with Banana Laser and Skeleton Crew, we had a couple battles with some people, and they were always Halloween fans. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird the way they are. But Halloween hey. fans are just wound a little tighter. <laughs> well, I mean, Michael Myers embodies the, the boogeyman, the boogeyman and, that, and he's great, and you can't take anything away from him. I do feel that what ended up happening is Jason became the the icon of horror. Uh, it's funny that J- Jerry Herring was just writing about this on, on his page today, I believe. And it, it, I'm bringing it up now. And I, I, I kind of, I voted for Jason because Jason came out mask and all boom. Freddie brought the personality and the comedy and, and whatever I know down the line, Dave don't not out of the gate. I understand that. But over time, now that we can look back, we're decades out. Now we're looking back. Jason has emerged as the horror icon of them all. And I yep. feel that, that Michael, like then the Halloween fans and the whole point of my ramble there is that Halloween fans are furious about that or are annoyed. Yeah. I actually voted That's for, right. for Freddie on that poll in terms of my feeling, just thinking about my childhood who embodied the, the slasher icon, everything was Freddie when I was younger. So I just immediately voted for him, but definitely I would put him and Jason ahead of Michael as to who are the faces of the slasher genre. Yeah, and I and I love all three. Sure, we all do. That listen, this this is not unbiased vote. I voted for Jason too, but it's not because I'm a Friday fanboy. It truly is because I believe that as far as pulp pop culture status, yes, you could see Jason's mask. You 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 would just see Jason popping up in many more places. And it's honestly, I'll tell you, it's mostly because of the hockey mask. I'll even take that stance. 
I really do think that it's because of that hockey mask. It's just, it's become it's taken a life of its own. It's more thank recognizable. You, Shelley. Yeah, thank you, Shelley. One good thing. Um, <laughs> that's one thing. It's just more recognizable than Michael than Michael's mask. And people love mask killers, but I think Jason just in, is just pop culture. I think more people will know him. Like your parents or something, or your grandparents, you could show them that. That's more recognizable as an evil character, I think. Yeah, I think if you lined up the three of them and polled, you know, however many non-horror fans, people who don't watch horror at all, they'd be able to point out Jason and Freddy sooner than they'd be able to point out Michael Myers. Well, Freddy's easy because he, he's he's different. He's, he's But that's the thing. He transcended even the horror genre is what I'm saying. True. You know what? Freddie may be the most recognizable. It's tough. I think Michael's in third regardless. Yeah, and that's that's, that's how I feel regardless. I, I, I do that's think at one point, Freddie had it. If we had this discussion in 1990, I think a lot of people would say, well, no, Freddie's the embodiment of horror. He was the pulp culture phenomenon. But I think what happened is over time, Freddie was forgotten, almost like exactly what happened in Freddie versus Jason. And Jason became an icon. Thank you, Beekler. So whatever. <laughs> uh, all I'm going to say, you know what? I've got newfound respect for Beekler. The guy's worked on every major franchise. It might be. So I, 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 I take right. back what I said in the last episode. I don't even know the guy. I just said he, he comes off a little arrogant. Uh, arrogant. And you know what? No, maybe I. Dickish? Yeah. And I, I get it. it's my view of how I'm reading him in these interviews. However, maybe he has a reason to be. He's worked on enough shit. So I, I take back what I say because he's worked with all the, the major uh, major icons in, in horror. Uh, but we're off track. We're off track. Like I just said, it, it yeah. was it was a good conversation. I I agree 100%. I think the new Halloween movie will, will propel Michael. I think it's going to be a huge hit. And I think Michael will become more popular again. But I think, yeah. sorry, Halloween fanboys, I think what will happen is once this is a hit, that Friday lawsuit is going to get sorted out real fast. And I Friday agree. the 13th, revisioned whether it's a part two or whatever the hell it is going to be it's coming in two years just like friday the 13th followed halloween in 1980 and then jason's going to be back up front but anyway back to halloween i'm sorry that, but that was a very interesting i think sidebar I absolutely uh, listen what a great movie i'm just going to say that right now this is a great movie <laughs> i'm not wrapping it up i'm not saying i'm doing that for that particular reason granted we can't go on forever but Lori is an excellent character she's a, the most relatable final girl to me she's just a very likable character to me and they all are even though annie and linda big deal so but they're getting high in there and they're getting laid big fucking deal <laughs> annie here's what i found funny i want to bring this quick thing up when she's talking on the phone she completely proves her point wrong she's on the phone talking to paul okay with john carpenter by the way and <laughs> he, he says i think that's all you think about right her response to that is that i always found this funny she goes, I think about plenty of things. And then she goes, let's uh, stop talking about them and get down to doing them. Yeah. So he's basically saying, she's saying him, you're a pig. All you think about you're is You're an sex. info. Right. <laughs> she's, saying yeah. It, yeah. she's saying it to him, right? He says it back to her. And then she just proves him wrong by saying, doesn't that sound like an innuendo? To, to, doesn't that sound like an innuendo? Innuendo? Yeah. God. Why don't we stop, you know, talking about it and get down to doing them? Didn't, didn't she just like prove him right by saying I think it was more of a playful thing, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just little things like that. Just because I've seen this movie so many times, as we all have. And that, that scene when they visit the Myers house is fucking epic. Everything about it, the soundtrack, everything they do, the speech with fucking everything that he says to Brackett. When that um, eaves trough piece comes through the window and breaks it, 
that sound effect, that's a great scare. Yep. Still love it to the day. It's unsettling, that noise and everything else. And that's when he, sh- he pulls out his gun uh, and, and, and shows that he's a little jumpy and not, and not quite there. And uh, But he has a permit. <laughs> he's got a permit he's for He's constantly pulling out that yeah. gun. He, loves he, gets out- so many, and he gets so many innocent people killed or nearly killed <laughs> from pulling out that damn gun. And we've yeah. talked about the music throughout the back catalog of our show. I think it all showed up in our top 20 soundtracks of all time. Uh, it is... Whether you call it simplistic or not, it's effective as all hell. And it's the most relatable. I go to the piano, I play it all the time, and my kids love it. And then they see me watching the movie and they're like, hey, that's that. That's like, they know it instantly. You put that on any Halloween and you've instantly set the mood. It's iconic. And it's not even just, granted, the theme is probably the most recognizable theme in horror, period. Like, you know, basically that's what you're saying. Yeah. But it, there's there's four things. It, the thing about this soundtrack, I think it is the best soundtrack ever as far as being in a film, watching a film beginning to end and it being there. And it's more than that. There's four themes here. There's the regular theme. There, There's the, you know, the, when you see Lori walk in the first time. Lori's theme? The, yeah. It's not really called Lori's. I call it Lori's theme too. But I think it is called Lori's theme. No, it's called Halloween 1978. In, in the beginning, in the intro is called Halloween 1963. Only reason I know this is because I've been listening to the soundtracks for two straight weeks. And I look, I've called it Lori's theme for years. So I'm with you. But on the actual Carpenter soundtrack, that's what it's listed as. But whatever, that's neither here nor there. And then you have the other one. And then you, there's, 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 there's four. And they're, they're repeated throughout the film. And they're all great. You got the shape stalking thing. You know, the shape stalk story. Dun, dun, dun. And there's anyway, I'm not, I can't do it. <laughs> there's basically four themes, and, and they keep through, throwing them throughout the film in the appropriate scenes, and they're fucking phenomenal. All four of them. They, they're so good that they can use those four things over and over, and then they continue to use those four. Not in every movie, not not every time, but they take those four and they continue to put them in the future films or, or little spinoffs of them. Sometimes they even combine them. But that shit is so good that it just keeps coming up. It never gets old. It's fantastic. It's called Lori's Theme in Part 2. That's for sure. I'm looking at the soundtrack right now. Yeah, maybe in Part 2, sure. Yeah, right. you just had to be right, didn't you? I had to. I fucking had to be. <laughs> I know, it's a maybe curse. That, you See, know, maybe that's why I thought that too. You know what I mean? Because I, I used to always call it Lori's Theme. So I, I always... <laughs> incorporated that i just had know? to be right <laughs> <laughs> i'm a fucking asshole but i did I, I had to be i had to look it up no that's funny i gotta bring something up because we recently had a comment a, a very nice comment about somebody who loved our our top 50 slasher show and pointing out some of the films on our list not being slashers now with the exception of two kills in here this film would not qualify as a slasher either for this person is two kills enough to qualify it as a slasher, you think? There's more than two kills. There's the guy No, but there's only two kills using a knife or a sharp object. You got the, this the, you got It doesn't it. matter. You got POV, you got stalking. That's something severely lacking in the sequels. Not all of them, some of them. Michael stalking in the yeah, background. Yeah, the, the stalking is is very Ooh. minimal in, in the sequels. You do get it a little bit more in, in some of the later sequels. We'll but, get to yeah. that because I, I make note every time because it's a big thing with me. It, yeah, but they do ra- I feel like they ramp up the slasher aspect of it. I feel like this film, to me, I could say this works best as a psychological stalk and terrorize film. And I just want to say... To everybody out there, there's actually five kills in this movie. Five. 
Let's not forget that. The sister, the guy yeah. the, uh, the, he gets the uh, uniform from, and then the three teenagers. And yep. no, because I think, uh, you know, BC, fan of the show, BC, love you, man. But I think he says, like, there's four bloodless killings in this movie. Well, and they, they, were, they were never going for gore. They were yeah. never going for gore in this. This is yeah. 1978. They weren't doing that. They didn't do it in Black Christmas either. That didn't start until Friday the 13th. And then the slasher boom. I wish Annie's kill was shot differently, though. It, you it, don't like uh, Annie's kill? No, nah, wow. I think it plays silly. Her facial expressions play silly. D- he takes out the knife at one point. Does he just cut her face? Dude, he, he slits her throat. Yeah. You don't, you don't see it like that. From the angle they shoot it at, it, it looks like she dies of being strangled. And Just, wow, dude. Do you have a VHS or no? What do you mean? Then I, I'm not busting your balls. I mean, did you watch it on VHS or did you watch it on Blu-ray? Blu-ray, of course. Okay. Well, no, I'm not. VHS? <laughs> Well, hold on. I'm not trying to make a joke. Well, I kind of The pan and scan version sucks, yeah. I could have said DVD. Okay, whatever. I am kind of making a joke. But anyway, the point is this. For years, I thought that he was strangled, that she was strangled by him. I did not know that there was a slice until the very first time. I watched my very first Blu-ray, and it was about... Mm, It was about seven, eight years ago on Halloween night. I had a Blu-ray, and I had a PS3. You know what I mean? So I had never watched a Blu-ray before, and I had this. I was given a box set as a gift, and in that box set, it was all DVDs except there was one Blu-ray, and it was Halloween. And that night, I put that thing in, and I saw this movie as never before. And that was the very first time I saw that he took took out a knife and slit her throat. Yeah, no, I knew it until Blu-ray. I saw the knife and I saw the slash, but from the angle of shooting it through the driver's side window, I thought it would have been more effective if they had shot it through the windshield, the front windshield. I'll tell you, oh, well, that was a, a shot decision. I'll tell you why, Dave. I think most of the VHS, I think all the VHS actually, were pan and scan, and you didn't even really see Myers pop out properly with the, the pop-out noise because of the way they had to crop it and whatnot. And I think that was also led to the fact that you never really noticed that he had a knife either. You just hear the sound effect. Uh, yeah. I will tell you, again, a great Laserdisc story. I know people love it when I bring it up. That's where I noticed it because it was beautifully letterbox so that you would see the full frame and see michael pop out on cue strangle and of course slicer so my first experience with that would have been probably seeing it on laserdisc but i did carry uh-huh. over the, the dvd the dvds had it as well my special edition uh, dvd of it has it i never well. noticed i have this on so many dvds and i no shit never picked up on that until really? the first time i watched a blu-ray and that's why i've been hooked on blu-rays ever since because i've seen halloween a hundred times and that night it was like watching it for the first time i was literally well not literally i was figuratively <laughs> blown away i'm not one of those guys <laughs> i was figuratively blown away when that happened and i'll tell you what I never, you're going to laugh at me, but I don't give a shit. I never noticed Michael was standing. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had a man. I thought it was a guy. No. I never noticed he was killing people. <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed that Michael was standing behind the car that he was driving when he was looking at Lori in the classroom. I thought she looked outside the classroom and just saw the car. I never saw Michael there until I saw the blu ray. <laughs> what? That is, that's, no, we're, that's I'm laughing of, right at you. For, yeah, I'm kind of laughing at you too for all the amazing things you're pointing out. This whole thing, like that, just kind of like sets you back a few yeah. steps because he's literally right there. The VHS I, was so yeah, blurry, I didn't notice him. I guess I focused. Well, hold on. Sometimes your eyes do things. I think I just always focused on the car because it's like a brown color, and I just didn't notice the white mask 
the head above, above the, you know, the hood of the car. I just never looked at it. But with, with Blu-ray, it's different. Everything is plain as day. Everything is out there in the open. It, it's part of the Blu-ray experience. So I don't know. I just never, my, maybe my eyes just never gravitated to it. That's happened to me in, in different movies before. But that's, I saw that the first time, and I saw The Kill the first time, and I was like, holy fuck. That is when I became a Bluetuber overnight. That is when the next day I said, all I'm watching from now on is Blu-rays. Because that shit blew me away. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I've seen this movie so many times, and now I've, I felt like I've never watched it fully <laughs> until now. Yeah, I, always saw, I don't think I ever saw this on VHS, but from DVD on, I always recognized the knife. But I just, the angle, I just, I, I wish it was more straight on, because it looks more like a slice down, like almost the way he shit stabs uh, Laurie in, in the arm. It felt almost like a downward kind of slice that maybe not didn't kill her and then he finishes strangling her and she you know her head falls against the uh, steering wheel i love I, it I, I love it i love the setup to it i think we did mention it on the yep. show too that it, it. it might be a bit of a faux pas if you really think about it but again after umpteenth serious. amount of times well the doors the car's locked the car's locked she's what. gonna go back to get the keys and then she just doesn't think about it because she's singing and she just opens up and gets in the car how does that happen yeah she wasn't right. thinking she has her mind on getting some dick no, I'm not talking about her forgetting that the car was locked. The car was locked. She went back, got the keys, and then it's unopened. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying I understand she forgot. Wait, she wasn't no, did she, she pull, did she pull the handle and say it was locked, or did she just go get the keys yeah. because she needed the keys to drive? No, she went in, opened the opened the, the handle, it was locked. She goes, no keys, and then she Correct. went back, went got the keys, came back, mm-hmm. and then they got in the car. I'm not saying I understand. Did they have not Bob thinking. back in 1978? So what? Fobs, where you could, you know, the keyless entry, where you could hit a button. No, I don't think button. so. Would you call it Fobs? Yeah, Fob. Fob. F-A-U-B. That's what no. it's called, Key Fob. In my fucking life. Wow. Yeah. Fob? You would have seen it. Well, if you had the Blu-ray, I think you see it in the Blu-ray edition. Yeah, it's a Fob. <laughs> Blu-ray, there's a Key Fob. And she clicks the button, and the handles come unlocked. So, see. And they go up butterfly what? doors. Yeah, what the fuck see, is with you guys? What's your fucking beef again? See, I don't get it. Okay, the door, well, because the I keep getting interrupted. It's the, the door's locked, so that means it's locked. What, does Michael Myers has a spare key? No, Michael was in the car to begin with. Michael was in the car. He locked the fucking door. He okay, was in the and then she and he just unopened it to make her. You know what? That's I buy yeah, that. Okay, that's fine. Why the fuck because why would she go out in the first place thinking it's unlocked? Because she left it unlocked. So she's not yeah. thinking about getting a good dicking. She's actually thinking she remembers what she's done. There you go. So that's what she that that that's what it is. So okay. problem solved. Totally fine. Boom. Problem solved. <laughs> done and done. <laughs> I went from a zero to a ten. (laughs) We may as well just run through the rest of the kills so we're not here all damn night. I mean, that's a great kill. (laughs) The kill with Bob is fucking amazing. Bob's a great kill. Danny's probably my least favorite kill, but Bob's a great kill. (laughs) Linda, you asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Oh, this shit's great. I mean, that's brilliant. Just a simple thing that's so effective the way he lifts him up the look on the face the fucking knife through him and of course the tilt of the head which is everyone loves it and yeah, I believe... somebody who's killing dogs throughout the whole franchise he sure loves to mimic their behaviors with those fucking head tilts <laughs> you know <laughs> why <laughs> because he ate the dog he's slowly turning into a dog oh my god you guys are the dog. in the new one i heard he he stalks on all fours <laughs> he just might maybe he's gotten to that point I want to know, okay, just for the listeners out there, where did the eating of the dog came from? I know they say he got hungry. Did somebody actually in your camp, when you were reviewing this film, 
think that he was eating the dog or is that just a joke that spawned from the line, he got hungry? Of course he ate the dog. Why would he not say he got he got hungry, he ate the dog? No, he, drive. he got Why hungry. He up a drive are you guys, are you seriously thinking he ate the dog? He got hungry to kill. He needed to kill something. He got hungry. He didn't actually eat the fucking dog. Oh, I got the I, impression I, that he's actually living off of eating dog. I do too. What else is he? You think he goes to a drive-through? He's he should go to a drive-through. He drives very nicely. He would not hit. He would not hit. The <laughs> I have never. I thought it literally was like, like him explain, like him saying he got hungry, as in he got hungry to kill. A hunger to kill. Uh, that's, that's interesting. I never viewed it as he physically ate dog. Oh sure, that, that, that's too cheap of a line for Loomis to use. He got hungry. He's hungry to kill. That's beneath him. He's he's much better than Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm sorry, it is. I I, I can't. I, I don't even know right now if you're bullshitting me. I'm not fucking bullshitting <laughs> you. And I'll go a step further. In H two, Rob Zombie's Halloween two, you see him fucking eating a dog, munching on the fucking thing, straight that's up. That's true. You do see that. He so Rob Zombie took it literally. Also, another oh. guy that took it. Yeah, he eats the dog. Okay, zero out of ten. Listeners, <laughs> let the headlights weigh in. Somebody, somebody, please go on our Twitter or on our Facebook group page or something and weigh in. Do you think this is a literal thing that he that he oh ate dog? Is God. Or no, it's an interesting point, Christian. I'll give you that. But I was yeah. always on the he's actually eating the dog. Part. I never, yeah, sure. I never hungry. thought that. And then I thought you guys were making a joke about no. the line of he got hungry, so he ate dog. I'm like, that's funny. That's, <laughs> you guys kill me. I never once took you guys seriously. <laughs> I, and I feel like a jerk now. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I no, just you're not a like, jerk. well, yeah, but I am a jerk. A, no, I am, but just not, not because of this. Yeah, or many other things, but not this. <laughs> wow, literally, yeah, he ate dog. Let that sink in. He ate dog. Yeah. And that's what no, he I, does. I don't want he it to sink in because I hate that character trait. <laughs> oh boy, now you're going to be one of those people, and now all of a sudden you don't like Michael because he ate a dog. No, <laughs> don't no. you? Wouldn't you rather? Wouldn't you be happier if he's killing a dog for food than just killing it to kill it? Now he's got a reason. This is the only dog he eats, though. Yeah. Cat's not good enough for him? No, he don't eat pussy. He's not that kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was all just to get to that joke. Oh! Right, what a gonna... <laughs> yes, he this set him up, he knocks him out. <laughs> no, I honestly never took it literally at all. Wow, well, that's one to grow on. What can I tell you? I don't know. Yeah. We'll put it to vote. We will I really feel like nobody's going to be on your side on that one. <laughs> not to be a dick. I, I oh, like I'm the not... theory. I like the... The idea behind your explanation—it makes me think now. But I always felt like everybody was just on board with the on board with the dog eating I never scenario. Once, I never once thought that ever. Well, why <laughs> would he say that a skunk did it? Why would a skunk fucking a skunk, kill a dog? He was a, open, yeah. Obviously. A skunk had the had the hunger to kill. <laughs> right. See, that's why he said. Yeah. That, now I feel like an idiot. Eat. Maybe I'm just. <laughs> yeah. Why no, you're you're, you're, you're a yeah. mongrel. Um, a fuck, you know what I mean? It makes sense now. It was cut open. Why would he say a skunk did it? Yeah. If a skunk kill it just by giving it smell, God bless it. But you know, no, I, I, you know, the more I'm thinking of the line, and the more I'm hearing you talk, the more I'm like, I'm a fucking idiot. And it, it, he was literally hey, hungry and ate dog. I'm here to help. That's right. He yeah. did. It's okay. Aren't you happier now that he? No, I, I, I'm not, not happier about it. You but would just... rather he kill for fun. It's really yeah. okay, Christian. Most Canadians are well, fucking idiots. Fucking dogs. <laughs> You're okay with him killing dogs for oh, no reason. Fuck! I hope those terrorists go higher. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I, I, I never even questioned it until I brought it up. Now I'm just like, wow, yeah, you guys have funny. You have a point that I now I just feel stupid for all these years not thinking that. 
That's okay. We're, I, I have we're one stupid question. Stupid Michael. <laughs> it, it, until v, until Blu-ray. So What's we both question? have done stupid things. Brandon's done a few stupid things. That, that's what we do. Yeah. Go ahead, Brandon. Say something else. That's my you. that's my go-to move is to do a stupid thing. Like, look, I Here. one of the things that, that I know that I've heard and and stuff when when she unmasks Michael and it's just it's just actually the actor's face. No, it's not just the actor's face. Because that's what I want to say. Because John Carpenter is known for saying it's just the actor's face and that no cosmetic was done. But didn't they do something to his left eye? They did. No, they did. They said they put. They, people think that he's more deformed. He said all they did was put the wound for the the stab yeah. of the uh, hanger in the eye. But it, okay, it, because okay. it does look bulged, he looks off. And yeah, so it, I people, got the impression yeah. that, that Carpenter said they didn't do anything to it, but they did. They did do something to the eye, and that does have a great effect on it because you know I freeze framed it, and even though it is just the eye, it still looks. He still looks massively deformed for some reason. Yeah, it does look. It, it has a good effect. It is yeah. simple, not. simple effect again, and it works. It does. Here's, here's something interesting I want to bring up. You realize in the big three, all, uh, the killers, all their first movies, they use the phone. Never thought about that until this time. To use a Jason, phone. Jason uses the phone in part two when he calls Alice before he kills her in part two because that's Jason's real first movie. Okay? I'm not discounting the jump in the boat. Freddy obviously uses the phone. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. That whole fucking thing. Michael <laughs> uses the phone in this one and breathes and fucking worries on the other end. And that signifies it's on. That's it. Yeah, that's just cool. it's not. Yeah, and I was like, wow, how about that? They all use a phone in their first movie, you know what I mean? So just a, a funny little thing, I thought. And that not that great? As soon as that happens and you feel it, as soon as Lori's on the phone after Linda does her thing, ah, ah, after all that's over with, as soon as he is on the phone and she hears him almost, she like backs up and then hang up the phone, boom, it's like a fucking bell goes off. It's on, boom, final fucking chase sign. sign. Here it is, you know? Man, yeah, I love that. I get I get so excited. Of course, we can't just blow over freaking uh, the ghost. Awesome, but why does she say, "Can I get your ghost, Bob?" That, did you ever hear that expression outside of this movie? No, that's what she says. What's the matter, Bob? Can I get your ghost? You know, I feel like I've heard that before, but it might just be from Halloween. <laughs> it is from just I even googled it to make sure before I came on here tonight that that phrase does not exist. Get your ghost. But she laughs it off like. It's well, something. maybe maybe it's a play. Isn't the isn't the expression "get your goat"? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I don't know. I'm serious. Isn't there an expression called "get your goat"? I'm looking it up right now. Go ahead. I never. Maybe heard in your college days. <laughs> <laughs> get someone's goat. To get someone's goat means to irritate someone. It's Can a playoff. Yeah. Oh man, thank you. See, we're just helping each other out with this. Film. Get that your was goat. my my one complaint. Wow. Just Christian one. just went from a zero back up to a ten because yeah. he yes. got a ghost. <laughs> well, I, oh, I just want to know how he cut the eyes out all nicely for like on the sheet. And then he's a crafter. He set up the diorama of <laughs> Judith Meyer's room, and then he right after that he's like, "Let me fashion myself a nice ghost outfit, yeah. and let's just need some glasses. I'll kill Bob strictly for his glasses." My glasses. I gotta <laughs> tell you though, when you see that Judith Meyer's thing there, it's brilliant, and the feng shui in that room was just perfect. Yeah, he rearranged that whole room. <laughs> Much better flow. And the little musical cue. I fucking love that. Little things like that, you know, and that, that noise that's in the film. Oh, man. All these little musical cues are fucking, they're so great. Yeah, the musical cues are on point in this film. Boy, oh, boy. It, boy, it oh, does, boy. It, it's a character into itself. As we know, yeah. 
there's the screening without the music and they thought it would never play and they put that soundtrack on it and here we are talking about it so many years later 40 years later not only that it's funny that i didn't even realize it came out to negative really negative reviews primarily but the word of mouth is what sort of got it going i don't it wasn't in um 25 years later or 25 years of terror it was in uh, a documentary that came that i saw on youtube i think done by uh, a british team or whatnot but they're talking in the intro they're talking about how it was getting panned i'm first. not surprised the great the great horror films usually are although ebert liked it i think um he was uh i think for one for someone that at the time wasn't really all that about horror he seemed to like halloween well it was kind of the first of its kind it was the first to have the stalk that way. It was the first to have all these things happen that we saw later on in Slash, like the bodies dropping out out of nowhere when Lori's there and the body and the body started a little carnival, like some people complain about it. But it got mimicked for years in this franchise and in Slashers. Period. It just became a thing. Like the things they did in Black Christmas were cool, and there were some inventive things there. And but what they did here, more stuff that they did here became mimicked throughout the slasher, the subgenre. It just there wasn't anything like this. It's it's so simple, but I can't think of a movie before this where you see a, a masked killer stalking that way. Yes, we did have masked killers and giallos and things like that, but it, it wasn't done this way the way it was here. It, it seems like it's such a simple thing, but of course I haven't seen every horror movie. But I, I don't know. Do you guys think this is the first that did this? Because I, I kind of do. I always go back to the the Phantom of the Opera. And I know that that's different, but that's where I feel like some of the inspiration came for the slasher, a deformed person wearing a mask. And because of what's happened to him as, as sort of uh, become like a, a, a killer when he needs to be, I know it wasn't necessarily a straight slasher, but that type of that feeling. Yeah. Okay. I see that. Is he the first killer that won't stay dead or down? You remember well, no, seeing that ever? Uh, no, I think, I think that's where John Carpenter takes it to the boogeyman level and, and he's an embodiment of evil, uh, which the ending part of this where, you know, Loomis sees that he's not there on the ground laying dead after he was shot six times, that you just hear the breathing and all the familiar areas that we've been throughout the movie. And it's just a picture perfect way to end the film. And then the credits, the way they roll, with the music coming in and the way the credits look with the black and the orange. Oh, my God. I wish you guys hadn't pointed out to me on the, I guess it was the Top 50 show, that you could see him carrying Annie in just the, the, the quick pictures they show at the very end. Oh, I forgot that. I didn't notice it this time either. I, I noticed it this time, but it's, really, it's, not, it's not that big a deal. It's, it's very subtle. But, you know, he wouldn't stay down. Do you ever remember? Because uh, everyone did it later. Jason wasn't, kept getting up. But I don't think there's a movie with a killer stalking someone who just keeps getting up when you think they're dead. Because you, you think that she has him dead two or three times. I, I think back then it's not passe. I think people actually buy that the killer dies at one point. It isn't like now where you know they're going to get up. No, no. This was still when, when everything was just starting in the sense of like, that wasn't a cliche. Yeah, that hadn't was, been done this yet. Was the this was the invention of the This was a pioneer. Of the, yeah, of the unstoppable. Yeah. Exactly. Like, exactly, Brandon. Like my son, like I said, he was watching with me. He's like, does this guy ever die? This guy never oh, dies. Yeah. Like he was, he was getting frustrated because you know he want, he loves when the good guys win. That's how he looks at it. Lori was a good guy. That's and a, uh, hey, I'm right there with him. Just point and laughing and be like, ah, the bad guy won. Yeah, and then he goes, Dad, <laughs> you didn't even know he ate a dog. Like, Shut up, son. <laughs> that's dumbass. You didn't even know he ate a dog, Dad. <laughs> oh. oh, that's fucking great. Yeah. And just a couple little subtle things. His face appearing out of blackness. 
in that that one scene. Yeah. I don't even know. It's brilliant how they did it on this low budget. Holy That's shit. the scene w- with Annie, right? Where she... No, no, no. It's Laurie in the final Laurie, chase. Where, where he just it just comes out of blackness, the white mask. And and again, they oh. they do a, a nod to it. And in fact, I think even top it with the higher budget of part two. But you're right for the budget and what they were doing with light here. I love that reveal. I could have sworn they did that with Annie also earlier, where she's just standing there and just the mask is visible, and then she yes. turns and it's gone. You're, you're it's. Oh um, yeah, but that's different. Yeah. This one appeared out of darkness. Yeah. You know, it was different. It, it, it slowly became came into the scene, you know, where you could see it fully focused. Like you're so talking about like with Laurie standing in the doorway. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. almost like they yes. turn on the the key light that illuminates the mask, and it's just yeah, it's just perfect amazing and with the musical cue on top of it and then when michael when she falls down the stairs and michael chases her down and you see him coming down the stairs dong dong it's fucking epic all that shit and then of course the sit up and, and the head turn i mean that fucking is scary shit my god i think a dog whistle would defeat michael yeah probably at this point <laughs> make his head explode yeah <laughs> speaking well, of which what a, what, a, what a segue into it Right. Yeah, we should we've, probably get to it since this has been like a I mean, four-hour review. Oh, fuck. We've <laughs> talked about it before, a, a lot shorter. I mean, I don't think we're, we're unless someone's rating significantly changed, and I can tell by David hasn't. Full head explosion, ten out of ten, hasn't changed. I'll tell you what, full head explosion, ten out of ten, and I hinted at this a couple years ago. I, I had the thought a couple years ago when I watched it for the first time that my number three movie, which has always been this behind. Exorcist and Shining, that it was there. I go. I said the last time I watched this, this was like a couple years ago. When we first started the podcast. I said, I feel like this could be my, my new favorite movie now. And I said, Yeah. Then I watch it again for the slasher show. And I said, No. Well, I'll tell you what. I watch it this time, and I could officially declare that after fucking twenty years plus, <laughs> this has taken the number one spot. This is my favorite horror movie of all time. Awesome. So, That's awesome. Yeah. He finally yeah. figured out Lori was in this movie, too. The Blu-ray also showed that part. <laughs> He's like, who's this Lori they keep talking about? <laughs> I, it's the most comfortable movie. I can sit down and watch. I watched it three times this past, uh, in these last two weeks. And it wasn't in October. I always watch it in October. And this was the test. I watched it in September because we're recording this early. And yes, it does still feel like Halloween, but I used to give it the credit and saying I love it so much because it's, uh, I always watch it on a Halloween night or October and it takes me in. But it's more than that. I think I can watch this movie anytime now. And it's just the, mo- the most comfortable movie for me. I feel like I'm there. Like these are real people. It's just I can't explain it. I just I love the movie more than any other movie. And that's all there is now. It's official to me. So. Yeah, I like that comfort comment because there is a comfort to watching this movie and it's just brilliantly paced and it, it just it just moves along just so quickly. I, I feel like I could watch this over and over. I'm, I'm also at a full head explosion. I believe I was at a nine and a half on the slasher show. But you know what? That was because of all the nitpicks and they're still there. You got to suspend some disbelief for some of them. But you know what? In terms of the enjoyment factor, it's it's a 10 out of 10. Badaboo, a perfect nice. movie. Yeah. Perfect score in the whole game. Yeah, no, it does, you know, it deserves it cuz every no movie is without its flaws. I mean, its no, films it. are subjective, so whatever, but I had such a blast this time with it. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that first review. The the, the rest aren't going to be this long. <laughs> <laughs> if they okay. are, we'll be done next Tuesday. <laughs> this is Halloween part 1. It's epic. It is what it is. What what else can we say? But we we said a lot, so Time for Halloween 2. Oh, but before we go further, I should have said this at the beginning of the episode, 
And I didn't. You guys should know that this is obviously a two-part thing. This is part one. The next is part two. When we get to part two, we are covering the new one. I didn't say it at the beginning of the show, but I figured uh, obviously it's something we want you guys to know so you'll come back and listen to us when the new Halloween 2018 drops. Hopefully it will be one of the first podcasts to get it out. So, But that is included. Five movies this time, five movies next episode, including the new one. So I was so pissed that we couldn't see it at TIFF, Toronto International oh. Film Festival. It sold out yeah. in pre-sales. So by the time it actually, like right at 10 a.m., they, they were sold out already. Gone. You you know why? Because they got the hunger to kill dog. <laughs> they got hungry. Those fucking that I deal with. Awesome. <laughs> uh, should we get into part two? Let's do it. Yeah. All yeah. right. Halloween 2, 1981. Directed by Rick Rosenthal. Written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. While Sheriff Bracken and Dr. Loomis hunt for Michael Myers, a traumatized Lori is rushed to hospital and the serial killer is not far behind. So this is the first time we get Rick Road. <laughs> Got Rick Road in here? We, we get Rick Road. We get Rick Road. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, this is not the last time we get Rick Road. <laughs> ah, speaking of next show, yes. <laughs> Indeed. You know what I found interesting? So I learned some stuff when I saw it this time. Not the movie itself. I saw the documentary on Halloween 2. I didn't realize it was as plagued with as many problems as it was. I didn't realize about as many, uh, they had as many insert shots. What I did remember back in my main brain, and it must have been, I saw the TV version at some point. I remember Ben, or not Ben Tramer, sorry. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy. Jimmy being in the ambulance at the end. I remember that. So then right? when, when she leaves and it's just on her face and the version I've seen ever since, I was like, why do I have this vague memory of him being in that uh, ambulance and that's because he was in the ambulance they just decided to cut him out of the theatrical version do you think in the theatrical version at least laurie tells somebody that he's got a severe head wound and he's bleeding out in that car over there <laughs> while that while that howard cosell guy is doing the play-by-play of her being put in the ambulance <laughs> <laughs> don't you love our reviews we start with the ending of the movie yeah, we right now <laughs> right well, it's weird. <laughs> ratings? Well, it's weird, though. It's weird you should say that because Halloween, the one we just did for 78, we almost went chronologically for the first time ever. It wasn't even planned on, yeah. but we did. So this time we got to make up for it. We're going to start at the end. Work our way back. <laughs> yeah, we have to do that now just because that's how we do it. You know what? See, it's real funny you should say that. This movie is nostalgic for me because I recorded this off of regular TV when I was a kid, and I also remember that happening. And I also am a bit of a fan of the TV version because we have the re-releases and I'll talk a little bit about it later that there's some good stuff in the TV version and they did re-release it uh, with the Scream Factory um, only DVD not blue but still there's some good stuff that they actually took out of this film that I wish they would have left in and there's and then, uh, there's other stuff I'm glad they took out but I always remember him popping up at the end too it's weird you should say that did you have this channel I know you're not far from me in Canada did you have channel 29 WUTV when you were a kid? The yeah, I believe we did. Yeah, because I, I can almost remember the logo. I think it was like a starry sky or black, and it was like just outlined. Like two and a nine in a circle. Yeah. We used to watch that was the almost slogan, positive. too. WUTV. Okay, yeah. private parts. We got you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I taped it off of there. So I have nostalgia for the TV version because I taped it off of that. 
WUTV. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I always remember that, and I'll tell you, I, but that's a whole other thing. But isn't that weird though? We both recalled that. Like, I, that I remember, and the other thing I remember is the, the scene of Michael's POV because there's a lot more POV in this one. Oh, it's great. And the the scene of the POV of him going down the stairwell, and mm-hmm. it just slam cuts to him being in the I think the nursery hallway. Or, right. or one of the hallways. It, it just slam cuts. Like just a quick in cut the, right in the theatrical, in the theatrical yeah. version. But in the TV yeah. version, it's one long shot. And right. I was like, wow, this that it's great. So what, you, what is kind of a jarring cut in the theatrical. Mm-hmm. still works, but never really sat well with me. was actually a full shot at one point. I a wish, continuous shot. Yeah. I wish I had the technology and, and, and the way to do it to blend a perfect version. Blu-ray quality, of course, because like I said, I'm spoiled on Bluetooth. But of the scenes from this one, you know, they deserve to be in it because there's a perfect cut in there somewhere. Not that I have any issue with theatrical, but because I've seen some of the stuff in the TV version, I'm like, hmm, that would have been better if they left it in. But other stuff, oh, my God, thank goodness they took it out. But whatever. (laughs) Or the the recutting or the recutting of like the security guard uh, looking. Although I've always thought this and I'm just going to bring it up for the show. That scene is long as it is right now in the theatrical. I almost feel like it's too long of quote unquote suspense build scene. However, I still like it. I like the payoff, but they, they screw it up in the TV version by inserting various shots of Michael coming downstairs and rounding yeah. corners. And that, he's really that holding away the... from the, the suspense of that kill. Cause that's a great kill. But it yeah. does drag on a little bit. And the most idiotic thing is that he didn't show Janet how to work the walkie-talkie before he left. <laughs> Just show her how to work it. She clearly says, I don't know what I'm doing. That's true. Well, he was bugging out. We didn't even talk about the opening, the no, opening credits. Well, I mean, I know. We're, like I said, we're working backwards. But okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give us a segue to go back in then. I know we've talked about this before. I'm not saying it, it is a seamless continuation. No. But part one and two go hand in hand whether you like the plot developments or without i'm just saying they managed to make it as continuous as they could keeping it on the same night there are problems with that but i'm saying for the most part it works so i think part one and two go very well together and i think part four and five go very well together i think six kind of ends up being a fish out of water true not counting three but yeah (laughs) well i I mean of course yeah right for what we're doing no i hear you you know what it's great that it picks up, and I can't think of a sequel that did it before this, and probably, you're probably going to laugh at me and say, what are you talking about, Dave? This movie did it. Well, whatever. I, I don't know. But they did what you can do with a sequel. The thing is, John Carpenter didn't know what to do. He sat down. He was somehow contractually obliged to do this. So th- this is all Carpenter and Hill, except he didn't direct it, but the music, obviously, with some help from uh, Alan Haworth, who freaking took it to the next level in, in the futures with the soundtrack, which yeah, club, is great. Club music. Club, club Michael. I'll tell you, <laughs> this is like, what do you call it? This is like uh, uh, the Argeno. This is like the Argeno Halloween. Because he, it's- he was at a rave eating dogs, dancing to this music. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one film he doesn't kill a dog, right? This is the one? Yeah, yeah. this is the one. Yeah. This is the one time he there doesn't no, kill do- a There were no dogs. In the- there was no dog. Oh, that one check. Woof, woof. Oh, rare. Oh, what one check? Which check? No, I'm, I'm totally kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're all gorgeous oh. in this movie. They yeah, are. I was going to say, because I was trying to think, who the hell are you talking about? Oh, everybody is, is, is very attractive in this film. Every every girl. Yeah, that's even, crazy. Even Bud is a good-looking guy. Yeah, even <laughs> Dead Annie is good, even though she blinks a little bit. Yeah, she, yeah, she does blink. Twitchy. I noticed that. 
She blinks with her eye closed. Oh, and moves her yeah. This you movie looks great. I know that's what you're getting yeah. to, Dave. The cinematography in this film is great. I mean, it takes what was set up in the original and it, in, in some cases trumps it from the cinematic look. There's some things that they do. Like I said, they, they do that illumination of the mask when the girl's uh, going for Dr. Uh, Squirmer or whatever his name is with the... Janet you know, and Dr. Mixter? Yeah. Mixter. Squirmer. <laughs> Dr. Mixter. He's got the uh, the the um, hypodermic needle in the eye, and then she gets it, but Michael yeah. uh, just emerges from behind her. Beautiful. That's one of my fa- that's one of my favorite kills. I love that. That's so brutal. The, the air framing, bubble right the in the brain. framing in it. The framing of that shot, too, where you see Dr. Mixter in the sort of the bottom What did you What did you call him the first time? Squirmer. Squirmer? Dr. Squirmer. <laughs> Jeez, we got a real squirmer here. <laughs> that's crazy. Dr. Mixter, squirmer. That, that's funny. I love the good old days when the doctors at the hostels were drunk out of their mind. He was <laughs> what? He was at the party that Lori's parents were at? Yeah, yeah. no one could track them down. They went to a cheap hotel that fuck or something like that. Because <laughs> no one could find them. Parents ever. The worst. Holy <laughs> shit. Can you imagine having a teenage daughter and... This is all happening. You have no clue. You're not even going to check on her. You must see in the news that there's something going on. What oh, because those newscasts start like two seconds after everything happens. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not really her mother. I'm not really your mother. Yeah, that's so stupid. I yeah. hate that. I absolutely I hate, hate that. Well, here's what I hate. And here's, I'm going to complain. You said that it's seamless. Here's the issue. The music, a little bit of a twinge, but definitely different. So if you watch it that way, but I'm going to say something else. Because of how late it is, on Halloween, part one, by the time the trick-or-treating is done, remember, they, they, they shut the light off and everything Well, the guys trick-or-treated to death at the beginning of this movie. I mean, <laughs> yes. you know I know, there's is. still trick-or-treaters. I, I said the timeline's skewed. They go backwards. Yeah, yeah, so now you're like, wait a minute. A minute later, ten minutes after the movie starts, you see that thing with Ben Tramer and all these kids <laughs> trick-or-treating. So if you go right from one to the other... I know. Like, I, yeah. Little things like that, that, that it's almost better. Now, I'm not bullshitting you. Every Halloween night, I watch one and I follow it up with two. Just for the sake of argument, I'm saying that sometimes, like this time I watched one and then I watched two the next day. There's something about it where it's it's not as jarring to see that. And Yeah, I didn't find it jarring. It's interesting that you bring it up. But every Halloween, I drink a 40-ounce in memory of Bennett <laughs> Tramer. <laughs> yeah, Bennett. Yeah. You where know was what? that cop going? That is still what? the funniest scene in the whole cop? franchise. He's going 300 miles an hour and does not attempt to slow down. Into what, though? Like, it looks you like he was going into Ben Tramer. Why would a cop on Halloween night with Ben Tramer ripping through a freaking neighborhood? <laughs> and Loomis got Ben Tramer killed because Loomis is the one that pulled the gun that forced him into the street. Scared him. Yeah, he exactly. scared the shit out of him. I got to go back to the beginning because I found this very funny. Of course, oh. we know there's a mistake in the theatrical six times. I shot him six times. And of course, we hear seven blasts. They fixed right. that in the TV version. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Or I forgot. So there is only six shots in the TV version. Yep, so they, 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 were, they realized or because at that point, there was no Internet to tell them they made a ton of mistakes. They obviously figured it out after the sound uh, scene theatrically and then and then fix it for TV. But It would have been funnier if that seventh shot in the second one was him killing Lori. <laughs> and Lori <laughs> screams. They had a scream after yeah. the first gunshot of Lori in the TV. That's it for the TV version because that's all I noticed that was, I mean, there's way more differences, oh. but I want to focus yeah. on the version right. most people are going to watch. Constantly, but sure. I, don't, don't, I thought those were notable to bring up. Absolutely. There's more. There's funny stuff, too, that I'll talk about yeah, later. Yeah, please do. Bottom line is there's character development. 
that you don't see that I wish they would have left in to care more a little bit about some of these characters. There's and there's one... some other stalking, which is always good. Another thing, what happened to the car? What car? Michael's car. How come he has to walk to the hospital this time? Because Loomis is in it now. <laughs> <laughs> he left it at the house. Yeah. Is Loomis driving his car? No. He's no Loomis hops in bracket for the rest of yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, he's with bracket. That's right. Yeah, because he's driving with them, and, you know, I'm just about at that point. What point? When I stop taking orders from you, you know? By the way, <laughs> did you realize he orders everybody around yeah. in that movie? Even at the end of Halloween Part 1, he he sees the cop. He tells the cop, he goes, okay, you get behind the houses. I'll go in the front. And he's like, move it. He tells him, yeah. move it. I know. The cop. <laughs> I know. He's the he's he's one in control. Crazy yeah, bastard. So oh, shit. Heightens my sense of security. I fucking love him. He carries the gun. But anyway, can we talk about the beginning? Because how awesome it is. Lots that of POV. Swoop, oh. That swooping shot with Mr. Sandman playing. Whoever made the decision to put Mr. Sandman in this film deserves fucking props. Because what a great thing. And it just seems to fit right in. Like it I does. hear that song and I think of this yeah. film. It's and it gets a lot, of mixed, a lot of mixed reactions on that. I think it's brilliant. And I love the, how it's used. And I, I love yeah. that, that swooping shot with the, with the, the leaves rustling in the trees. And, and then now, now they do make a mistake. It's a brilliant idea to show the other end of Michael getting gunned down and falling off the, the balcony. However, obviously he's the going ramp. up. Why <laughs> yeah. the fuck would you even do that? It makes yeah. zero sense. You can't get a stuntman to back up and to fall over a railing. The yeah. regular He walks right up a ramp. I've always yeah. wondered that too. They, they could have edited that. Use the original version. Fine. But yeah. I, 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 I understand yeah. the artistic the, the choice to say, hey, let's show this from the other angle. I think that's brilliant. But all they had to do was not put the ramp there. I don't get the. Maybe they were going to do it, and then someone said, oh, well, maybe it was someone threw a flag from the studio or something. Oh, you got to do this for safety reasons. But I, I don't know. It just. Maybe in part one, he was walking up a ramp. We never see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Lucas walks up and. Doo -doo -doo -doo, and looks down. <laughs> Does a free fall. And all he of a sudden. Dropped, he drops an atomic elbow on Michael <laughs> from the top of the ramp. And he sees that imprint in the grass. I love that. For no reason, it's there. Like a like a body that landed there for three seconds is gonna freaking flatten out grass as if it was a dead body there for three weeks. You know? <laughs> well, a couple of things I've mentioned here. Like I know people come down on this one and say Michael's a, very much a robot. I don't really have a problem with it. I, I used to. Yeah, I've solved. I know. I mean, I, it doesn't bother me that much. What I find very weird is, other than that kill at the beginning with the knife, he uses a scalpel for the whole movie. Yeah. Or a hammer. Well, he uses a scalpel yeah. on one kill, or a hammer, or, or water in his hand. Or a what? Not water, well, not water in his hand. He <laughs> drowns the fucking girl with, with Drink water. Drink this water! Yeah, he strangles, but from a blunt instrument standpoint, other than that hammer kill, I mean, he uses a scalpel to lift up the, uh, one nurse yes. and, and slowly and slices, not, the, slices uh, the cop's neck, neck with it, <laughs> stabs Loomis with it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess he did. Okay. There's a All lot right. of scalpel uh, uh, At action. At least it's Slasher-esque. He's not strangling anyone. Yeah. He is well, strangling Ben or um, Leo, Leo Rossi. Yeah, and, oh, he, and, he, and he strangles Mrs. Owls because she's got the thing around her neck and he's draining her blood, which is also a hilarious scene when poor Jimmy just – I mean, the amount of blood when they pan back to show you that's on the floor, it's just a ridiculous amount for him to not have felt or seen even though it's dark when he comes into the room. Because it's literally starting at the doorway. Well, I love how he slips in it, though. I always thought oh that was such a God. great, great little add-on. It was just... 
Oh, man. I got to say, though, it didn't seem like they knew what to call the thing if it was a hospital. In one thing, they call it a medical clinic. There's a sign saying Memorial Hospital. I think they just sort of played around with what it was. Uh, at the end of the day, it's kind of a like hospital. a... Yeah, it's just a really quiet, dark hospital. It's a hospital that has about four employees and one patient. <laughs> and a couple now, of babies. <laughs> I'm going to dispel some things about that. I used to have a problem with that, but I, ha- I have a, a small hospital in this area. And when I... I, I Okay, it would be exaggerating to say that it's just like that, but I'll tell you what, it's not far from that. It's this little hospital that's here, and there's a couple patients in the waiting room, as always, like there is in a hospital. But aside from that, once you get in the back, you're lucky to see two other people. It's a small hospital. I mean, granted, there's other floors where there's patients, but I'll tell you what, that that is somewhat possible. I don't throw a flag on that as much as I used to, and like I said earlier, I don't have a problem with the robotic, slow-moving Michael. For years I have. But someone said something to me once, and it makes sense. The guy just was shot six times and fell off a balcony. You'd probably be a little slow, too. He fell off a ramp. (laughs) (laughs) Fell off a ramp. (laughs) I I never really actually had a problem with that. And the hospital, just like you, Dave, almost verbatim same story. I used to used to be a problem. I hurt myself one time when I at my old job had to go to a, the nearest hospital. It was a small one. They said you have to go down here and here. I walked down two long, long ass hallways. Not one person. Didn't see one. Yeah, person. I I buy it. It adds it to the atmosphere of the movie too. So they it wouldn't have worked if they had a million patients in there. I mean, whatever, it's, it's fine, but, uh, fuck, what the hell was I going to say? It adds to it. It adds to the atmosphere of it. Oh. The right? robotic Michael you're, you're talking about? Oh, the robotic Michael? Yeah, no, to me, that's not jarring at all. I actually like that Michael. It's not until he starts running in part six that it really starts to bother me. Running? Yeah, there's one point where he's running, chasing after Kara and Danny. Really? I don't yeah. know, but I believe you. Wow, no shit, well. Yeah, he's actually, like, moving at a really fast pace. I like slow, meticulous Michael. But the thing is, my biggest problem was the elevator scene. And again, I'm going to compare it to our general because oh, in that elevator yeah. scene with the lighting, with the red, the, he does things in this film, this Rosenthal, with, like I said, the music is more Goblin-esque than it is in part one where it's just piano and this is, you know, with with, with the synth. You know what I mean? So that's kind of Goblin-esque. And then some of the scenes, there's like three or four scenes where they where they play with the lighting. Again, like an our general thing. So yeah, I, I, I kid red. that this is like very the red. Yeah, they are general Halloween because of those reasons. Granted, not as good. But anyway, the part with the elevator always bothered me because he's walking with the, the scalpel, you know, and he's trying to get her. And it's real easy just for him to lunge in and kill the girl. But it's almost like he's trying to walk slow and, and yeah, it's not like stick he... that thing in there. That always bothered me, but I've learned to rationalize it. Look, we just he's talked about how he's, we just talked about how he was playful in, in, in part one, how he's kind of playful throughout the whole series. It's almost like he's psychologically toying with her. Like he definitely could have put his hand in that elevator and it would have opened up. I mean, they have safety catches. It's not nowadays, but obviously back then they didn't. (laughs) Or that's what we're led to believe. I don't know. I think back then they probably had him too, where if he had stuck his hand in it, he would have been able to push it open. So, but either way, I feel like it was just a a toying with her moment at that point anyway. And I was, I was on board. It didn't bother me. The thing is, it's an elevator that's like, not like for normal people to be in. Yeah, because it it opens from both sides too. You know where it's going, by the way. You actually see that elevator earlier on in the film, and it's the scene. That's where they identify the first body, not the first body. That's where they identify Ben Tramer's body. When the, when the when Loomis is there, and the cop, the coroner, 
and you know he's you know even his gums are charred. It's hard to tell the age. <laughs> they are right there, and they get up and they walk away, and they're right by that elevator. So you kind of see that section before the end of the movie. And I didn't yeah. notice this till a couple years ago. I always thought that was cool. They should have used that more because I love those elevators that open up on both sides. Because she even looks like kind of like distraught when she's like kind of put off when she turns around and sees it's open on the other side. Yeah, I know. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I've been in, in elevators that do that, and they're mainly in hospitals. Oh, there you go. There's something yeah. I want to ask you guys, and I'm sorry to, to jump because it just popped into my head. It says, and Michael, and Loomis says it in that scene when they're examining, and he says, it looks like this kid's 17 years old. He says, Michael Myers is 21. Yeah. Now, I'll check it out. In the credits at the end of Halloween 1, it says, Michael Myers, age 23. Yeah, then, that's, that's just a mistake. Isn't it weird, though? And, but yeah. check it out. But check it out. They didn't correct it. At the end of Halloween 2, it says Michael Myers, age 23 again. Yeah. And it says Tony Moran. It doesn't – because they, they only show the – they don't show – they don't credit Nick Castle. They're only crediting when he's unmasked because the scene from part one, that, that's Tony Moran. But isn't it weird that they say 23 years old when we know he's 21 because he killed in 1963, was held for 15 years, and yeah. it's now 1978. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I just – Thought I'd throw that out. You, no, I know. I know. You said at the end of one they do that? They say he's 23? Yeah, in the credits, credits in part one and part shape, two. And this is Michael Myers, age 23. Well, part, yes. part two, I could almost see it being a stupid math error of them just adding to 1981 and, and just realize, but even that doesn't even add up properly. They were, no, they were using some of my math that I use. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, six plus 15 carry the two, 23. <laughs> the things I learned watching this documentary. Uh, the Ghetto Blaster dude was added in. So they said Michael Myers, based on the original cut, Michael Myers would have no clue where Laurie was. Which, I know. Which is fine, because to be totally honest, if he's evil, he would have just found her. However, I that's love... That's how he did it in part one, right? Oh, that's, that's exactly it. Well, in this one, no, you've got no, the guy... No, it's easy. You hear the guy... Why the... is it easy in one? How would he recognize her in part one? He doesn't have to recognize anyone. He follows... Tommy. He sees her walking with Tommy earlier in the film. Then he goes to the school because he assumes Tommy's a school child. And then he gets out and then he follows Tommy. And then he then proceeds to drive and see the three girls walking. Uh, no, I'm talking from the very opening Tommy. when he first follows Lori after the Myers house. After she because drops off the key of the Myers house. How does he know that's his sister? He doesn't know shit. It's not his sister. They That got thrown in the yeah. fucking end of this. It has nothing to do with sister. It has to do with him focusing on her. Maybe because she was singing that song, I wish I had you all alone, just the two of us. I don't know. I'm just throwing yeah, shit out there. He fixates on her, and then that's, yes. is, that's it. It just he happened to turn it. into sister with a stupid drunken plot twist. That John See, John I, I, I feel why they, when they do that, when they throw in the sister, that it ruins that scene in part one, then. It doesn't ruin that scene. It ruins the entire fucking franchise. How's that? <laughs> well. No, it does. Yeah. I'm sorry. And, I, and, you, and you'll hear me spout some more about it. But what I'm saying is this movie, John Carpenter said when he had to write this film, he said to himself sitting down, he goes, you know what? The story is over. There's nowhere else to go to the story. I have no idea how to write this film. But he was basically forced to do it. So he said, I drank a bottle of something. He goes, this movie was written at the bottom of a whiskey bottle. Or I forgot what the, the expression was. He just freaking wrote the thing, got hammered, sat down and wrote it one night. Or whatever, went on a binge for a couple of days, who knows. And then he mistakenly, stupidly, according to his own words, something like that, decided to throw in the sister angle at the end, to throw something else yeah. in there. So Slumber Party it, Massacre is almost like, is exactly like Halloween 1. Uh, okay. 
the exact thing because they just he just shows up outside the house after escaping the asylum and just oh, decides to fixate on those girls. Most of those, most of those knockoffs, which is why I don't hold them in such high regard because I thought they were just lazy at that point because they just had no motive. The guy just shows up and fixates on someone and goes kills them. Okay, been it's been done, and so that's I why know. I don't like those. Anyway, on that note, I believe John Carpenter is being sued by Irwin Yablons. Yablons. Yeah, at yeah. Yablons because. And I learned this in this documentary, which is that he was supposed to do The Fog and Halloween 2. Mentioned it to uh, another party, and suddenly they're in the trade papers or whatever. It was announced that John Carpenter was doing The Fog with this other party. And Erwin was like, well, I didn't know what to do next, so I sued them both. And then out of that settlement, he was able to do The Fog with that other party, and Halloween 2 was with them. So maybe that's where the res further resentment came about. Who knows? But all I know is Tommy Lee Wallace was also attached to direct this. Said he saw the script and said, nah, not interested. No oh, offense. Yeah. I know he did three. And and I and I think he's actually on, a, on our page, so maybe we can ask him straight out. But I just don't, like, I mean, he's got to have some integrity then. Like, that's, I power to him. But if I was young and I had the opportunity to do it, I would have said, oh, well, the script's a script. I'm going to direct it anyway. So I, I guess I, I give him props. Like, the guy was able to turn his back away from uh, uh, an opportunity. And I, I don't know if that was a good a good move or a bad move. I guess he came back for three. So, well, it's all he, never did bridge, a, but... he never did another slasher. Maybe he just wanted to move away from slasher. Maybe he wanted, there wasn't his forte. He was more supernatural because he went on and everything else he did was kind of supernatural. He wrote the thing for uh, Amityville 2. He, he went on and he did it later on. He, he did Halloween 3. He does more witchy devil supernatural stuff. Maybe that's all it is. He's like, well, I don't want to do slashers forever. He probably thought it was cheap, another a cheap freaking thing to, to cash in on Halloween 1. Probably Sound wasn't really. thinking about yeah. the dollar signs. Maybe he should have. You know, no, 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 that sounded like he did. That's why I'm saying I gotta give the guy props because yeah. he he wasn't worrying about about that. Excuse me, but no, I just thought it was interesting. Some of the additions that they're just saying, well, from a plot logical standpoint, as we're saying, if he's fixated on her, he doesn't need to have a ghetto blaster say, as she's been taken to Haddonfield sure. Memorial Clinic or or whatever it may be, and that's why I'm I'm just saying it was interesting that they added that in because they thought it was necessary. Yet I don't think anybody would have questioned it had he just no. continued on to Haddonfield Memorial. Given where the story goes, you go back and you watch it with the intent knowing that it's her sister, so you don't need that. But you even get it in part four when he hears about Jamie in the ambulance. So yeah. I think it's smart for doing that. Here's the funny part. I didn't realize this until a few years ago doing it on a podcast. That That's how he found out. I never even... Put it together that the kid happened to be listening to that ghetto blaster and he bumped into her. Who, by the way, walks around with a ghetto blaster fucking playing the news all night. And who, <laughs> where's he going? Because if you look at it, it's kind of like he just does a loopy loop where he's walking so that we get introduced to the girls, which I thought it was a good way right. to bring, to, to kind of introduce the action there. Then we focus on the two girls, one nurse, one friend, both hot. And then they're talking about getting to work on time and everything else. And then they take off. And then he just seems to have gone nowhere, loops back to the parking lot, back towards the camera, and boom, bent, bumps into Myers. Great little stinger, great little, like, you know, jump scare. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what tells him he's at Memorial Clinic, because then the camera follows him, and it says Memorial Clinic on the newscast, but then it says Memorial Hospital on the sign. That's what I was alluding to earlier. Yeah, isn't that weird? With it being, like, they, they almost, in this, it's almost like they didn't realize what they wanted to call the thing. I know, right? <laughs> Those newscasts really do start five minutes after the end of part one. Like, Something I mean, else. it's almost yeah. too quick, but I knew they needed to get into the news story. 
Well, they have yeah, the reporter on scene right there, so it makes sense. They're vultures. And, I, I, and Dana Carvey, remember, of course. Yeah. As the young reporter <laughs> that doesn't have one line in the movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> if, if he gets her parents' permission. If you can't get their yeah. parents' permission, permission, print it anyway. Or get <laughs> I know we brought that up it. because since this is the ultimate retrospective, we kind of have to bring it up again. And I just thought that that's hilarious that that's his like first little role. You notice he's at the very end of the movie when they get in the ambulance, too? He's there, right? Yeah. yeah. He's in there in the beginning when they start the first interview, and then he's there at the very end <laughs> when they're getting into the the ambulance. Yeah, I didn't notice he was there until this time because, again, for the podcast, I was you know looking at every little detail. But, yeah. I have a question for you two. When Do does it. Michael Myers break into the school? After, after he leaves the L-Rods. Yeah, after he leaves the L-Rods and kills Alice, then he decides to go to the school, abandon the knife, so, so before, he has to look for new weapons. Before the ghetto blaster scene. Yes. That's yeah, because he doesn't have the knife when he gets to the, the hospital or the clinic, which is kind of kind of silly. How did the nurse, Marion Chambers, how did she find Loomis? I don't know. She was a nurse. Now all of a sudden she's a bigwig yeah. who's sent by the governor. A day later. <laughs> A day fucking a day later. later yeah. I said that was the other thing. Why is she the one that comes looking for Loomis? Is my next question. Yeah. And why doesn't Loomis recognize her from 24 hours earlier? <laughs> he didn't recognize her because she wasn't in her uniform. Because her hair was now down. she works for the governor and she's there on orders to but bring him back. But it's 24 hours later. Her hair's down. Her hair's up. He just had a full conversation with her in the car as they're coming, which you figure was more than 15, 20 minutes. And so they were knowing each other. He knows who she is and whatever like that to go get uh, Myers, who just happens to have escaped. This happened, remember, the night before. Devil's Yeah, she, she looks like a, a little different. It's not like a, like a year's past. Like, oh, my God. I, later. I know. It was just sort of like a comment. <laughs> oh, I didn't recognize you. I didn't realize it was you kind of thing. Tunnel vision. All, yeah. all he thinks about is Michael. He doesn't even know what women look like. <laughs> He's only concerned with Michael. And that's his life. <laughs> it's his I love the sequel, guys. You know I love the sequel. I, I, again, I, I don't, I don't really shit on the plot twist. Yeah, I know it was it was thrown out there. I've accepted it. I take it for again the experience, the way it looks, how it plays out like a slasher movie. It yeah, hits but... all the right notes, and it happens to be a pretty damn good follow up. And I guess they figured we needed. A little bit more justification why this was made, other than just to have Michael Myers stalk Laurie again. Evidently, we could have all just accepted it like that. No, it would have been better accepting it like that. I like the no motive idea. That makes it more terrifying. I like all those knockoffs that came after that did it. Final Exams, Slumber Party Massacre. I like those films. So for me, this one is is jarring, not only because it's, it's kind of silly and goofy. You know, you get that terrible dream sequence of Laurie... Having having her stepmother tell her I'm not your real mother, which was just it just felt very out of place. And comes too early, it fucking tips the hand. Oh it yeah, shows its right hand away. About them being brother and sister. It when also in the TV tips version, the... they wait, although they fuck it up completely. And I'm gonna play you a sample of that in a few oh, minutes. Oh, in the but... in the TV version, it's oh, it's horrible what they do, but yeah. the timing is much much better because it's after we get the reveal where it makes sense. Yeah, but he also tips his hand in the classroom by stabbing sister in the picture. So he's he's very playful. At least they consistently play with that. And, you know, it's something that we had issues with, with that people have issues with, with him dressing up in the uh, in the sheets in, in part one. But he's playful and he's toying with them throughout because he's, he's telling Loomis, I'm, I'm going after my sister, even though he doesn't know yet. That's true. See, they shouldn't have done that, man, because then that ruins the reveal. Now, I don't like it does ruin the reveal. It's another thing that ruins the reveal. But the fact when the reveal finally does come, it just 
It doesn't even matter. It's so ridiculous because Loomis needed to know this. 15 years. Come on. I mean, it's just yeah, he didn't I can't know the, I can't get I can't get past that. Oh, but, I, I really. I could easily get past that. They don't want anyone to know that because it could impact something he might say to her because he's a psychiatrist. They do shit like that all the time with the government. They they and for a reason, they keep a, a thing closed for particular reason because it's all bureaucratic bullshit but whatever people have to do certain things i could buy that shit easily man yeah see well, i don't buy it the Not sister stab thing could easily be just a reference to a sister from the first one and that's how but they're the taking it sister. that's how they're taking it though no yeah, if you look at the picture there's two sisters in it yeah it's the little one yeah okay well, so it's, it's yeah. implying a second sister but we don't yeah. know that at that point so it's just a hint sure we know it they're showing that they're that he has two sisters yeah but you haven't put that together yet when you first yeah. saw this movie, did you put that together? I don't remember, but I'm saying, why would we not want it? If he has another sister, I don't know. To me, it tips the hand. Well, that, I mean, that is the hint. Then you get the reveal later. Again, no one's saying that this is great. Everybody hates this factor. I'm just saying that that, that is, if they're going to write it in the script, they might as well at least acknowledge it and actually it doesn't uh, downright it, it doesn't downright tip you off to that as a sister but that along with the dream gets you start questioning and then when the reveal dream. finally does happen you know the fact that loomis doesn't know and all that it just kind of adds to the ridiculousness of it and it kind of makes you think well if they're going to end it here just have it be a simple obsessive stalk and kill film it you didn't need i have it. an answer to the question that was asked before she knows that loomis is at the school because number one, she's with a U.S. Marshal, so they can get information. Her and a Marshal go to the police, and they say, hey, where's Loomis? And then Loomis says, he's with not Brackett, because Brackett's gone now. The other guy that took over, and I always forget this cop's name. She, they are with so-and-so, and of course they told them where we were going. They, they, you know, they dispatch. They tell each other where they're going. This guy's the cop. They went to the school. You can go find them there. That's the answer. I, I'm okay with that. I just don't understand why oh, she makes sense. No, I'm know? okay with that. Like your descript, your explanation. I still don't understand why Nurse Chambers is is the one being sent. I know it's why? a callback to part one. That's really no. all. It, it's really to give the information. Because she has to talk him into it. If the U.S. Marshal walks in there and says, "Hey, you're coming with me." He might act irrationally. The guy does have a gun. And he, he did act irrationally anyway. So. I understand. That's why he's here. You don't have a 50 dollars? What is it? You guys fire a one shot? That's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part. Yeah, that's my Loomis. Oh, oh, it's great. Yeah. But don't you think it's easier to find an employee to go in there and try to reason with him and say, hey, there's a U.S. Marshal outside. Let's go and get out. I don't know. I just think it's easier given the circumstances because they know it's not going to be easy to talk him into leaving when he's in hot pursuit of Michael. And they're all bugged out, she says. The freaking, the hospital doesn't like what's going on here. You know what I mean? This crazy doctor's running around and the patient escaped. And by the way, how come at no point in this film does he explain, or, or part one for that matter, does Lewis explain to the cops how he escaped? They keep blaming him. Damn you for letting him out. They said it twice. Why doesn't he say, hey, asshole, I didn't let him out. Me and Nurse Chambers were driving up to the things and the fucking patient escaped. You're acting as if he unlocked the door. Open your Yeah, phone. I think it's just one of those things where out. he's just not concerned about it. He'll 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 be the blame. He doesn't care. <laughs> it's yeah, true, though. Fun. Hey, fuck you. He, even, he says I didn't let him out. He says I, I gave them orders to restrain him. And then he cuts him off. Right. Yeah. 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 But that's all we get. I'm like, what the fuck? Well, he does. There is one thing though. Myers is not there to just slaughter teenagers, but they did insert that line. If we if we don't find her, a lot more teenagers will be slaughtered tonight, or something like. There is a line 
insert yeah. there. And that is weird because that's really I don't think he was going out. He, he was going out to get the sister, and it just happened to be whoever gets in his way. But and Loomis it, didn't know at that time, so it makes sense, the comment. I'll correct thinks, it. I'll correct it. Okay. Because he killed his sister, who was a teenager, and he's killed, and he's done nothing but kill teenagers since. Exactly. That's yeah. what he's doing at this point. Yeah, According okay. to Loomis, that's all he's doing is slashing teenagers. He's coming back to his hometown, and he's killing teenagers that represent his sister. Okay, and that's what, that's what we do. I ask, you guys give me – you're fucking attacking me here. <laughs> no, I appreciate the answer. You got the hey, hunger for assholes. the dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Google that while we're fucking talking. Does Myers eat dog? Here's Meanwhile, back, go ahead, I, I was going to go switch back to the hospital. Did did Mixter give her like too much medication or something? Like what? Like it's very convenient that that she's almost comatose when Janet goes to get help. And then all of a sudden... She, Alert. Okay. Okay. But how does she know psychic ability or just plot convenience that immediately she plants the pillows and is out of there two seconds later? Because she's afraid that Michael's still alive. She just because remember in her mind, Michael's still alive. No matter what happened, he even got shot six times and fell off the balcony. The last thing she knows is that Loomis looked and Michael's gone. So yeah, her mind, Michael's still out there. But she's been laying in that same hospital bed for hours, talking with Jimmy, flirting with Jimmy. However, you know, that was a plot whole... convenience. Her it's not a plot that whole convenience. the comatose part. Yeah, oh, that was just that was just a plot convenience to get them to go find nurse, and then pretty much Jimmy runs in everybody dead. They all run. In, that's when they find everybody dead at that point. Yeah, but then when finally yeah, but, Michael comes, it's the at the exact moment she left the room, and all of a yeah, sudden she's not having. Well, she's still having grogginess from from the medication, but she's she's much more alert. Dude, she says it from the time she arrives at the hospital until the fucking time she sees Michael that he's still out there. She even says when they put her in the ambulance, don't put me to sleep. Why is she afraid to put to be put to sleep? Because she's afraid Michael's still coming after her. Then when she gets to the hospital and she tells Dr. Mixter, don't put me to sleep. She is terif- terrified this entire time. Yes, but she doesn't sleep. move from the room until the exact moment when he's coming. How can she move from the room? She's in a hospital and there's nurses around her. She's going to get up and run out there and it's going to put her back down. She doesn't know everybody's slaughtered until the end when she finally has an out. But when she knows she can get up and go because all of a sudden everybody's disappearing on her. So she gets up and gets the fuck out. Plus she has the dream and starts realizing things. And then she starts bugging out. Again, if she is sedated, they do sedate her. So maybe time goes on and she starts bugging out more. She has the dreams. Maybe the, maybe with the shit that they gave her and, and the stuff is causing her to go under her fucking her psyche and causing her to come up with some old memories because she's having drugged out dreams. And yeah, you know what? For, from out. that sense, even though the dream is ridiculous, that makes more sense because there's always a lot of talk about how come everybody's always got amnesia when it comes to childhood traumas? They always suppress them. And, you know, for once, at least they brought it back out here with the dreams. It's cool. I mean, I, yeah, it is a plot convenience to, to put her in. I get that. But I thought you meant just in general that she's afraid. Of course she's afraid. In her mind. This guy cannot die, and he's gonna. And she, she st- holds that true till the end of the film. That's what she says over and over. Then there's the other scene that's cut from the film between Janet and Karen when she goes, "You didn't hear Lori in there talking, saying that Michael Myers still alive and he's coming in here, and she's hysterical and this and that." It's something yeah. that's generated. No, I, wa- I watched that. I watched that scene. So, sure, yeah. she believes it. Why wouldn't she? The guy keeps getting up. She thought she killed him three, four times. He keeps getting up. I just feel like she should have made a run for it from that room earlier. Yeah, but why would she? She's she's a patient in a hospital, and she knows that they're watching her. 
and even for if somebody who's so drugged out to know to put the pillows underneath to try well, and trick them. She's worried about yeah, but by then she's that's when she decides to hightail it. She's like, well, if I'm gonna hightail it out of here, I'm gonna try to fool Michael because they know he's coming for me. So why not do that? And something else about the TV version, which I like better, Michael comes in there and just throws the sheet back and yeah. doesn't stab the pillows, which is a little bit silly if you think about it in the theatrical. That he would stab yeah. pillows repeatedly and not know it's a person. Here's yeah. something funny. How about the fact that Nurse Karen gets with Bud, and they're in the hot tub fooling around, and then it gets hot in there, and she tells him, "Oh, it's so hot in here. That's just me, baby." And then <laughs> he's like, "Get out, get out of the water, and go lower the fucking heat. It's getting too hot in here." And he's, "It's cold out there." And she says, "It can get cold in here." Then, not thirty seconds later, he gets up. Walks out there. By the time Michael comes out, which is only 30 seconds later. She's out she, already. She's out and she's going to leave anyway. So <laughs> yeah, she's, she's not going to fuck him anyway. Why have him get out and change the temperature? She, she's got to get back on the floor. Right? But she didn't realize chick. 30 seconds yes. All right. <laughs> that, was, that was a great jump scare. That still gets me. Bud hiding underneath the, uh, the covers in the hospital room. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that scares me still. The buzzer at first is what scares me when she's just in the hallway and goes, <laughs> to get yeah, her to go don't. to the room. <laughs> yeah. That's great. They, again, trivia fact is that that hot tub was actually really cold. Yeah. Then one of them gets sick. No, Leo Rossi said that it was like a, it was like a raisin down there. Yeah. But, but I think one of them got really sick as a result of it being so cold. She did not so, want to do the nudity either. She did not want to do the nudity. So he kind of warmed yeah. her up and then. And then I guess she was okay with it afterwards. Thank oh, you for doing the nudity. Yeah. Thanks, Leo. Yeah. <laughs> Bud. Oh, did you guys hear the, the, the TV version? The, the freaking, um, you know how it's usually amazing grace. Come sit on my face. Don't make me cry. Yeah. I need your pie. <laughs> you listen to the TV version? <laughs> what he says? No. Uh, I got it right here. I'm going to play it for you. Amazing grace. Come show me your face. Don't make me cry. I tell no lie. <laughs> oh my God. Fucking groaners. <laughs> Thank God for the theatrical cut. <laughs> oh my God. And as long as I'm playing tapes, let me play Lori's Dream because, because it's fucking awesome. This is Lori's Dream in the TV version. <laughs> remember that at all yeah i watched that scene also ridiculous oh, oh so my funny. lord it's, it's, it's jb lee curtis trying to sound like a little girl <laughs> it was really her doing it yeah can't you tell oh yeah it's definitely her Ugh. please don't hurt me michael oh it's, definitely... <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> and one more thing about the dream sequence that i noticed for the first time ever this time this is the theatrical so it doesn't matter um <laughs> do you notice that when they show michael when the, the original dream sequence, when Lori visits him and looks and he's sitting in that chair, he turns around, that there was a football by the chair on the ground. <laughs> oh, no. I, I never noticed. Why would you give Michael Myers a fucking football? He hasn't moved or spoken 15 years. <laughs> Catatonic football. 
Maybe he shared a room. <laughs> it's right next to his chair. He's sitting looking out the window and right maybe, next to the chair. Maybe that's sitting. not his chair. Maybe that's uh, the, the football player's maybe, chair. Maybe there's a dream sequence that they or another scene that they forgot where Loomis is just throwing it and it just hits him in the head constantly. Maybe he just, maybe, and just bounces off his big head. Maybe Michael was training to play in the Hyper Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you fuck. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Imagine Loomis is throwing a ball at him. Yeah. Come on, Michael. Let's play football. You know? <laughs> That'd be great. Michael, catch. That's it. You know? All he wanted to do is have him play times. football with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, good God. Yeah, we can't go on like this. We have to. <laughs> we'll be up for centuries. We should yeah. probably just say a few things and, and, and get out here, huh? <laughs> Much like I'd love to go on all night. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, I love the movie. That's another movie that I love it. It's great. The, the, the last 10 minutes are absolutely epic. Everything is great. Him walking through the freaking the glass door and, and the chase with Loomis and her and, and going in the thing and, the, and, and everything and the fire. You think he's dead and he comes walking out on fire. Oh, it's That's great. great. I could have done without the 15 minutes of that slashing sound of him just swinging at air. Oh, you complain about that. I oh, need- it's so ridiculous. You know what? This is a common theme with the first two films is that he is just he is a great killer and a great slasher, but he is just unable to kill anybody in his family. He the best kill in part one actually is when he kills the couch. Oh, or God. should I say the Chesterfield? He yeah. really he really gives it <laughs> to should, that you Chesterfield. You should say either. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't have any problem with that slashing. If you're gonna, oh, rent, if sl- you're gonna it's ridiculous. No, she's two. Her, she's two feet in front of him. Her her 2020 vision aim of hitting him in both eyes is a little bit more ridiculous than the slashing. And I and accept it all. Com- I didn't like and the effect of the blood coming out. It, you could see it dripping from like the top of the mask. Oh, well, guess care. what? Everybody. Yeah, says I don't like that effect. Everyone says two things. They love the blood dripping, the the crying Michael, and then he shot him in the eyes. Well, thanks to the magic of Blu-ray. You can clearly see that both of his eyes are just fine. I'm taking it now as she shot above the eyes, like in the temple. And that's why he's bleeding. And that's why the man can see for further installments. Yeah, but if he could see, then he would have been able to walk the extra two feet forward and stab her. He yeah. would have just had his hands oh. over over his over his eyebrows and his eyes would have been fine. There's so there's two eyes. bullets in his head. <laughs> Yeah, there's two bullets in his head. He's been he's shot. He's supernatural. Now. He's been shot 15 times at this point. Now he can't see or know no. to take two steps forward. It's it's kind of silly. No, it's, it's not. There's silly. blood in his fucking eyes, dripping, no. so he can't see. He's wiping the blood away. What's the first, like, forget all this nonsense. What is the first <laughs> thing that Loomis says when he pulls those cables, that, like the other cables, out, the, the oxygen and ether? Oh. And he's like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> he get out of here now. But oh, I don't yeah. even first, understand the first thing he says. I he's never telling get, her to get out. No, he's uh, eventually, the first thing he yeah. says, take it. He's trying to give her the gun, and she wouldn't take it. Take no, it. And then, go ahead. It's when he's pulling the cables out, he does say something, but maybe he does say, get out of here. Get out of here yeah. now. The but, last thing he says is this, exactly. Get out now. Yeah. Get out now. Yeah. Get out of here now. But the first <laughs> thing is he says, get out, and then get out like, now. Uh, okay. He's trying to uh, convince her to move to a different area. He's like, get over there. He's like, uh, you know it's I mean? kind of like, it's <laughs> without coming out and saying it so clearly, because Michael's right there, he's kind of like, you know, get out, get out, you know, like that, like kind of like, like talking to her quietly, almost like in code, like, get out, get yeah. out, Should have yeah. used pig, pig Latin or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> get out now. <laughs> yeah, I love him. Outskis. 
<laughs> He's at the top of his game in this film. I'll say that. He had better writing in part one, but the writing in this is not that far off, and he personally is at the top of his game. He's fucking bug out Loomis, but great. He bugs out in four and five, but... He's kind of a shell of himself as the way he is in this film here. I liked it. Had no clue at how much the two producers were kind of influencing what they wanted to see and what they wanted out. And that there's so many problems behind the set and how many inserts were done and everything else. Had no clue. I've always thought it was a fun slasher sequel. I mean, this is a perfect example of a slasher film. Yes. Yes, they did what they had to do. They did what was, again, back and forth with the Friday the 13th. Friday one. Halloween comes out, right? POV. Friday comes along and says, we're going to have a lot more POV, but we're going to add gore. <laughs> Halloween 2 comes out. They say, we're going to have a lot of POV, and we're going to have more gore too. And, and on top of it, both movies are going to feature a heavy set guy getting killed with a guy with the back end of a hammer. <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> they just keep going back and forth, and there's more. But yeah, what a great film. Great follow-up, man. This movie, I think it's overlooked because it's a sequel and because it picks up and it's more of the night he came home. But if you compare this to other like regular sequels that came out in 1981, to me, it's leaps and bounds above them all. This and Friday, too. Everything else, well, it is the great year. It was my bloody Valentine, too. But you know what I'm saying. This is still in the upper echelon of slashers, period, as far as I'm concerned. So Yeah, strictly you know. based on the kills alone. Kills are great. They do a great job. Soundtrack, kills, performances. I mean, Lord yeah. Toast, but I mean, I, mean, I prefer the I prefer the part one soundtrack, but it's still it's still good. The music cues are still still pretty much on point in this one. And the beginning is awesome when the pumpkin rips up and yeah, and you see the skull. That's great. Oh, yeah, I like that little addition as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, and we forgot to mention how cool the original Halloween poster is and how cool. Well, we didn't forget now because we're talking about this movie now. But the original artwork for Halloween too, not yeah. not uh, not the crazy bad Blu-ray that was. Released by like Good Times, that's the one hanging behind me. Yeah, I I like that one that you have hanging behind you with the the, the skull pumpkin. That's great. Yeah. And I meant I to mention it last week too. You've got the Creep Show poster hanging up behind you too. Another fantastic thing that we forgot to mention in our Creep Show retro is that that poster is top notch. Well. I believe they call it a skumpkin. <laughs> it sounds sexual but i love it a skunkin <laughs> a country skunkin <laughs> uh well let me wrap it up we've done everything we've talked about a lot there's more but what are you gonna do uh we have more movies to cover nothing's changed from when we did the slasher show for me it's still a nine out of ten i love this film well same uh nothing's changed from my rating from the slasher film 8.5 out of 10 yeah i'm right there with christian i love it the increase in the kills the gore i love it a few things that bother me still bothers me with the slashing it bothers me the fact that she can't scream when she's crawling out of the car to get back to the hospital for two minutes and then all of a sudden she could scream when they're inside but whatever eight and a half out of ten still enjoy it still effective though that she couldn't do it i love scenes like that and i also forgot to i do i, I do love, love scenes like that but it's like it's like conveniences but again it's like it, it doesn't mean? hurt it doesn't hurt my enjoyment of it i just find it yeah. like you know they're silly inconveniences but silly plot conveniences but it's like part one it just doesn't hurt my appreciation of the film and the kills are just top notch that's fair. And I do love that, that shot when, in, in Karen's car when you see Michael in, in, in her side view mirror and they, they do that musical sting and you see him. Yeah. 
I fucking love it. There are there's a lot of stalking in this movie, more so than even the original, where you see yes. him in the background. They do it. They up the ante in that department. It's great. And of course, the Elrod scene is fucking great. We didn't really talk about it. We and didn't I think talk it's about hysterical. the bloody ham sandwiches. <laughs> How about mustard? Yeah, I fucking love that. Scene. <laughs> that whole thing. I'll tell you what. Because of Halloween two, I cannot watch Night of the Living Dead, and I hear they're coming to get you, Barbara. I think about Halloween two. Every single time I, to me, that line is more Halloween two than it is Night of the Living Dead. And, to something yeah, that's, that's, and, that's, and they use that line in so many movies. They have Night of the Living Dead playing, but you're right. But it always t- takes me back to this movie because of the nostalgia. And I may not have seen Night of the Living Dead when I first saw Halloween two. So that's mm. something about, you know, but the Elrods is great. And the comedy of what that girl says on the phone is like, she's always picking on him. She goes, maybe he, maybe he got tired of it and decided to start beating her. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know what was the add-on and what wasn't, but either her whole death was whole death. an add-on. It was. It was an add-on. Okay, yeah. so that was the, so she wasn't even going to die. It was They had a conversation, and I guess he, he took that knife from Mrs. Elrod and, and went on his merry way. But they then inserted, because they wanted more carnage, so they inserted her getting killed. Dude. Isn't that a scary scene though? When she's on the phone and, and he he's jumps by, up. and the doors open. No, yeah. fuck that. And you can see him in the background in the doorway when she's on the phone. She's like, oh, that, that's not too far. That's right down the road. And, that, yeah. and then she turns around and sees that the door is open. That's fucking scary, dude. Serious. You don't, I'm you don't like you don't like him yeah. jumping up on the trampoline to get her. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's just don't you remember those toys when we were kids? Yeah. They were Halloween toys too, which is the funny part. They would, they would, a lot of times they'd be like a pumpkin or a skull, and you would push them down. They had a suction cup, and yeah. then they would pop up and it'd be a spring underneath it. Every time, that's what I think of. It's so bad. Boink, and then the noise when he stabs her. It sounds like someone stabbing a pumpkin or a skumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> Or a Blumpkin. Nice. A Blumpkin. <laughs> On that note, okay. let's get the fuck out On of this note. review. Oh, Halloween 4. You ready? All right. Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, 1988. Directed by Dwight Little. Ten years after his original massacre, the invalid Michael Myers awakens and returns to Haddonfield to kill his seven-year-old niece on Halloween. Can Dr. Loomis stop him? Michael Myers <laughs> is an invalid. Remember when the guy says that? <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, he's funny. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now, I have a rating sitting right here. And depending on what the answers I get for my loads of questions, I'm willing to let it go somewhere. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, I have a lot of questions. There's a lot I'm of... glad you have a lot of questions because I don't feel like I have that many questions for it, but my rating can change. And I, I hope it does change. I, I'd like it to, but I'll tell you what, this movie is revered. And to me, I think it's more nostalgia than ever, anything for people. And me, I saw it opening night when I was a kid. So I should have nostalgia. Even back then, I knew I didn't like it as much as one and two. But the more I've watched it, the more I keep coming down and coming down. And I think that people love it because it's the return of Michael, which at the time people were clamoring for. You know yeah. what I mean? It's kind of like Jason Lives. Oh, it's great. He comes back. We got him back. I think because Loomis comes back and because Michael returns, people love it. But once again, thanks, Final Chapter, because Friday the Final Chapter came out and put a kid in its fucking slasher. Now Halloween had to come and do it and put a kid in their slasher, and from then on, bye-bye final chase scenes that are scary. Bye-bye. I mean, the epic final chase of Halloween 1 is a far cry from what goes on here. Also, the timelines get a little crazy here, because don't they say, isn't Jamie nine years old? They never say how old she is, I don't think. I believe, I thought they said she's nine, and this is ten years later, which means Lori got busy fucking like a year after that trauma. She got back to it really quick. 
Or started. It was supposed to be like the year later. I think she's yeah. six because I think they say that she's nine. No, no, I think she is like that. No, it was nine, and that was it. I think that she's nine in this be, one, ten in, she got, ten in the next one. It was one, like and maybe her six. and Jimmy hooked up, and that was it. But I have no problem with any of that, guys. But I, it's not Jimmy. It's Jason Lloyd. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, uh, it's Jason Lloyd. <laughs> it's got to be Jason Lloyd, right? I mean, it's Jamie Lloyd, so it's Jason Lloyd. <laughs> I, I had this as my number 50 slasher. I know. Uh, my, my, and I... I have a special place in my heart with this one. Yeah, it still should, we'll play into it, but I I try to go in, and you try to erase that, as difficult as it may be. You just try to go in and base it on, on how it is. And again, for my same excuse as why I like two, this is a great slasher. The downfall is it doesn't quite do everything the way that I'd like it to, to be, which is why my rating's not as high as it is for part two. I find that this one's definitely Jason Michael Myers. This is the, the most... Friday the 13th Michael Myers, I think, out of this the is, batch. This is the most supernatural where he just seems to be able to disappear within a split second while nobody's taking their eyes off of him. Oh, boy, it's crazy. It's insane. Well, I mean, hey, that happened with Laurie having the vision of him by the, the blankets on the clothesline. Uh, yeah, it did so, happen. Yeah, that like, seems Come on, that's ridiculous. been a staple from yeah. the beginning. So what Mustafa wanted to do is go back to the original. We always seem to want to go back to the originals with the big story behind this so i think what they they did some good stuff and yeah of course they put a kid in there i never had a problem with this it's 14 when it came out i saw it twice in the theater i've told the story before i i thought it was great i thought it was scary i thought there was enough blood to to, to pique my interest considering that it wasn't a super gory movie and typically the blood that i'm talking about were actually add-on shots once again it didn't play well with all the slasher films that by the time 1988 rolled out that they had to go back and add some extra gore gore stuff into it but i am a sucker for this i think i love i love the music i love the build-up i love the opening title sequence where it just feels like halloween you get all those farm shots and and, and the color palette is nice uh wow. i really okay. really like that build-up I, I didn't love that opening it's okay oh, it's a slow build-up and i love the fact that he didn't want to kick right into the dun 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 really? he wanted to build well he I, he said they made a conscious decision not to do that they should have kicked See, why right would into you it. if you were directing this film if the three of us were directing halloween 4 they said we're bringing michael myers back you had these two epic films halloween 1 and halloween 2 the first thing i would say is we have to do something that's going to rival those amazing the, the amazing credits opening sequence of one and two. I, I do it real simple, and I'm going to say this because I'm stealing it from Alex. Alex Edwards did a fan-made film called uh, The Curse, not The Curse, The Ghost of Michael Myers. And you know, he did something real simple. This time he had two pumpkins. Two pumpkins, black frame, zoom in, dissipate. Brilliant with the opening music. Why not just go with what I would there. even go a step Let's farther go. and have a pumpkin open up to a skull and then have the skull open up to a, a warm dead dog. <laughs> <laughs> See, I guess you know what? Yeah, they could have done the Friday the Thirteenth thing and just copied the credit sequence again, because oh, it was yeah. the return. I mean, they could have, but this Wish sets the mood. I love the shots. Okay. It makes me feel like it's autumn and it's Halloween time. I I love it. I'll give you that. I will give you that. That that stuff is okay. I can see why people like it. I just find myself yearning for something. And it's not as bad an intro as Part Five, which is cutting a pumpkin. It's not, but whatever. I can understand. I mean, there's your that. pumpkin, a new wave. They did it in Part Five, and then you didn't like it. There you go. Can't no. win with you guys. Uh, <laughs> the the movie, yeah, okay. You bring a kid into it. I never even thought of it, but I like uh, that element I, because it I felt more relatable. See, not me, because you know they're never in danger. So you, and you, it's so much more scarier when it's one girl in a movie being chased at the end. To me, 
You put yourself in those shoes. It's just a scarier thing. When you all of a sudden you're dealing with two, of course in this movie you're dealing with seven. There's 30 minutes left in the film and our climax is seven people trapped in a house. It's like watching fucking, it's why I don't like Saw 2. You go from the intimacy. <laughs> it's true. It's true, B. Uh, the, you go from the intimacy of two people in part one to fucking eight people in a room. It's just, it, it, it's not as. Dave, you I know, hear you. You're, you know, you're making all valid points, and and I can I can meet you halfway. But then, again, for something to be different, they they've done that. You had the final girl. She got rid of the kids. She's still in danger. Part one. Then you've got it in the hospital. Same person. I do feel it was a little cheap, but I guess there's no way at the point of. Jamie Lee Curtis's career that she was ever going to come back to a Halloween four because at that point she was, she was pretty much Hollywood you know, superstar. Yeah. But so they, they were continuing with the series and they got Pleasance back. So they got the staple back. They got him back in. Where are we going to go with the story? Now they've already established the family relation. They're going, you know, full hog with that done. Of course. Whether That's you like it or don't, they, they, they do it. It's, it's really a retread. They're patient transfer again, just like Brandon was talking about joking about earlier. They do yeah, that. a lot of patient chance, and <laughs> and that's where he learns about Jamie because they're talking about the next of kin in the ambulance, which yeah. makes me think if they had just kept their mouth shut, the movie would be over in ten minutes. They would <laughs> successfully get him back to Smith Grove without any issue. Well, there was a writer's like strike it. looming. There was a writer's strike looming, and they rushed the script out. But they got it out, and they liked what they what they got. But that was it. They they had ideas, but nothing was coming out, and they needed to get going because they were worried that the, the writer's strike was coming. So I love Loomis about. walking into the water with his cane. <laughs> right away. <laughs> What's even funnier than that is as soon as the guy's on the phone, he's at that place, and the guy takes a phone call, and as soon as the, the phone rings, he you don't even know what he's talking about. We do as the viewer. No, he says yeah. apparently there was some accident, and yeah. he leaves. Out the door. That's it's typical a... Loomis. Just like yeah, when we saw funny. before. I love that shit. I love how it's he walks awesome. in with the – I don't know if you're being facetious or not, but I love when he walks in – Right into the water, like I gotta see what for my own with my own. Oh eyes, yeah, what's going he knew. On. He knew it's instantly. It's, to okay. me, it's also comical. I wasn't sure bit... if you're if you're like yeah. There's no the Loomis the Loomis Michael storyline is on point from part one all the way to to the end of the Loomis storyline. Like their connection and their story just goes along perfectly. Oh, absolutely! It's great having them both, and you have to have them both. And I'll say this: there are a lot of convenience and conveniences in this film and i'm gonna set some aside i have some written down that i'm gonna set aside if i can prove my point or, or get questions answered without having to cheapen it and go to that i still have a bunch of questions i'm gonna try not to ask those questions because maybe that's too nitpicky so i'm not even really gonna nip it i just have questions but let me go right to that scene. okay let me go right to that scene with the phone call okay the night before they're fully aware that they're tra- they're, that they are going from Smith's Grove to wherever the fuck they're going, or they're going to Smith's Grove from Ridge Ridgefield or okay. Ridgemont. They're going, they're going from Ridgemont to Smith's Grove. This happens yeah. in the evening. Okay, you're gonna have to believe it's probably like 1 a.m. because they mentioned that Jamie's up late and whatever, and she's standing there looking out the window. By the way, seeing an ambulance, which doesn't make any sense unless you want to say she's psychic already, yeah. which obviously she is because how would you know what Michael looked like when she's having the dreams of the, of the fucking boogeyman in a room? So the psychic, anybody that wants to tell me I don't like Halloween 5 because of the psychic shit, guess what, tough guy? It, it's run rampant in this <laughs> fucking movie here, okay? Now, so there it goes. Now, first of all, it happens the night before, okay? They're full. They're waiting for them. They, they dispatch people to go to Ridgemont to bring them to Smith's Grove. So when Loomis goes to Smith's Grove, why would it be way the next day in the afternoon when they find out about the fucking accident? 
Don't you think that phone call would have been made immediately or they would say, hey, where the fuck is this patient Michael Myers that's infamous with my two employees that are being transferred from this place? Don't you think? Why would they take the whole next day to fucking get that phone call? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what time it is in the morning when Loomis is there. I don't know. It could be early in the morning he's there. Could only be a few hours that it's delayed and they finally get the call that they found. it's after school. That they find the accident. I think it's after school because I think we've already been through Jamie's and Orphan and all that stuff by then. Oh man, your your mommy's a mummy. <laughs> there, there, you you are correct with the script conveniences, especially at the beginning. She has no clue that ambulance is there as a teaser to trick the audience. It's a dream sequence. That whole opening of, of learning Jamie seem is seemingly a big dream sequence, not just the nightmare of Michael Myers coming out to get them. It seems like the whole thing is one big dream sequence. Because how that, would she know what he looked like? Right. Because that ambulance was never there. Because the ambulance no. is twisted and and destroyed in an accident scene so it's yeah. all convenience masked as a dream sequence so you're saying the whole thing is a dream no well the the part where that yeah from from the set the second you meet Jamie, from her sitting on so the couch really the parents running out is the first part of real yeah. life and then so the part where rachel saying i'm not your real sister would be part of the dream then it's all part of the dream it's it's i make it because it's not in her it's not in her nature rachel's character to to say something like that to jamie because she genuinely cares about but, her that it just seems like a comment she wouldn't make yeah again it is lazy script writing but i'm accepting of it but it's exposition mass is a dream okay it's, it's fine you got to suspend disbelief and well, i deal with here that's my question that's my question. Why would the phone call come the way the next day? It makes zero sense. If you can tell me, well, give me an answer, then my rating could change. These are the que- I have questions throughout this whole film, and that, that's one of my questions. Like, why would the phone you, call? So you, you're way, you're willing to let Loomis show up beside a railway, happen to be at a payphone because he saw a, a, a truck parked at the side, and that just happens to be where he finds the rabbit and red. Uh, matchbook on the ground and there's a dead body part one there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that whatsoever but then you get a phone call in the after like at some point we get, it's really not it's really not the it's the exact halfway point in part one i even mentioned that he was 77 miles into the journey of the 150 miles to haddonfield and he did happen to stop at the exact phone booth where michael killed the, that, that's uh, guy more of a coincidence than you're getting no no you're twisting this i said one, there's a difference between a plot convenience and a coincidence. That's what I'm saying. That's just a convenience, what happened with fucking... That's just convenience for exposition's sake, what happened in Halloween 78. Of course, we need to see that there's a dead body and that he took the clothes. So why not do it in one scene? They could have filmed it differently and show Michael kill the guy and show Loomis go to a different phone. It wouldn't have mattered. That didn't affect anything. But this thing is... is you know, that's a coincidence. This thing is a plot convenience where for no reason they don't get the phone call till the next day. I, I think it's because they didn't I, find it. They, exp- I think the cop explains it. He goes, ran off the road in the middle of the night. It happens. And they couldn't find it. So you're right. At some point, they're probably going, well, where's this patient? They were already four hours late. They said it right at the beginning. We should have been here hours ago. So they're already off their timeline. Right. And, and so something must... They don't know what happened. They didn't get to the destination. They're probably wondering, what the fuck happened? There might have been some phone call. He's getting a phone call that there was apparently there was some accident. Yeah, and, four hours is not that that big a time frame when you're talking about the transfer that they're making because they're making a big transfer the Im- implication is that ridgemont is pretty far away from smith's grove it's, it's that it's a big okay. drive and the fact that the van is down the embankment in the water makes sense that they wouldn't find it for a while and i just think maybe the timeline uh, of loomis being with the doctor might not necessarily be linear to 
to Jamie going for ice cream and going costume shopping. It could be, you know, where they flash back to the morning of Loomis. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to no, be. It's just... way before that because we established the the pickup truck that he steals at Vincent Drug for that scene after school. So this all happened. The accident happened overnight, and then the Loomis part, him finding the phone call, must have been the morning. Because then we have the whole scene at the filling station. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they do. Where, and then where he has truck, to show down with Michael. And then the truck makes it to Vincent Drug, where there's admittedly the scene that I think is weird, where Michael Myers goes to steal the mask, but no one sees him in the the freaking store. But again, I'm forgiving of that because it's a slasher film, and I, I just happen to be okay with certain things as long as I like. I hate the, the shot. Of the reflection a, he, of the shadow. He's a ninja. He's away. been a ninja since part one. He Those are the things that bother me. <laughs> Sorry, no, Brian, that's okay. Oh, Talking no, I think that Michael's just a ninja. He can just appear and disappear, you know, without being seen. So that's that didn't bother me. I felt like the introduction of or reintroduction of Lindsay was, was just a waste. Why didn't they use her more? Lindsay was in this movie? Yeah, it was Rachel's friend in the car who was driving with them. Oh, was I that, that supposed, was supposed to be the same Lindsay? I didn't know that. I yeah, really I, I thought I heard that it was supposed to be the same Lindsay, but they never went anywhere with it. In fact, that's the only time you oh. ever see her. I've never and, heard that. That's just a nod to the original. And also, Mr. Sayre. What a missed opportunity with him. Reverend Sayre. <laughs> You're hunting it. <laughs> <laughs> I used to hate that scene when I was young. That used to be my least favorite scene. Get I now love that scene. I love it. I ain't got till judgment day. <laughs> what are you hunting, Mr. Sayre? Clear as breasts and blue suede shoes. <laughs> I love that. I song. loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I I wanted them to team up. <laughs> I just, I yeah, comes back all nutty together. Her, or him, and the Reverend and the Grave Digger from Part One. That'd be a good team. <laughs> yeah, that would be. You know, get get them all get them all together. Okay, you know what? Your answer to that question, both of you guys, I can live with it. My nothing's budged. My rating stays the same. Doesn't go up or down. I can accept that. That's fine. I'm not going to... That's a question. You know what I'm saying? You know what I like, and I heard some people criticize this, is the fact that Sheriff Meeker gets on board with Loomis so quickly. And you know what? I think given the history at this point, I kind of like that decision. He, Me too. Again, it's, it's explained in the first, folks are not... Uh, folks are going to recognize you, like, uh, at least yep. cops not gonna or whatever. I'm going to forget your face, I butchered cops. that, but you know what I mean. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, and, right. and then they try to get a long-distance phone call, and they can't get a call out of town, so he knows something's up. Well, they explain that too, even though maybe the proximity is not quite right, but the the whole filling station hits the phone, like hits the power line. Yeah, the phone. that makes no I sense. Thought, Why is there no long distance at that point of the, of the day? Well, you got to no assume Michael did something to the phone lines. Because so Michael he lit- did something to the phone lines just to knock off long distance for the whole fucking town, you're telling me. I and believe they, they that. They don't show us they- how and why? Well, they show us how he knocks out the whole power grid. Yeah, that's that's happenstance that happens later on in the evening. Yeah, so you're assuming he's out there just sabotaging things. He's a smart guy. You think Michael can find a way just to knock out long-distance phone calls in Haddonfield? He did just long-distance, not calls. fucking yeah. ever. He did something. You're supposed yeah. to get the idea that those telephone poles were knocking out their yeah. communication. Out. That's what you're supposed to get, whether you believe it or not. If he didn't knock him out there, he found a way to knock them out because he definitely knocked out the power grid. So I'm on board with Michael sabotage. I had no problem with that. I I like that. I like how he's bandaged up. Instead of him seeing his face, you you see him in bandages. I don't like Loomis just randomly shooting and it cuts back to just drawers and and, and, and things shifting and nothing there. I like that because just like you said, 
that's like the scene with Lori looking at him in, in part one by, by, by the, what do you call it, by the laundry. Okay. One second he's there, the next second he's not. I kind of like that. And I think that's an epic scene. I thought this was Loomis breaking up, breaking up more so than anything than than Lori's eyes playing tricks on her. You think? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But but he had the mask on. He wouldn't have known that the bandage and shit. That would have been the way he looked at that point. So I buy that. I like that. Well, I like also he he kills the the guy the the mechanic to steal his suit or I like all that. I do too. and, And again, they're showing him en route and. I thought that was a good meetup. Like, I really do think that was a great little meetup. And so he knows he's coming after him, goes right to the cops right away with an agenda. And yeah, Beaker believes him. Beaker. 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 (laughs) Me, 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 me. Beaker. Bunsen is on board as well. Right, Bunsen and Beaker. It's it's, it's Loomis and Michael. Gonzo did not believe one word. (laughs) Oh, God, you guys are nuts. And of course, they get to, to Jamie's house, and what did they find? Of course, Sunday is dead. Michael's yeah. hungry again. He's got to eat. Damn straight. And he was up to dessert. I'm going to yeah. have me a Sunday. <laughs> you just groaned in our Muppet jokes, and you threw a Sunday joke in there. I did throw a Sunday <laughs> joke. Awesome. Oh. oh, that's fucking fun. I'm Dr. Sam Honeydew. And you know what? I love Rachel. We'll get to what I hate about part five, uh, which you could assume uh, based on what I said there. She, I thought she was great. I think she is the final girl. You get, you get Jamie, of course, for the connection to um, Jamie Lee Curtis and and Lori, of course. I, I love the setup here and there's enough great set pieces to make this work. There's a lot of stuff that I've thrown out to you guys that I, one of one or both of you have groaned about that I think are just great parts of this movie. I admit there's a lot of conveniences. I, I don't like keep, the lynch mob. I love oh, the lynch I, mob. I think oh, that's I, I love it. You don't like that? I think you don't have a police force. These men may be the only defense you've got. The minute, the minute <laughs> no, Earl the, the minute Earl finds out something is up, you know that the the, the town needs to shut down. And, and the great. police station doesn't answer. He knows they're smart town folk and they get in the car and they're like, we're going down to the police station to find out what's on. And the only reason they go nuts and then they wind up killing poor Ted Hollister yeah. is because Loomis again gets them all riled up. Shit, yes, Earl. The best line in the whole franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, Earl. It's Ted Hollister. You said but, you saw Myers, you yeah. dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> the great... But I like it because they even reference that Earl lost somebody in the massacre. Yeah, his son. Yeah, his son. Yeah, his son. His son must have been Bob? Bob. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Bob was his son. I love that. No one shuts down a police. No way, no how. we got to wake up the sheriff. There's a lot of great little throw-in dialogue there. I'm oh, a fan. Man. I'm a big fan of the lynch mob, and I love the rooftop sequence. I think it's great. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, I hate the knife in the cell, uh, the attic. Yeah, it's stupid. He should have just had a knife with him the whole oh, time. That... Yeah, come on. However, everything you don't like about the house, Dave, I actually love. I think they protect everybody there. The sheriff has to get called out. I don't they find it do, bored at all. They, they do that shot again. The, the they illumination do that shot of the again with the yeah, with the illumination of the yeah. with the deputy just sitting there. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, and then the what? build up. What about the deputy? There's oh, the, the mask, deputy the sitting there mask. in the chair, and you just see the illumination of the mask all the way to his right. And then he, oh yeah, back. that is the one instance in this entire film. Thank you for letting me rewind. This is the only film outside of that one three-second fucking thing that there's zero stalk and slash. 
You do not see Michael in the background. Every film in this franchise, up until part six, I don't know about part two when we get to them, but uh, the five movies we're covering tonight, this is the only one where there's no fucking stalk and slash sequences. The only, there's nothing scary, no Michael in the background lurking, not once in this entire film. I, the best I agree. Of this franchise, they completely remove it in here and replace it with something ridiculous off the bat. But just I because agree. They, they missed an opportunity to use the stalk and slash, especially during the trick-or-treating, because that was a very long sequence. Not oh, to have. boy. Trick-or-treating. My daughter, who's 12 years old, was watching this with me, right? I, mm. I wanted her to see, because I wanted her, hoping she was going to have a good opinion, because I told her a long time ago. We watched one, two, or three. I said, don't bother with the rest. And then when I was watching this for the show, just because I want to hang out with my daughter, I said, let's watch Halloween 4. She goes, I thought you said you don't like them. I said, no. I go, maybe you'll like them. Let's sit down and watch them. So we watched it, and we're watching the film. And all of a sudden, first and foremost, these kids are picking on fucking Jamie unmercifully in school. She yeah. sees these exact same kids fucking trick-or-treating. The kid looks at her and says, oh, nice costume. Come hang out with us. Like, was what? that the same kid? Yeah, it, it same was a kid. And you know what? That's how kids are. Oh, that, hurt, that not, hurts. My, that hurts. They, that I don't like. I didn't think it was the same kids. Yes, it's the exact same kids, same costumes, all three of them. And they even they told the girl, "Your mother's dead." Really? You're just gonna go along with kids like yeah. that? Yeah. Oh wow, I, I didn't re I didn't now, realize that. I don't like that. Okay, now I'll go a step further. She uh. goes off with them. She's missing for like maybe 90 seconds while she has that conversation with uh, uh with Brady while while Rachel talks to Brady. All of a yeah. sudden, cut to Rachel 90 seconds later, and the first thing my 12 year old daughter has a logic to look and say to me. Where are the other kids? How come she got lost from the other kids that quick? <laughs> and I well, said, you, you, see, you see the kids getting picked up by parents. I don't know why they would have not taken her, but they did. Yeah, they were shitty parents for not, girl, for not offering Jamie a ride. Almost hand in hand. She said, come on, Jamie. Because it was two boys and one girl. She was hand in hand almost with the other girl. Come on, come with us. And they go, now, if kids all of a sudden just appear, get the fuck out of here. They're trick-or-treating. They're in the middle of trick-or-treating. All of a sudden, 90 seconds later, this girl's just going to be all alone. Get the fuck. If a 12-year-old girl can fucking spot that, I don't know how how adults can't look at that and see a problem with it. That's all I'm saying. Come on. I have no problem. <laughs> well, they all got the they all got the broadcast that the town's being shut down, yeah. so they have to pick them up. But it doesn't make sense that they would just leave Jamie standing there in the middle of the street by herself. Come and on. The, you and know, why would she have a picture of young Michael Myers in her fucking in her uh, a shoebox of memories of her mother? She looks. Michael looks at a picture. First of all, he knows where she lives. Gets in there, looks at a picture, and it's a picture of him on Halloween night in the clown mask. So you mean to tell me somebody took a picture of Michael Myers in 1963? That happened to be in that clown outfit, and Jamie Lloyd of all people has this fucking picture. How in yeah, the fuck? It doesn't make sense that she has the picture, and it certainly yeah. doesn't make sense that Michael knows where she lives. That's exactly. that's my, one of my big issues. Zero fucking sense. The um. It's a that's a script convenience. They're trying to they're trying yeah. to appeal to the fans, not piss them off here. So for me, I thought again, I think it's a cool little Easter egg. I'm like, this is cool. They're trying to show a link. She's got her mom's. She's got a memory box from her mom, and her mom being related has some of this paraphernalia. Yeah, it doesn't make. If the more you think no back sense. into it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But these are little Easter eggs that they're trying to make the fans happy about, not piss them off. So I respect it for that and trying to do things. They're trying to link the two movies together in the sense of there's we this. Don't need it. We already know. Right. We know what the back, back is. in 1988, Lori's they needed. Lori's her mother, and that's it. That's all we need to know. And we yeah, know having a picture of Lori makes sense. That's fine. having a picture of Michael doesn't. 
zero. It's stupid. I mean, it's bad enough that we have to be pigeonholed into this family thing because of John Carpenter's one mistake. You could have made this movie great. Halloween 4, you could have been just him killing in fucking Haddonfield random babysitters again, doing something else. Now they got to be married to family again because the guy that wrote this movie decided to continue on with that shit and not just kill it with the, with the, with Jamie Lee Curtis being the last member. So all of a sudden, you tell me Michael is being transported. He gets mad because he hears a fucking about his niece. Oh, I'm so mad. Maybe, do you think maybe his parents are still alive? It's only fucking 10 years later. <laughs> supposed to be, get, so just because he has any living relative he's going to get mad, he's going to kill them all? I mean, it's just fucking... It's it's a shame that that's pigeonholed in now. That it has to be about family because the the, the franchise could have been so much better. Oh, you well, blame Carpenter because that's he wrote it and that's what it went to. Yeah, and but the guy it. that did it next didn't have to pick up where Carpenter left off. Jamie survived. Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie survived. True. Just start. Why do that? Uh, it, it doesn't. It's the worst part of part one and two, and you're going to take that and build a franchise on it. And guess what they did? And it got worse and worse because they had to explain it in five. This was a huge hit, and a lot of people love it. Uh, I'm. I don't say I love it. I, I really enjoy it. I have a question. The slaughter in the house. When uh, well, first of all, Kelly's kill is awesome. I love that kill. I love the lead up, the music there. That was one of my yeah. favorite scenes for the longest time in a slasher movie. The build up. Everything. So I'm. Re- I don't know if that's what you're going with, Brandon. But I'm yeah, the, the whole thing. I, I'm with there, with you there. But when Brady, Jamie, and um, Rachel are running up the stairs and they pass the TV, are those the deputy's hands on top of the TV? Did you notice that on the t- on the top of the TV? There's two. There's two hands. The deputy's oh. dead, and I can't tell if his hands have been removed because well, when they run by the TV, there's two hands on top of it. Oh, that would no, be even worse. It's already ridiculously bad that this happens, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go there now. I wrote the times down at one minute, pardon me, at one hour, two minutes and 50 seconds, Meeker leaves. He tells his deputy who's sitting in the rocking chair yeah. at the door that I'm going, I got a town full of beer bellies that I got to go and take care of this. Think about this. One hour, two minutes, 50 seconds. <laughs> at the one hour, three minute and 32 seconds. So that is now officially 42 seconds later. Kelly Meeker walks in the room. That same deputy is dead. Cut up, and Michael is in the fucking chair sitting there. 42 seconds for that to happen. No, it's, it's, it's got to be longer. I wrote it, it down intentionally. It might no. be 42 seconds in the movie, but, but time it's, frame it's is gone. Yeah. the time frame, it's got to be a little bit longer. Dude, I and know. I'll tell you why. Hold on. Let, let me finish this. She's making the coffee for everybody in that room. Okay? Yeah. Oh, let me finish. She's making the coffee. The girl, Rachel, has a fight with her. She throws the fucking... The coffee on her shirt. Yeah, she changes. I understand. That is maybe two or three minutes earlier than that. So that gave her time to finish the coffee, go, and be there. Even if it's a t- it's a time frame, it's a poorly, poorly edited film that should never happen in a film. Uh, that's more we than enough. That's about a 10-minute time frame for making coffee and changing movie, clothes. Every movie we've reviewed, I've never had a um, – um, uh, in all these years together doing this podcast, I've never had a situation, any movie we've watched – where uh, something like this happens. So in the hundreds of things we we have reviewed, because I notice shit like that, you're trying to tell me that the one time I notice it, then I'm in the wrong. That no, no issue, no issue whatsoever. Everything. Did you see how many cups of coffee she made? Yeah, plus I'm with, she had the I'm fight Plus she had the fight change. I don't care. It's and a ten. Th- it's a ten fifteen minute the time. The joint gap. smoking That's in part least. one is okay. The drive all over town, it's fine. And then this is a problem. I I I it's feel like I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, like I don't know you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't agree. I, yeah, I, 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 it's okay. Yeah. It was just a 
action. Did you guys see nothing wrong with it? I didn't realize that the uh, the time for the timestamp on the film is so quick. That's it's fucking horrible because I'm looking at it. Could you imagine watching a movie? It's like me. Oh, we're watching a movie. A guy throws a ball, and then fucking 15 minutes later, you see the guy on the side catch the ball. When all this happened, yeah, it, I can show some time go by because. She's been making the coffee. Then they, I swear they cut back to Rachel and she's playing around with the knobs and there's some squeaky squeaky and they try to make it seem like there might be Michael Myers around with her and whatever. And then it cuts back to her I walking wish. out with the tra tray of with coffee. I swear there's a yeah, tray. Yeah, I wish they did. I rewound the scene and wrote these timestamps for a reason, not just to do it. I rewound it and made sure. I'm like, wait a minute. This can't be. This cannot fucking be. So I went back and watched it again and I'm telling you, Cue up your fucking, your, your Blu-ray. 102.50, 103.32. That is when the guy is dead. So in 40 fucking two seconds, all that shit happened. All the movie it. time, but I, I swear the transition to Rachel being on the knobs or the whatever transition like that. would have been fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll watch it again. And if they go back and you see Rachel do things and they come back, then it's, then it's excusable. Then I can see that. But to me, by my memory, it, it goes right from there immediately to there and you know he what takes, he takes the chair when meeker leaves is where i believe we see the michael myers in the background but no actually i, I don't think it oh, is really? I, th I think that might be somewhere else and he takes the chair and repositions it and that's where he's sitting with the shotgun and then yeah. we cut to a different scene and then again i'm getting now i'm getting confused and maybe trying to over explain it but i never once had an issue with that because i thought they put one or two quick scenes in between my biggest issue is later on after that is the fact that Sheriff Meeker seems to have no concern whatsoever for whether his daughter's still alive. Did you, I mean, did you ever notice that? I never, I never noticed that. And the other thing is, I never knew why he could blow the lock off the door and it's metal and we're trapped in the house. I didn't know if that was an urban myth or, or whatnot yeah. when he shoots it. And I never understood that no, logic. That was stupid. And he uses both bullets and then doesn't realize he has to reload until it's too late. Yeah, I don't know. How gets, about this he, question? He gets the hork on him, that's at least a Here's a question. <laughs> this is more playful. This isn't that I'm angry about it. She says, <laughs> she says, she canceled the date with Brady. Right? And she yeah. tells him, see, this is what she tells him. My parents are going out, so I have to stay home and sit Jamie. And then he says, okay, well, then can I come over after? And she goes, no, my parents are coming home early. Yeah. Well, I, if your I parents agree. are coming home early, why can't you go out with him after? Yeah, that, that was dumb, and I noticed it. It's funny. Okay. It's not the first time I noticed that, but I definitely, it stuck out. That was really bad. I don't know why they left yeah. that on. I agree. And like, you're, you're, like, he's like, well, my parents are going to be home early. Bitch, let's go out right after. Like, it, didn't even make, it didn't even make sense that he asked, could I come over after? Because after she's done babysitting would be when the parents got home. So, of course, you're not going to be able to come over while my parents are home. But the fact that she says the parents are coming home early means that they could have had a, a later date. So it, it's stupid in both regards. It's ridiculous. Here's something ridiculous. Loomis's makeup. Like I said about this movie being poorly edited. Holy fuck. One time he has that fucking thing on his face that looks like a Cocoa Puff. One time it's in this area. One time it's over here. Oh, did you, not, did you not read, see the documentary? No makeup. Oh, they talked about it. The guy retired right after doing this movie. He was actually fired and then rehired on this shoot as well. And... When they were looking at the dailies, supposedly Donald Pleasant's girlfriend says, it looks like you've got an egg on the side of your face. He oh, complained. Yeah. He complained. And then they changed it. But they said that in the editing, they were using old shots versus new shots. So it would change. 
Awful. So, How do you let a moose go? So it like went that? from an egg to a cocoa puff? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I Dude, believe they terrible. used a, cook, a cookie crisp at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a movie like this where they do even the lowest budget of films. i never seen editing fucking that poor where they just change the guy's makeup as the, as the film goes on. I, I can't believe it. It just – that should just fucking drives me nuts. I don't know. Okay, how about this? We're supposed to believe that Michael walks into a fucking cop station and kills all the fucking cops. That's what we're dealing with here in 1988 after fucking parts one and two. Michael Myers walks into a cop station and just massacres all the cops. They got guns, they got this and that, just for no reason to all right it. What does Michael care about cops? Uh, that was an add-on scene. I think they wanted more carnage. But yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it was it's good or bad. I actually, I agree. If, when you think of it like that, it's a little bit ridiculous. But you know what? They Michael Myers attacks a lot of people in groups in this movie. <laughs> I know it's probably it's one of my issues with it. Okay, how about this one? <laughs> this is the worst problem of all for me in the entire film. For no reason whatsoever, uh, the, the deputy is parked at the at the Lloyd's house, or not the Lloyd's house, where Jamie Lloyd lives, whatever the fuck their name the is. Carruthers uh, house. The Carruthers house. There's there's a cop car. The sheriff is the part of me. The deputy is parked there. He talks to Meeker. Meeker says, "Hey, come over here to my place. We're all here." All of a sudden, for no reason, Michael Myers is in the back of the fucking guy's cop car laying there. Why would Michael Myers, for no reason whatsoever, crawl in the back of a fucking cop's car and lay there? He needed I, a ride there because he lost his he lost his car in part one. <laughs> it's a plot convenience. It's okay. it, Yeah, I admit, I'm, all of your points are valid, and I've laughed at these parts in the movies, but okay. I laugh at them like I'm laughing at any slasher movie. If if this was not part of the Halloween franchise, I don't even think you'd care. I wouldn't even watch it. I'd say this is a terrible fucking movie. I oh wouldn't give it my God. time. But, but we watched Slumber Party Massacre, which is fucking ridiculous. Makes sense. Why, why, why is it ridiculous? I can't pick it apart. I can't say... I watch every movie fairly. When I sit down and watch every film, no matter if it's a franchise film or this film or recommended by this guy or I'm, I'm excited about it. Every time I sit down and watch a movie, I take notes and I do everything objectively. I can't help it if I, if I have a bunch of questions for a certain movie. Yeah, and, and I can't help it if I'm... The other thing is that I know these are stupid. Maybe I'm I'm more forgiving of logic gaps in a slasher film, and you especially have to a part be. four of a slasher film. No, so I you think have I'm just be. yeah. Do do you think I didn't laugh the first time, the second time, the twentieth time at Halloween four when the camera pans over and you just see Michael like la like kind of burnt hand resting on the knees in the back seat of the car? It is ridiculous. Oh my god! And then it pans back. It's also ridiculous that every character throughout this series falls off a roof or throws himself out a window and is completely unharmed every single time. In fact, Lori falls off the freaking balcony in part one and only cracks a bone in her ankle when she should be fucking dead. So again, suspend disbelief. And also, I'm not nitpicking this film. Like I said, I have like 25 more things that I'm not even gonna bring up because that's nitpicky shit. How about Michael on the Michael on the bumper? Michael on the bumper at the end of part in part four. Oh, it's terrible. I wasn't even gonna bring up because it's so bad. I figured one of you guys would. That's that's my main issue. First, they they stop by the car by, by the cops who are coming into town. So you would think they would see what was he underneath. How Where are they what? fighting on the back of that fucking thing? And then the guy doesn't realize it. Four grown men fighting in the back yeah. of your cab of your truck. It, you it don't was, realize it. it. They, need, they needed to tighten that editing up for sure. Because you yeah. just see two of them like hanging out, like not noticing. And then he's beating people up. There's there's ridiculousness here. I'm just saying that there's enough fun stuff and enough good stuff that keep me entertained. And it's We it's do get Earl's paced. kill out of that. Earl's kill is good. Gets yeah. his whole side of his face ripped open. Oh, dude. Love that. That's a great Yeah, that's, that's great. That's, 
And did you know that they actually did film the dynamite scene? I figured you assumed they did in this movie, but they cut it out and they just reinserted it back in in part five. You didn't see him escape escape from it. Like they add the add on of the explosion and him floating out as in the next movie we're going to talk about. But they actually did put the dynamite down for one final bam. And I guess maybe they thought that was too much. But then it's funny that they reinserted it for part five. How about Brady yeah. spitting while being killed for no reason? That's fucking great. Pick it up and he spits. I never saw that in a movie. Works on him. I love it. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, shit. Like, there is some funny stuff. But those are my questions. I'm not going to keep it up. There's something funny. My daughter notices this of all things. On Jamie Lloyd's door in her bedroom. No it's boys allowed? Door. Yes, and there's a rainbow on it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, there you go. Jamie's gay. <laughs> Isn't it funny? My daughter notices shit like that. <laughs> Apparently, I'm like a tall girl because sure. I noticed it too. <laughs> Fuck off, Wade. Oh, <laughs> I love that line. scene. Especially the whole uh, build up to it. Uh huh. Well, you know, she's definitely in on it because after she says she has a big smile and she looks yeah. at the other two guys. Like they probably told her that she was going to do that, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's great. I'll tell you what, I'll give props to this. The nostalgia of that pharmacy. Remember back in the day when you could go to pharmacies and yeah. buy Halloween costumes? The Living like Nightmare stuff, too. The uh, Living Nightmare stuff. And, and, and the yes. costumes just with a garbage bag body and a plastic that's exactly, mask. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. The garbage bag body with that mask. And they were so tight, you wore them over your clothes. <laughs> that's great stuff, man. Yeah, I want to go out on a high note. I know I had a million questions, but the, the, I don't hate the movie. I just had a lot of questions. Well, there's a lot you of know? people that hate this one. You know what? Bucky? I found out that the, I think the prop dresser <laughs> was named Bucky. And they said he was trying to get his name out there. And that's why he has a Bucky name tag on there and whatever. Don't try that Halloween shit with me. Trust me, when I was back in the day, I'm like, oh, they should have cut Bucky down. Oh, they should have taken the knife. These were my nitpicks. Bucky had too many stupid lines. The knife in the attic, the the dream sequence, the, the reactions of the people on the pickup truck, not realizing that Myers was there, killing them one by one. Like, <laughs> the, these things that were, were my nitpicks. The pink and blonde-haired Myers were, he's in the, yeah. in the school. They said yes. the makeup, they got a trunk full of pink, white-haired Myers masks and they said they had to paint them and they figured even the director says he doesn't know what the fuck happened it must have been a late night they uh, one guy ran grabbed that mask put it on and it made it in the movie and he says he hates it to this day but there's no money to go back and do reshoots and so they're stuck with that one wacky shot of Myers with blonde hair and a pinkish face Wait, I got a question. Who's who's Bucky? Bucky's the uh, the electric <laughs> guy. Station. The guy. The oh, the guy who gets chucked into the yeah. okay at the power. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's power. what I thought. I just, I just the power think about. Yes, power station Bucky or power whatever the fuck is <laughs> power station. Some like get hot and some sweat but when the heat, the heat is on. You know, feel the heat. that was hilarious. Yeah, Can't don't try that Halloween shit with me. He's <laughs> fucking great. Don't you even think about leaving. I'm calling the police. Oh, he's great. Bucky. Oh, not as good as Loomis saying, hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from me. I like how, how he scares Lonnie and then Sheriff Brackett scares Loomis like two seconds later. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's the only time he's happy and then he gets scared. Yeah. <laughs> Brackett just sneaks up on him. Uh, I'll tell you, I am bored silly in the third act when there's seven people in the house and it moves so slow and nothing goes on. But it's all a good payoff for the very, very end with the fucking with the Jamie thing is great. I love that. 
that I, makes it. I have no boredom there, but yes, that ending is the most bone chilling of them all. And it still to this day gives me shivers and I love it. It's the way the that's music funny. It, did, it didn't give me the goosebumps like it used to. It's more funny than to, for, from, it, it's yeah. more funny to me now than anything because of Loomis. But the lead up to it is fucking great and what happened. And I wish they would have done it like they did. In part five, it's much better. They actually yeah. show it. And yeah. it's just like part one. You yeah, know what but I, mean? I, I know what Christian's complaint is with with underutilizing Rachel in part five. And we'll get to that. And if they were going to do that from the get-go, I think it would have been more effective to have it be Rachel rather than Darlene in, in the end of this one. Have I'm Jamie stab, stabbing Rachel. Who's Darlene? Darlene's the stepmother. Oh, fuck. Okay, all right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, th- that's Remember crazy. the husband gets mad out Darlene because he dips his tie in the coffee? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> like it's yep. her fucking fault? Yeah. <laughs> St- Not this one. This tie has a spot on it. Hey, wash your Darlene, own fucking clothes. I'm coming home at the end of the day, and I'm taking out my day on you. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And Loomis is good, too. He's still a highlight. He carries... If there's no Loomis in this film... I'm probably not even watching it ever again. <laughs> He's the one thing for me. He's the saving grace for me. I feel about this the way I feel about the bad Fridays or the bad or the bad nightmares. I'll still watch them even though it's it's nowhere up to par of the better films in the franchise. Wow. And I'm I'm right there thinking that this is one of my favorite sequels next to part two, especially out of the the ones we're talking about tonight. I, I haven't changed my rating. In fact, I thought like I was actually going to go up from the 50 slasher show, but I kept it the same. It's a seven out of 10. It's my second favorite sequel thus far. Uh, and I think it only goes down from here. Wow. No, no, uh, no. Yeah, you're giving me chills. Just thinking about it now. It's great. It. I'll tell you what, it's a five out of 10 for me. That's what I can get. Wow. It. It's just, just another film. There, there's good, there's bad, but there's a lot. Just the editing, fuck. Too many things bother me. Uh, bad editing, bad decisions in the plot. But I don't hate it. You know, a couple years ago, I would have given it like a three out of ten or something. But it's a five missed, oppor- missed opportunities too. I think the trick or treating and and you know them getting separated. Just a lot of missed opportunities in the, in that sequence. It felt like it went on too long for really nothing to be happening. But I, I'm at a five point seven five. Wow. That's fair. And I was lower. Fairly I came stupid. Up. <laughs> I, I came up. I came up talking okay, about up. it. All my questions brought you up. How the fuck you got some fucking rose-colored glasses on? Every question I ask is legit, and you didn't even <laughs> didn't even change your rating. I no, up. no. <laughs> when I like a movie, someone can come to me, and if, if they point out things that I never noticed before that I thought were like, oh, what the fuck, that doesn't make any sense. My rating's definitely going by down. I, I felt like I had explanations for most of those things. The thing that bothered me most was was the. Him hiding on the bumper is kind of stupid. Oh, I the can't... cop car gets me the most. Hide for no reason. I'm just going to crawl in the back of a cop car. And hey, leave. we've been saying it since part one that, that Michael is more playful than we give him credit for. <laughs> and it's another playful thing. Yeah, but cop, that's the last person you want to go by. It's not like it's a teenager and he wants to whack her. You know? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Why would you go anywhere near a cop? And speaking of cops, why would those kids even... He's smart. He's smart. He knows he's going to get a ride back to the house. It's the psychic abilities. There you go. Free transportation. <laughs> there you go. That's true. That's true. He bums a ride. That's true. Why would those kids tease cops at Michael Myers' mask? Isn't that? Oh, that, that was fucking stupid. Loomis oh, should have shot sure. all of them. I wish he would have. Because who has the balls to tease a cop with a Michael Myers mask when they on on Halloween night? Uh, I guess I guess we're gonna be talking about this again within the next part. <laughs> fucking lock you up. <laughs> I don't tease cops. They do. Up. They need to do it now in every fucking movie. Absolutely. Ready to move on? All right, Halloween 5 from 1989. 
one year after the events of Halloween 4, the Sheik returns to Haddonfield once again in an attempt to kill his now mute niece. This one's directed by Dominique O'Fennin Gerard. Yes, a, fr- a Frenchman. Do you remember at one point this be called called the Revenge of Michael Myers? It is. It's still called that. I feel like Isn't they it? just lost that everywhere and it's just called Halloween 5 now, but I think you're Oh, right. really? Oh. Maybe on the title card it was called The Revenge of Michael Myers, but yeah, it just seems to be Halloween 5. It was really cheap cover art. Just They just kind of copied and pasted shit from part 4. They just redesigned it a little bit. I remember that. It made no sense, and I'll tell you why, because Michael was holding a knife, and in the knife is Jamie in a clown suit. And Jamie's not in the clown suit in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a princess, because she's she's cured. They're just going to ignore the fact that she's a psychotic who tried to stab her stepmother. Well, see, that's just it. They had to move on. They were doing more, and there you go. They, they made some money. They had to keep it on. I didn't like the, the opening of this, the opening title sequence. It felt like a, a like the music felt like like a thriller, like I was about to watch some sort of thriller film. Oh, I actually like the music in this movie. We've talked about yes. this before, Dave. This is one yeah. of the better soundtracks. Um, uh, I, that, that stabbing thing sound, uh, sound. That slicing sound? Yeah, uh. I, I'm okay with. Uh, I always thought that it was a kind of a unique take on the, the pumpkin opening, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. I, I kind of referenced earlier. I do like the, the recount of part four, the final chase part, and then the adding of the dynamite, and then seeing the cliffhanger serial edition of Michael slipping out the back end and into the water. Slipping uh, out the back end. You and, love it when Michael slips out the, the back water. end. <laughs> so funny. I remember seeing this on opening night with my friend, and we were cracking up in the fucking odd. The two of us just burst out laughing when you see Michael going down the fucking water, yeah. like, wee! Yeah. Around. <laughs> He's like so on a water funny. ride, yeah. Oh, it was so funny. I told this before. We snuck in. I was underage. I think I was 15 when this came out. And again, it was rated R. And I've told you, you can't see R rated if you're under 18 in Canada. In the theater, yeah. so I snuck in with my girlfriend, and we—I uh, loved it for that reason. Boy, I mean, it was one of those I snuck into, just like Friday Thirteenth Part Eight. Then you realize <laughs> later on that it's just not—it wasn't the same. I was like, "This is not—I'm not enjoying this." Like I really enjoyed Part Four, and I really enjoyed Two, and of course One. Uh, but I was there in the theater, and at that time, I was happy. Immediately, was you can, immediately you can notice the difference between Michael, just because. I don't know why. Part four, Michael was very puffy, especially at the end when he gets killed. It looks like he's wearing shoulder pads and he's all. Yes, I don't like that look. I hate that look. It's the worst look. And And of course, he's white. He's white as fucking your face right now. He's whiter. Yeah, he's whiter than me. And then in part five, he's so much skinnier because Don Shanks is just a lot skinnier. And the mask looks just like Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage. 100%. 100%. <laughs> Michael's mask in this movie always looks like Nicolas Cage to me. Is that why like you're yelling Nicolas about the Cage. piece? No, no, early Nicolas Cage, oh, when he was thinner, like um, like Valley Girl and like, um, what's that movie? Not Adventures of Babysitting, Raising Arizona. That that era Nicolas Cage, look at him really? in the movie. That mask, it's like they molded it from his face. Well, they it's molded it off of Greg Nicotero. It's actually his face, yeah. And then they, and then they, I guess they said the shapes were a bit different, so they redid some remolds for, oh, for Don Shanks, but... Ultimately, you know what? I used to hate this mask. It's growing on me now. Because now I, I actually liked Halloween 4 when I was 14. And the look of Myers, I admit now. Shoulder pads, way too white. The mask yeah. being stu- stuffed into the, the, the <laughs> jumpsuit. It just doesn't work anymore. But when I was I, 14, I thought it was creepy and it was great. Now it's like, like I said, one of my least favorite. But 5, yeah, which sh- I used to hate. Thanks for the memories. <laughs> waka waka blue. <blah, blah. laughs> 
<laughs> part five, I now have grown fond of. I like it a little bit more so. I don't understand that whole scene. He, he wheezes down the water and he gets <laughs> stuck in like a carp trap or something like that. I don't know what he's like a crab net. A and carp then, trap. I don't know what the fuck. Very specific. Some hobo in Haddonfield lives off the fucking water. And, and, and Michael Myers so, shacks up there. Now, I heard it was all reshot. And I, I had the fango with the pictures of Dr. Death. And I know it's talked about in one of the documentaries. That was all redone. So supposedly he, the original one is, um, Dr. Death actually puts the thorn tattoo on him. Oh, that's right. And yep. does rituals with him there. Yeah. And then the year later in Halloween, he arises. Mustafa hated it. And they got rid of it. And then just made it that hermit guy. Yeah. With the bird. That's too bad. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't like the hermit guy. No, echoing, echoing. You don't like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like it. It feels. It feels. I don't know. It feels weird that Michael needs a whole year to recoup at this point. Oh yeah, point. It, it is weird. I mean, <laughs> you just have to suspend disbelief, or you're going to be like done within the first ten minutes. Yeah. Of the movie. It's silly. I'll tell you this. This movie here. I'll say a couple things quick. I don't think it's as bad as everybody thinks it is. And I used to really hate it. And this time around, watching it. After watching, I watched it right after part four both times. And because I watched it right after four, and I didn't have the questions with this one that I had with four, I saw stupid things in this. The psychic thing, why? That's stupid. The beginning, why? That is stupid. But everything else, I don't have any questions. Like I had a million questions in part four. So I do not hate this movie. And this brings back the stalk and slash. And it's teenagers again. You see a group of teenagers getting killed, which we haven't didn't really see last movie. Last movie, all only teenagers we saw were were Brady, Rachel, and Kelly. And it, you know what I mean? It just yep. it wasn't that much. There wasn't none of that that teenage camaraderie like we, like we got in part one and two. But in this movie, they at least I'm not saying it's completely successful, but they at least make an attempt to bring that back. There's a couple conversations with the girls and things like that, and and the boys, and you see Michael in the background stalking them they kind of took it back to part one a little bit in this movie and i don't think people give it the credit for that oh i no, i actually uh, agree with you 100 percent. i liked this movie then over time i started really disliking it pulling apart all the the, the nitpicks and all, all the stupidity of being in limbo for a year in this in fucking hermit's shack silly. and whatever yeah, silly. and then you know what i let it go went in open-minded with this and had a lot of fun with this view and it's it it doesn't deserve all the hate there is some great scary sequences and they're shot during the day yes it's just might go yes. back out during the day like dude they're rachel the rachel sequence is great rachel really is should not have died closet. That's, I yeah, that, that's what I want to ask. What is the whole point of, of dispatching Rachel so quickly? Shock? Is there any is there yeah. any issue with the shock. actress? No, because it's not even shocking because you just you don't you just see her get stabbed. You're not even sure she's dead. <laughs> you're right about that. It's scissors. You're right because it's scissors. You're not even sure she's dead. You do have a point. I wish they would have dispatched her better. Where you knew for a fact she was dead. You're yeah. right about that. But I think they were going for the whole shock thing, like the psycho effect. You know, with, with, this is your lead, and then it's they're going to surprise you. Because when you see her, who thinks that she's going to survive? And if she is going to die, maybe it'd be in the third act or something. Yeah, it'd be a more heroic death. You don't expect that. You don't expect this ridiculous girl, Tina, to fucking take over the final girl role. This but should, Tina, yeah. as annoying as she is, does end up being a hero. Yeah, that, I like Tina. She has a I heroic like Tina role. a lot. They said they cheered when she died in the theater. <laughs> she had some annoying things to her. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and Michael, Michael, that stuff is a little fucking over the top. 
again, it's not as bad as, as people make it out to be. I think it really gets a bum rap. I don't think it's I, I, a lot of people say, oh, four is great. Five is a piece of shit. Eh, Five's got my favorite Loomis. Loomis is just full psycho. Let me torment Jamie this whole movie. Jamie, right, right. Oh, this guy right. doesn't. This guy survives as much as Michael does. They're like soulmates. Yeah. He dies in every fucking movie. He keeps coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Blows up and two comes back. Gets stabbed and blown up and two and comes back. Gets thrown through a window and Hard pretty boy. much everyone. <laughs> That's crazy, and he keeps on trucking. There's some good kills in this one. This one uh, definitely takes the blunt objects to the head. You get that little three-pronged handheld pitchfork. That garden hoe. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mic right in the head. And how he teases him with before by scratching up his car. Oh, yeah. That's fucking good shit. That's a good sequence. And then afterwards, wearing the mask and picking up uh, Tina and doing that. Very playful. Yeah, good stuff. It's not bad. There's more slasher elements. There's more pure slasher elements in this movie than there is part four. That was supposed to be a Reagan mask. You know why uh, Rachel's death is a cheat, though? And I'm not sorry to jump back. The fact is that she was such a big element of four. So I think what they should have done is had a bigger payoff where you think she's going to get the upper hand and escape, and then she gets killed. She just kind of goes out. The bumbling cops come. And actually, there's actually no bumbling cops. It's just the music. That makes oh, it really bubble. Oh my god! You take That's that music terrible. out, and it's right. funny. It's... And even even the because the soundtrack is so great. Other than that, but you take that out, and they're just slightly comedic, but not over the top. Yeah, it's no, that nothing music that nothing does Nothing they're it. saying is waka waka, but that yeah. music, oh my god, is terrible. It's still some ridiculous lines delivered by those two cops. Oh, save save cats from trees. This and that, this and that. And then later on, when they're playing cards, they see a couple more things. Oh, we're bad cops. It's a comedy once again. Thanks, Jason lives. Fucking back and forth they go. Jason put some <laughs> comedy in it. Halloween, we gotta put some comedy in our movie now. Thanks, I'm telling you, they Boyd. go. They go back and forth this entire fucking series. It's crazy. But, and that, that's what I'm saying. So like, they see her, then she goes back in and gets killed. I just think they, they needed a bigger fight. She needed to be chased by him well, or first something of all, like that. There should have been something else where she's trying to warn Jamie or something, but she just goes out so quick, and I think that is the big You mean cheat. Jamie's trying to warn Rachel? Or vice versa. Because- yeah. Because Jamie's, she was. Jamie's she was psychic, yeah, she was, but it only worked once. When she was in real danger, she didn't have a psychic convulsion. She had a psychic convulsion. The cops went to the house. They looked everywhere but the one closet that Michael was hiding in. What kind of sweep did they do of this house? And then, of course, they leave. She sneaks out, kills Rachel. And meanwhile, Jamie's not even having any sort of reaction to, to Rachel being killed. When that's the person she has the strongest link with. So, again, convenience. You know, she'll have her psychic seizures at her own time i guess i never it, had know, a problem with her being mute or any of that she went through oh the i trauma. don't like that at they, all. they explain why, why they think mute i don't know they explain it like she had a problem wounded her mom stepmom not killed her because michael myers was channeling through her but it's left this connection to them silly <laughs> yes and when i even as i say it it's silly yeah it's, it's, it is they managed to make it work within the realm of the movie more or less it works. I, I like the, the scenes at the at the party, you know, the farmhouse and stuff like that. I, I like the feel that that had. Did you notice there's an old lady at the party? Yeah. No. Some random old lady. She's just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. She's sitting in like a rocking chair. Yeah. Weird. I don't know. What the hell was but that? I, but this is, again, just like four, there's a couple of great set pieces in this movie as well. Yeah, that was uh, the, the Rachel the kill, him just walking out during the day, like we're saying out in the park while they're talking. He's all yeah. in the background there. He's always cool. there. The um, the barn, 
I love yeah. it because and whenever there's a barn in a horror movie, it just works. Thank you, Friday the Thirteenth again. And well, this one, this one was the rip off of the three Fridays. This one's the rip off of Friday three with the barn, Friday five with the stuttering kid, and Friday seven with the psychic connection. There you go. <laughs> this See, one you're was right. Friday three, five, and seven. <laughs> well, they owed them. They're going back and forth. They're going back and just like Tommy Jarvis in Friday six was trying to be like Loomis. There he is. He was the Loomis. You're right. And then the laundry shoot <laughs> sequence I thought was really well done. Yeah, and they've got it, these it's set up very sequences early. There. It's set up very early with Loomis, you know, finding the possum in there, and then he locks it up. So you know, <laughs> it's gonna. It's gonna... <laughs> this director was very adamant about doing his own thing. I need Loomis. I need Michael Myers. I'll carry the story over, and that's all I need to know. I don't well, care I'll what the Michael. You. I don't care what the Myers house looks like. It that's now looks it. like this. Terrible. <laughs> It, that's unforgivable. To it me. turned into a beautiful Victorian. <laughs> <laughs> unforgivable for no good reason. How hard is it to fucking do a, a mock-up of the Myers house or even a remodeled yeah. one like they did in part six? Yeah. Terrible. If you're going to make such a big issue about going back to the Myers house, go home, Michael, and make it a big deal. Go back to where it begins. The rage. Everything. Go back home. Go back home. If you're going to make the home a big deal, which is actually cool because in the end of the final sequence, you see he puts Jamie in the catbird seat. He puts Jamie in the spot where Judith was sitting and combing the hair, trying to lure him in. Well, guess what? Great ideas. Go home. Do this. Go back to the original. But the house looks fucking nothing. Nothing. Actually, like that's a that's a mistake. That was a mistake. Terrible. Putting yeah, Jamie in the window. Putting Jamie right. in the window like that. Perfect sense. No, because he set the trap downstairs. When Michael shows up, he tries to lure Michael downstairs to get him into that chain trap. But Michael knows well, to go upstairs. It was it was a mistake. No, it's not a mistake because he had a cop stationed in that room, so he's assuming when Michael gets in that room, they're going to gun him the fuck down. <laughs> Nobody the had the trap set downstairs. He tries to matter. He doesn't care about the... He's he has a cop. There. Loomis is trying... Loom, the cop is there protecting Jamie in the in the, uh, in the the bedroom upstairs. Well, I don't think the plan was to get him upstairs. The plan was to for Loomis to have a, a heart-to-heart with him and to lure him downstairs into the chain trap, which was in the other room. You may be right, but he still wanted... Her to be there for the bait, regardless, just to get him into the house. Yeah, like, absolutely. Have the but but yeah. I don't like the fact that she was sitting by the window because I don't think she should have been seen. Well, I think that's she what do you mean she should have? That's what's going to bring him into the house. He wants proof no, that that girl's there. No, She's no. The Loomis or Loomis yeah. already no because if he sees her in the window, he's going to know to go right upstairs. Who so cares, it doesn't though? make any sense. As soon as he walks into the house, Loomis can confront him in the first room, and that's where it all takes place anyway. He just wants to get her in the house, get Michael in the house. Yeah, so by getting I, I, him in the oh house, he told Mike. He basically told Michael in the woods, which is another great scene with with the with the car chase and all that. I actually like that with yeah. them hiding in the trees and stuff. But he good. basically tells him to go home. I know. So he, he knows that's where they're gonna be. So I just feel like there wasn't a need to put her in the window. He knew that's where they were gonna be. I just feel like that's a mistake based on where Loomis set up the trap that ultimately catches Michael in the end. Right before I, I, we don't Loomis... know where the trap is. Again, in retrospect, you're you're True. We're looking at it. We're taking. We're we're looking back at this and seen it so many times. I hear you, Brandon, but I think you do need to see her. That's the the bait to get him into the house, and then the trap. I think right. us seeing it as the audience is cool because it's a direct parallel to the first one. But I think the idea of Michael seeing her is a mistake. But, it doesn't bother me. I'm just... Well, yeah, you're complaining about it. definitely bothers you a little bit. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It really doesn't. I just got to play devil's advocate for the sake of doing a review. Not, not, nothing bothers me. These movies are... These movies, I don't... I could care less. 
Well, I mean, bothers you in in the context of, of the plot of the film. You just don't like it, so therefore it bothers. Well, you. I don't I like think. it based on the way Loomis set up the trap to catch Michael. He set it up in a completely different area of the house. So if he was luring him to to Jamie in the attic, it doesn't make sense because the trap is not in the attic. Well, nothing's, how about in the, nothing's in the attic except for that deputy who has a gun, which is going to do nothing to stop Michael because every fucking movie, all they do is have a pistol. And Loomis carries that same pistol around, knowing it's not going to do anything anyway. However, you're gung-ho about him using a fucking dart gun? You think that's a bullet won't work, but a fucking tranquilizer dart gun will? That's all they can do is tranquilize him and lock him up. That's the only time they're safe from him is when he's locked up. Oh yeah, Thorzine. That's the idea. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> he's going for Thorzine again. 90 milligrams, all right. <laughs> Want to practice that's our it. signals again? <laughs> Which is her banging on the desk four times in a row yeah. or something like that. You keep doing that. What, what do we need to practice here, Chief? Uh, I, I Again, I've, I've said this a couple of times, but you guys are on a rant, so I just I let you guys go and I hear you. But do you remember the tagline was, this time they're ready, or this time they're waiting for him, or whatever. It was meant to, the whole thing was meant to be that the cops were waiting for Michael Myers. And at one point at the end, they're, they are waiting for him, but he tricks them at making them think there's something happened at the clinic, so they all zoom back, except for the two that are there that he smashed. Yeah, how did up he trick? Kills. How did he trick Jamie into having a vision that something was going on at the clinic? And what actually happened at the clinic? Th they tricked him in the fact that there's so many script problems and changes and rewrites and everything else that that's exactly it was. I think out of convenience and out of confusion, they said there was no man in black until very late in the game, and they just added him in, added him in, and said we'll explain this in part six. <laughs> really that's what they yeah, that's what that's they too said bad. that's a mistake how about that even the man in black doesn't like dogs <laughs> or dogs don't like dog. him uh he he, why would the man in black bus. take a bus after we find out who he is <laughs> he took a oh, bus and i had you think he could drive a car instead you think it'd be better i hear you though why did he take a bus yeah why did he take a bus <laughs> i mean like they especially when you, especially when you realize who he is later yeah. I mean, there's no... they had no idea who he was going to be. Yeah, well, so, that's it. Like, but I mean, it adds to the mystery. He's from out of town. He's an out-of-towner. <laughs> he's an out-of-towner, and yeah. he's going to kick a dog. That's so you it. know he's down with Michael. But So where I'm going <laughs> with it is there was a lot of these script things, and they said that it was things were just getting sort of redone. Uh, and I have a feeling they just played around with it. There's supposed to be, a, I think, a big... You're talking about him killing a bunch of cops. I think there's supposed to be a big standoff with at the police station with a bunch of cops around that they took right out of the script or right out of the film. It might have even been filmed, and they just took it out. There were these what do you mean? At, at the end, it was supposed to be bigger, you're saying? Either that, that's where it was and it was bigger because there was some footage in that documentary that showed cops yeah. being shot. Yeah, it was very inside. quick in the end of this one. Shit. Yeah, well, they just it was all done in silhouette and whatever. It was weird. Yeah, so they're, they're not really ready for them. They think they're ready for them because they set up a trap, but he outsmarts them all. And still convinces Jamie that there's something Billy's in trouble at the clinic. I don't so, remember yeah. that sequence at all. I guess well, I, they, I guess she, I that's why she out. goes. And they all zoom off to go to the clinic, and then Donald Pleasance has that line: "Now you'll come, Michael, won't you?" Because <laughs> he knows yeah. that the cops are gone, uh, meaning that he knows Michael's orchestrated this. But how has he? Because he's there in two minutes, like. At the house. Oh, okay. Well, my rating just gone down a little bit. See, that's the kind of guy I am. Am I wrong, Brandon, in saying that? Like, it, it's like that. He he kind of head fakes them to get them all out of there. Only but he really shouldn't be able up. to head fake Jamie because she well, should that, be. But her psychic abilities are kind of for shit. <laughs>
Well, there you go. See, see how I see how I see how fair I am. I have a rating this, and I didn't realize that you told me something about the movie doesn't work. My rating comes down. I don't fight it. I say, okay, you guys are right. That doesn't make any sense. My rating's got to come down now. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Sorry, Halloween Five. Cookie oh, woman. Yeah. <laughs> Cookie. Cookie woman. <laughs> I love it. How about when Loomis rips off that girl's mask in the fucking yeah. thing? She's like, oh, he's like, straight up gangster, and he just grabs her, pulls her mask off. <laughs> it's, uh, I never noticed until this time. It's so funny. He rips off his little girl's mask. She will stabilize. <laughs> she will stabilize. Oh yeah. In the beginning. How about the first word he says in this movie is the last word he said in part four. He went, he went from now, now, and it's the first thing he's like, no, no, it's the first word he says. <laughs> I love it. That's good. I didn't even realize that. That's hilarious. Isn't it? Yeah, it's just fucking, it picks him up. It picks up where he left off. Yep. No. <laughs> Everything burned but the face. Of Michael. Yeah. And again, I only know this from the documentary. Things I learned today were, were that they wanted to show one portion of his face only. They wanted to show more. And... It was, a, a, a again, a decision made that they're only going to show one portion to allow the tear to come down so that maybe in part six you'd see more and there'd be burn on other that parts of his face. That would have been nice. However, we never did see that. And there's so minimal, if any, burn effect put on there. It just looks like his pigmentation like is different. And then you see that tear, which I actually thought was a kind of a cool element. I know he's supposed to be e- pure evil, so would it But in the come? attic? I don't yeah. hate it. At the I coffin. don't hate it. You get yeah. to see his crafts at work again. I mean, he, he set up a nice diorama again upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Where did he get this... the picture? Where did he get the picture of Jamie? He has a picture there. Ever. Oh, God, yeah, like the the same picture. way Jamie had a picture of him. <laughs> exactly. See, it's just as bad. You're right. It's fucking ridiculous. Picture day at school. <laughs> he, he ordered a couple of wallet size. <laughs> <laughs> How about Loomis? He's like, Uncle. there's a nine-year-old coffin. And he's like, what do you think he's going to do with that? <laughs> Why does she make the Why does she make the decision to get in the coffin in the first place? Ah, uh, she just figures she she tries to pull a Ginny on him. I don't know. She just tries to do a little psychological. This is uncle. It's a rather good scene, even though I hate the fact he has no burn on his face. Yeah, it's silly. Maybe he had the surg- the cosmetic surgery also. Him and Loomis went in together. <laughs> <laughs> is that a Mustang he has, or was that a what, what was that a Camaro? Either way, would it be stick? Oh, I don't know. I gotta go back and watch it. We'll have to see. There might be some inconsistencies here. Maybe Michael learned how to drive <laughs> stick between part one and part five. Yeah, it's true. He wasn't a coma for ten. And years. part three, when he was off for that segment, he learned how to drive stick. He was in a coma for ten years. Maybe somebody in the, around there taught him <laughs> <laughs> subliminally. So, Michael, the first thing you want to do, you know, <laughs> hit the brake. Yeah, he's fucking getting in there. Put your foot on the clutch. <laughs> He's into it. <laughs> Here's what's ridiculous: Would those kids play a, p- a prank on cops with a Michael Myers mask? They are best friends with the fucking family that just got attacked by Michael Myers last year. This girl Tina is best buddies with this little girl who's his niece, and she's stalking them. And he's caused all this misery. Let's just make fun of the situation. What the fuck? Even spits the actor. He said that uh, he had no clue. There's Spitz. This is where Spitz came. Is that what I called the chief in the other? No, you called him Slimer or some Slimer. shit. Yeah, Slimer. After <laughs> no, Slimer. Slimer yeah, whatever. Anyway, so Spitz says he didn't even know what Michael Myers looked like. So how would he know when I even pulled the prank? 
Well, they all know what Michael Myers looks like. I mean, they still sell the masks in the fucking store. Imagine that, like on Halloween 4, they're selling a Michael Myers mask in the yeah, store. Yeah, wouldn't they pull the masks? Wouldn't you, you figure at this point that they weren't going to sell it They cancel Halloween, but even when they bring it back, they still have the masks. Yeah, and of course they know what he looks like, because the kids in part 4 were teasing the cops with Michael Myers masks on. So they right. everyone in the Spitz. town knows. Either and way, Spitz continues to pull the joke, even with Sammy <laughs> back in the barn. <laughs> yeah. You just can't let it go. How about I do Sammy? like that pitchfork. I like Sammy. Impalement scene. Oh, she's I wish it had gone. It should have gone all the way through. Double no, impalement? but then we wouldn't have got. We wouldn't have got to see Sammy with the bloody tits in that whole sequence. <laughs> yeah, all the way through would have sucked because then we got two deaths out of it. You know what I mean? We got to see Sammy half naked, looking that way, and then and then the other kill. I was always mad with the payoff of that kill, though. So I liked yeah. how he got it, but I always I was always a little disappointed with. Well, this is a cutaway. It's just a cutaway and some. It was a cutaway, blood. but I don't like seeing her run around like that. Half naked, <laughs> but, you know, I guess I like I'm a sick it. fuck. I don't know. <laughs> Michael can drive manual and stick, but he can't open a laundry chute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he no just one can. Come. He just could not get that open. No, it was his own house too. I guess he never did the laundry. <laughs> not one time. That's why he killed his parents. He didn't want to do laundry. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you! I just went over this clown suit every day and never wash it. Yeah. Well, what else can we say about this film? I, I like the hanging of the guy at the end. Uh, the deaths aren't bad. Yeah, Again. Charlie was well hung. <laughs> <laughs> Tranquilizing nice. him makes sense. Seeing him in the jail cell, twiddling his thumbs, wearing the hockey or about the hockey mask, <laughs> the Myers mask, <laughs> always makes me laugh. At that point, you've already unmasked him. You don't have to show his face. His face could still be sh like in shadow. Just have him without the fucking mask on. Yep. I like when Loomis falls on top of him. Well, he's supposed oh. to die. He's supposed, that's what I'm saying. He was supposed to have a heart attack and die on top yeah. of him. Yeah. You know what? It sounds like he has an orgasm on yes, top it, of him. Yes, I think he does. He finally got Michael and got together with Michael for the last time. He thought that was it. That's why uh, in the jail cell, Michael's oh. twiddling his hands. He's wiping the jizz off his hands. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly, he whispered into Don, Don Shanks' Myers in this one. He whispered into his ear, I finally got it. I abused you as a child. As a child. Like, as he fell on top, when he fell on top, I'm not making this up. He's supposed to, he said Donald Pleasance whispered this into his ear. <laughs> oh, that's Did he really? It's in the documentary, yeah. Just for fun, he probably did. Yeah, Didn't he break his nose, too, on the set? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think he broke down, I think he broke down Shank's nose in one of the scenes. Oh, probably the two-by-four scene. When he, well, when he was hitting him with the stick. There's a couple of weird edits in that. Ever notice that? Like, he's whacking him, and then there's just a couple of edits where the stick's already down on Myers, and... I, <laughs> It's like one or two oh. shots that are really off in that. In I, didn't, that. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Really? Wow. Well, I've always, I've always thought that. But... How about this? Once again, <laughs> a comparison. He did a Tommy Jarvis in this movie. Like Tommy Jarvis at the end of the final chapter. Die! 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 There you go. They yeah. go back and forth, these two movies. He you're said, right. well, you're going you're gonna to pretend to be me and Jason Lives? I'm going to rip you off. <laughs> and I'm going to do your die kill. <laughs> it goes back and forth like you keep saying. And... The, 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 I don't have a problem with these cliffhanger endings if they give you the installment the next year. We had to wait six years Holy for the shit. next one to come out. And I think it's because they, they threw so much at the fucking wall to see what would stick. They realized none of it was sticking. <laughs> and it's not even consistent because in this in this one, Jamie's left behind. And in the next one, Jamie was kidnapped as well. Well, we just well, see her all alone. So that that, that I could buy that. She well, just, and I, I think that's kind of creepy the way it ends with her just crying and then the credits roll. That is a creepy ending. I, yeah. Again, yep. but, one uh, more comment I want to make that's funny. Loomis. When the guy says, now wait a minute, Loomis. And Loomis goes, 
There isn't a minute to wait. <laughs> I love that. I want to. I want to use that line in life one day when someone says, "Wait a minute." There isn't a minute to wait. You know. <laughs> and that's it pulls some of these lines out I never even thought of that line but yeah he's, he's great man so we ready to rate this sucker guys I used to be right at the average mark at this and occasionally I even failed this movie I had a lot of fun with it I came in at a 6 out of 10 wow holy shit yeah. look at you you're loving the holiday. it was so enjoyable this time well I'm 4.5 out of 10 yeah I, I enjoyed I was this five. one I dropped it thanks to what you guys said I enjoyed this one a little, a little bit more than four. I give it a six out of ten as well. Nice! Wow! Holy yeah. fuck! Yeah. I and think I in the low. I thought I'd be the highest. <laughs> I used to be all like four to five range, and I don't know. I just came in. I'm like, no, this is enjoyable, man. Get a good slasher movie. It's fun. Not as bad as people say. People really trash it. They put four on a pedestal and they say five is a piece of shit. And to me. Like, I, according to my rank, I had him even, but I dropped this half a point because of what you guys said. So, to me, it's like, yeah, you know what? Five is bad, but it's not much worse than, than, than four. They're, they're, they're pretty close to me, and it's just, you know, that's how I rate them. Okay, well, now we're going to get into some shit. <laughs> now, I'm really excited about this, actually, but let's go. Halloween let's 6. Let's do it. Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, 1995. Six years after Michael Myers last terrorized Haddonfield, he returns there in pursuit of his niece, Jamie Lloyd, who has escaped with her newborn child for which Michael and a mysterious cult have sinister plans. Directed by Joe Chappell. <laughs> okay, question. Chappelle, whatever. Chappelle? Dave, directed by Dave Chappelle. <laughs> That'd be great, huh? Bitch! <laughs> <laughs> Remember Tarantino was actually rumored to direct this one. Yeah, Halloween 666, you wanted to call it. Yeah, and they did on, on, on the producer's cut that was bootlegged. That's what they called it, Halloween 666. But anyway, and then Howard Stern was supposed to be in this, and then he ended up not doing it, so they had to go with the... I think the, they well, asked him, and he said no. That's what it was. supposed to be Barry Sims, yeah. Barry he Sims. Approached. He was approached. How about Barry Sims appears in another movie as the same character? Yeah. Penny and, Dreadful. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. got oh, the Penny same Dreadful. character name. And he was yeah. the guy that got uh, killed in uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. What? With Linneo Quigley. Are you serious? That's yeah, Barry. That was his. Yeah. Holy shit! Wow. You learn something new every day. That that's that's the best piece of knowledge on this entire episode. I think. Good I, I, and good night, everybody. <laughs> and that's it. You turn into a Halloween retro. You find out Barry Sims got killed with Linnea Quigley and fucking Salonite Deadly Night. I... Okay, I'm gonna pose a question. You're you're writing this movie. You're sitting down. They, you see what happened with the man in black. They say, watch this movie. We introduce this man in black character. There's a thorn symbol on him. He got broken out of jail. What are you going to do with that? When people want to criticize this film, I think they, what they must first do is look at part five and where you're going to go with it. Anytime someone criticizes something and I fancy myself a writer, if I look at something and I can't come up with something better or anything, I have to give them a pass due to the circumstance. Where are you going to go with that that's going to be better? Think about that. What are you going to do? No, and and that's exactly it. When, again, I, when I saw this, I saw this actually with Vince and another roommate from university, and we liked it. It was six years later. We liked it. It was in the middle of the 90s, and I liked it. Didn't think much about it. <laughs> Did you like it? I, you know, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it was like fucking life cereal. It's like Mikey. <laughs> Mikey will like it. Mikey Myers will like it. <laughs> Mikey Myers. <laughs> Oh, and, then, and then I saw it again, bought it, and I'm like, well, it didn't really hold up. 
you know, the, the, I think, again, you go to the theater, you're all psyched up six years later, another Michael Myers movie. I think it was just six in the right state later. of mind. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why. It was like, yeah, Rodney. Uh, and that was it. Seen it again. I'm not that jazzed. It wasn't all that great. And I've just sort of stayed there. Finally, and I guess we should tell people we all watched the producer's cut for this as well. Yeah. Watched the producer's cut, thought it was a bit of an improvement, but didn't think it was all that much better. And now, watching both back-to-back, Brandon and I talked about this earlier, and I didn't want to steal any of his thunder, but I, the best version of this is a combination of sorts, right, Brandon? Absolutely. That's what you were saying? Absolutely. Yeah, we were sure. saying that before we came on the show. I we would came say on that with, I'll say that, like I said, if you can combine the TV cuts of Halloween 2 and put them in there, that's good. And when I, I guess I'm jumping the gun, but when we get to Rob Zombie's, uh, when we talk about his one and his two, I believe the exact same thing. There's a combination. You can put these together to come up with the perfect version. And I'm with you guys. I still prefer the producer's cut, and I will rate it higher. And I guess at the end we can give the ratings, but yeah, I'll sign off on that. I will. I'll say, uh... I like the idea of what they wanted to do with the cult, but the explanations behind it become an absolute mess in both versions. I figured it out. I, I, yeah, you said that to me, and I'm interested to, to hear it because I, I can't make sense of it. It's, it's kind of all over the place for me, and I just can't wrap my head around it. I figured it out, and it is all over the place, and the way they present it is all over the place. So yeah. I'm not going to defend that. But uh, luck, I'm so glad that it happened this time because last time I reviewed this one, I did it with Banana Leaser. I didn't know. I said, well, it could be this and this. They say this and they see this, but we really don't know. It, it finally came to me uh, doing it this time around. So hopefully I can shed some light. Quick story. I stopped watching horror uh, when this had come out. I was done. I think I've said this before. I was done from like 93 to like 96. And when Scream came out, I came back for like a year or two, and then I fell out again. So there was two gaps where I didn't watch horror. I just I was still all watching old stuff, but nothing new. So I remember when this movie came out, I was still reading Fangoria. And I remember reading Fangoria when it came out, and everybody was motherfucking how bad it was, what they do, this. And it was the whole, you know how you got the letters in the beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I remember like yesterday reading all the fucking, there was like five or six of them. So people came out, they were disgusted with this film. It's like, wow, this is a terrible movie. I'll never watch it. Oh, well, okay, that's fine. So I never watched it. Then in about uh, the year 2000, 2001, I was working at Hollywood Video when you're, I was managing there. And when you're managing, you're, you're, you know, you're allowed to take, this is still VHS days for me. You're allowed to take movies home. So at the time, I was like, okay, I'm going to take movies home. They're free that I haven't seen before. So I discovered a few movies that way, you know. And this was one I brought home one day. And it was it was in October. It might have even been Halloween. I said, you know, I'm going to watch this Halloween 6. What, what the hell? I've never seen it. It's a free rental. Let's watch it. So I went home and I watched it. And I remember thinking, man, I really enjoy this movie. I go, I understand why some people complain with the cult thing. But this is, Halloween is not as bad a series as I thought. I enjoy it. I think I was mostly blown away by the gore because there was some good gory kills and the producers got they kind of take a lot of that out but that's okay i actually think that adds to it now but i remember watching the scene wow this is pretty gory it was made in in the mid 90s we weren't seeing stuff like that anymore slasher style was was pre-scream and this is not a bad movie michael looks better than he has since part two i think he looks has a better look than he had in four and five yeah and he was and, and there's more stalking in this movie Ah, the look, the stalking. There's something else I liked about it. Oh, the soundtrack was really good. They brought back almost every musical cue from part one. Mm-hmm. And they hadn't done that in a while. Like, wow, I really like this film. I'm not really like it, but I like this film. It's not bad. So I had a good experience with it. And then I didn't watch it again for years. Then I bought the blue. And then I saw the producer's cut a couple years ago when it came out. And it elevated it even more for me. 
I understand why people don't like the Cult of Thorn. It's real easy not to like that. But you had to build off the way Five ended. What are you going to do? It is convoluted, yes. But overall, I like the movie. Well, they tried to put they tried to put callbacks and explanations and, and tried to story all up. you got to respect it for that. What I don't like about it and what fails it for me as a film is the horrible editing, editing decisions they did for the theatrical version with the flashes of Myers at the very beginning, the flashes of Myers throughout. There's just random shots of Myers holding a butcher knife, flash, in the middle of something just to transition the scene. I hate that. I think it, it, it's at the detriment of the film because the movie doesn't need it and the producer's cut has none of that. You're it's right. all in the theatrical, theatrical cut and it's brutal. The one thing I like from the theatrical cut is Jamie Lloyd's death. I love Jamie Lloyd's death. I, and I think say that. If they, put, if they kept that part in the producer's cut, then you've got, that's the ideal version for me. I love the Loomis introduction. Yeah. I don't I like. Fix it I you. don't like. I don't like Tommy doing the narration. Narration. I think it has to be Loomis, and yeah. I like the how it plays with more Loomis story in the producer's cut. They they, they trim it down a lot. And, yeah, and, Loomis gets less playtime in the theatrical cut. Yeah, and yes, I think it, yes, it makes does. a big difference for the presentation of the story. Yeah, it's Tommy from the first movie, and that's a tie-in, and it's a great tie-in. And we learn about the babysitter who's part of the cult who happened to have been watching little Mikey Myers that night <laughs> when yep. how she describes it. And so there's some great little callbacks and tie-ins, I re- and I respect it for that. But there, there's there's just some unlikable characters. Some things feel kind of rushed. Uh, yeah, M- Michael Myers looks better than he ever has. But overall, I feel it, as a movie, it just it just fails from a presentation standpoint. And I think the producer's cut gets a pass. Wow. Well, I want to op- explain something. I'm the opposite. Really <laughs> okay. You're the opposite of what? Wow. I'm sorry. I prefer the theatrical cut. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell you something right now about the death of Jamie. I used to love that because it's gory and it's cool and the way it is, and it's actually kind of emotional. I dig that. Now, there ends up being a problem in the theatrical cut because of that death. And the problem is this. Loomis has no business being at that hospital when he happens to bump into Tommy. There's actually, no business- yeah. Why wouldn't he be there to identify Jamie or to see the body? He doesn't even know Jamie's dead. Why would he? S- yes, you know- he does. He was just at the, uh, at the crime scene. You're confusing the, uh, the, the cuts. Why would they need him to go there and identify the body? It's not that he needed to go there to identify the body. He would want to go there because he didn't know what happened to Jamie for the last six years. I might be confusing the cuts with him at the with, at the scene with the with the thorn, the thorn sign, sign, but right. But, but this it doesn't make any sense in the theatrical at the time it's there for Loomis to be there. But the producers fixes it only because they keep Jamie alive and he goes to the hospital to see her and then she's dead. His I, reason I to go. There to see the to see the body, he would learn that she was dead and want to go see her. I think they would just randomly call him. He hasn't been around in fucking. He's retired. He hasn't been around in years. They're gonna say, Loomis, you have to come here and identify this body. Just it, it, it makes much more sense for Loomis to be going there to visit Jamie to find out what the fuck's going on. You've been missing for six years. So now in the producer's cut, he has a reason to go to the hospital to see her, and that's why they had to bring her to the hospital. If she okay. just got killed, there's yeah. no reason for him to be at that hospital. From, from a story structure standpoint, great. From the visual payoff standpoint, yes. Right. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I understand that. I do find it, it is a little convoluted, the whole story about Michael impregnating Jamie and for... Remember, they're supposed to sacrifice their family members. That's the important thing. So what better of a family member than one created by two family members? 
it's if, ridiculous. If they wanted to end it, the bloodline and move the curse on, there's no Jamie. reason why why Michael. Yeah, just kill Jamie and it'd be over. It was stupid to have the baby thing in there. And the reason why Loomis was at the hospital is because Wynn told him to return to Smith's Grove. So th- he that's heard. That's not Smith's Grove. That's a hospital. That's no, cool. I know, but he heard Jamie's plea on the radio station. So when they said that they found the body, of course he's going to go to the hospital. I have no issue with in the theatrical. You're missing, I understand no, no, no. what you're saying. In that movie, B, in theatrical, he went to the place where she was because her body was there. So he already had gone there when the, and he saw the thorn symbol there. That's where the cops were there picking and the ambulances there picking up the body. Yeah, and they took the there. body away and then he would probably go to the hospital to see her. That's fine. I, I think I'm, I'm on board with it. I really am. Okay. To me, it's it, to me. It would have seemed like a a, um, a plot hole. I mean, how did Mike and Michael get to the barn? That was more of a question. How did how did he know to go to the barn in the first place? Well, the psychic connection, I guess. We can keep keep that up forever with that shit. And the age doesn't make sense. What is she? Fifteen in this? She looks a lot older. Yeah, I agree. That that's a mistake. But listen, hold on now. You think it's ridiculous that Michael is on his way out? It's all about killing family members, and the more you kill, and the stronger it is, that's what that's what their cult's all about. So if you're going to kidnap Jamie and Michael, and you're going to take them, by making a baby between the two of them, that is the bloodline that's the, that's the thickest. It has both of them in it. So if that's going to be his final sacrifice, make it a special one. But they don't talking... talk about it having to be a final sacrifice. They talk yeah, about they... it just having to, having to be the entire bloodline, and you Jamie's see... the end of the bloodline. They say Michael's final final sacrifice twice in the producer's cut. Yeah, his final sacrifice. Sick. His final sacrifice should have been Jamie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they wanted the final sacrifice to be the baby because it's more of a thing. It, see, it, I didn't it, get it, the impression that it was more of a thing. I just feel well, like it's common sense. It's Michael. It, it's two people with the Myers bloodline. It's Michael and fucking Jamie. They both have the Myers bloodline in them. So it's fucking. It's the strongest thing you could get together. I, I get that, but it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. They don't talk about it making making the sacrifice stronger or being more integral to no, to, to their true. cause. True, but that's how that's how I rationalize it. I, I, that's I think that that is fine for it. So they just want that to be the sacrifice. They said it that it's the final sacrifice. Now the boy, what's his name? Billy. Danny. Danny. Danny is the one that's going to take over Michael Myers' yeah. shoes and be next. Yeah. Which is another wasted opportunity. That was right. and, and the 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 reveal of the man in black. See, it I seems, like it. It seems kind of wedged in. Well, the reveal of the man in black is he's using the voice that that Danny and Jamie hear urging them to kill. So they're making it sound like like the man in black is the voice, which is not the case. So why didn't Doctor Wynn just talk in his normal voice when he lured them in there? Well, it's it's silly, but it's very silly. I'm, well, and I'm, I, not, I'm, try, I'm not trying to nitpick to downgrade no, I so I actually really like this film. I do too. I don't I mind think the violence stuff. is amped up. I think from that opening kill of the uh, of the nurse, it's great. It's oh. funny. In, in the producer's cut, I like the kill better because you see multiple spikes on the wall as, she, as, she, as they pan through the hallway. In the, the theatrical cut, there's just one random spike on the wall. It's like one wall. random spike, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, why the hell is there one random spike there? But in the producer's cut, they have like a whole wall of spikes. I'm like, all right, that at least makes more you sense. Know, you know, like the reveal of Dr. Gwynn being the man in black reminds me of uh, the dude in Star Wars being the emperor. It, it just, I don't know what it, why I draw that comparison, but that's what it's like for me. And I just feel like it's just too convenient. I hear you, but like I said, they had to write around it. They had to come up with the re- revelation. What are you going to do? It's not easy to write that. You know, I, I just, I'm okay with it. And it, again, it explains things from earlier films. 
Anytime a movie does that, just like I said, uh, some ridiculous thing, Chrome Skull 2. I liked it simply because it explained the plot holes, the problems that I had with Chrome Skull 1. Anytime a movie can explain something away, give me any explanation besides me ending a, 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 a sentence with a question mark, I'm happy. When I end a sentence with a question mark, I want a fucking answer. And when someone gives me an answer, I'm happy. Even if it's a little bit ludicrous, it's better than nothing. I... I, I, I I like to fill in the, those gaps sometimes. I know? think it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't date the movie at all, right? The oh, boy. That, <laughs> dude, that and the cuts that you were speaking of earlier, which I happen to like because I like those quick edits and I like that noise more than anything, man. That was I a sign of the times, noise. man. They did a like lot it. of that editing back then. I, I like hate it. it. I, thought really? that was Michael, I thought that was Michael growling. <laughs> you know, they tribute it, it so and fucking... Lazy. They tributed it in American Horror Story Coven in the Halloween episode. They do that noise over and over again. And it's such an obscure thing. And because I saw that movie enough times, I knew it's a, it's a weird thing. But they do that noise from Halloween 6 in the Halloween episode of American Horror Story Coven. Go watch it. It's fucking weird, but it's true. Isn't that whole sequence that's not, that not even in the producer's cut of the doctors getting murdered? Isn't that all in the, the theatrical? That's in the theatrical cut. Yeah, I don't makes... like any of it. That makes no sense whatsoever because, no. because they have Michael in their care for six years and now all of a sudden he's just deciding to slaughter them all. But you're saying you make... like the theatrical more? I do. I, I like the, the violence of the kills more and stuff like that. I don't feel like the producer's cut does much to, to make me enjoy the cult even more. I still don't know their, their, their end game. It doesn't make any sense. Here's what I'll tell you. It does make sense. Well, and and the whole rock, thorn. Sam Hain, and the passing of the thorn to Loomis, yeah. I hate that. It's I stupid, that. It's but it's explained. It's definitely stupid. It's explained, but it's stupid. Well, I, but I, I, I like not, it better than the ending of the theatrical. That stupid suck. pan down to the, the mask yeah. and the Loomis scream. And whatever. Uh, I know. It, it, dude, both endings are stupid, but I much prefer the whole third act in fucking the producer's cut. Everything from Kara, by the way, Kara Strode is my, my second favorite final girl in this franchise. I think she's great. She's yeah, stalked she the way Laura is, right? She's stalked the way Laura is. She's a pretty girl. She's definitely relatable. She, she's a good character. I, I really do like her. And when she's stalked at the end, that that is the closest thing to Laurie's final chase in part one that you can see in this franchise. I agree yeah, with that, but why is she on the altar to be sacrificed in the producer's cut? She's well, not part of the bloodline. Because it's a fucking evil cult. You, you can't <laughs> question that shit. I don't, I don't like it. can't let her go. It makes no sense. Then why didn't they kill Loomis and, uh, and, and what's his name? Paul Rudd. What's his Loomis name? is taking over, and because she is a female, you always sacrifice a female to your fucking Yeah, but in the theatrical cut, they, should, they could have killed Loomis and, uh, and, uh, what's Ready? his name? From, from Tommy, part one. Tommy. Tommy. I couldn't, re couldn't remember. Pa Paul Rudd, I, I liked him better this time, but I find him wooden in this role. I know that's the character in a sense. That's what I, makes it passable, right? It is the character. But I hear very much character. I, I, I have no issue that. with that. I agree. He does seem wooden, but because of this particular role, it's actually kind of like a good convenience for him. He's traumatized. He's, yeah. he's socially awkward. You figure Jamie should be a little bit more trauma, traumatized. This guy saw him when he was like, what, eight? Get over it. He hasn't <laughs> seen him in decades. Right. Jamie's like gone through this like two Halloweens in a row. And that's why That's why Jamie's more calm adaptive. and collected because she's been dealing with it nonstop. He just has the memories of when he's a child. <laughs> I'll tell you what. The credit font is better in the opening scene, the producer's cut. It's like the old school Halloween instead of that shit they give you. It's a better narration from, it's Loomis 
instead of fucking Tommy Doyle, yeah, which is six of one for me. The lament from Loomis to win is much better. When he's fucking trying to get him his help, he's a friend. You you get more character stuff there. Yep. You get more character stuff with the father, who you have no compassion for. And then I'm not saying it's right to do anything he did, but he was like, "She's not my daughter anymore." Because like, there's things that happen. There's a reason that he's disappointed. And then later yeah, but on, the Danny the Danny scene with the knife the is better in the cut. producer's cut this time. No. you see him being lured instead of it just being there for no reason. Oh no, it's much creepier with him just being there rather than Michael standing out there talking to him to kill you're, you're right i am wrong you, i spoke out of turn that oh you right. meant you meant the theatrical no i didn't mean it but when you said it, it the thought flooded in it actually it is better less is more in that situation yeah, yeah. i can i can those see are that. the trade-offs there, there's another you are right there that's a better example theatrical being a little bit more uh effective how was the washing machine still running when the power was off when the father came home power wasn't off yet was it yeah remember the lights went off and he grabbed the flashlight went downstairs well, there was obviously still power, otherwise there wouldn't have been a fucking electrical explosion when he, his head blew off like that. Well, that's what I'm saying. The power went off, but yet there's still power because the washing machine's going and... Maybe it's just the breaker and only the upstairs was off. I could buy Maybe. that. You know what I, I mean? That's the best I got. You know what I mean? I like that they, they honestly like the fact that they took the gore out. As much as I'm a gore hound, I always thought that the fucking explosion of the head. Well, the exploding like, head was, was ridiculous. As much as that's what our show much. is. It's ridiculous, but it's an exploding head, so how can you not love it? <laughs> this is true. It doesn't this fit this movie. That's the but it fits. Well, the gore does fit this particular movie, but they're trying to make the series this film more like part one. They were trying to go with more stalk and slash and atmosphere, and they got it. And I gotta tell you, this movie definitely has more Halloween atmosphere than four and five to me. Just, as a matter of fact, all these five movies we discussed tonight, this is where it ends. I'll say it right now, before we get to part two and the next episode of this podcast comes out, th that, that feeling is gone. To me, these five movies are, you know what, look at it this way. Uh, I'll, I'll, it's like the Paramount Friday the 13th films yeah. compared to the Lion films. This is like the end of it for me. And I'm not saying that the rest of the movies are bad because you'll hear that they're not. I mean, I had H2O as my number 50 slasher. So I don't, I like that movie. But the Halloween atmosphere ends here. This is the last one of like the original Halloweens to me. I don't know, I'm kind of nostalgic about that. I like that. It, it, it feels good in this film kind of, you know? I think part mm -hmm. four has it and I agree with you on this one as well. And it's the color palette. It's just some of the scenes, it's got these orangey hues and it, it just adds a warmth and it just kind of, Adds to that whole uh, uh, mood of uh, of the of the time of year. It's nice, and that one shot when when you see him walking in slow motion outside that party, and all that shit going on in the background. You know when Phil Phil Rudd is walking, Tommy Doyle, and they're they're waiting for the the Barry Sims show, and everybody's there in Halloween costumes, and they got all that shit going on. There's some good stuff here, man. It's People really. Red. Shit. Hey, yeah. Bobby. It's raining red. It's a little ridiculous. Another it's scene that's red. another scene that's better in the theatrical cut. At least, at least she's not singing it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, raining red. Hallelujah! Red. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's red. Amen. <laughs> Hot, wet, all on my head. <laughs> it's raining red. So where where was the headquarters for the cult? Where are they at the beginning? Smith Grove. They are at Smith Grove. It's win. Oh, or, or Smith Grove, if you go by the Halloween. I forgot to mention this. In Halloween 4, it's the only movie of all of them where for some reason when the ambulance and one that gets into the accident, it doesn't say Smith Grove. It says Smith Grove. <laughs> Maybe the S fell off in the accident. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween 4. <laughs> Leave off the last S for savings. 
for shittiness. <laughs> oh, shit. See, I liked it. And, like, and the producer's cut, they don't have that ridiculous shit at the end. In the theatrical, they're like, the guy says, oh, you can take off your costumes now. Halloween is over. Then none of that ever made any sense to me, that whole sequence. Like, in, in, in the producer's cut, it's all cult all the yeah. time. And that's the thing. They, they yeah. got rid of it. It's almost like they were embarrassed by the cult stuff, which they kind of need for the story. So they just got rid of it completely. So they're all running around, no cult shit, in the theatrical version. And then the producer's cut, it's all cult shit. Yeah. And I, they do need it for the story. They do. I'm not crazy about it. Who is? But yeah. you had to go somewhere and they wanted to explain. And in a way, it does make sense. There's a tie-in to fucking Sam Hain and Michael writing it on the thing in part two. And even Halloween 3, there's a hookup. With fucking him saying that she has to meet uh, Mrs. Blankenship. And here's Mrs. Blankenship. <laughs> and again, they brought up Sandy. Well, and and they, they brought up the fact that the stars aligned in the, the symbol of the thorn on the, the uh, 1978. Then again, 10 years later. And yeah. then a year, again, the a year later year. after that. Yeah. Like they, they really years. wedged, like that's the story being, you know, wedged in to, to make it all make they sense. They wedged, but, that was in the theatrical cut too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. They explain Comedy. it more on the producers, but yes, they but yeah. you get the gist of what, what they're yeah. doing. Here. But I just, I don't like the ritual with, with the runes at the end, with the runes I, of light. I just I don't like it. I agree, but it unfortunately fits into the story we're told. But I feel you. It is ridiculous, and I understand why purists hate it, and it's better that he's pure evil. But sometimes you just got to cast that stuff aside and focus on what's good. And and I did, I don't, but I don't mind the theatrical cut with them presenting themselves as a cult and then turning it into a mad scientist thing, even though I don't know what the hell's going on with all those babies. But, you know, neither one of it makes sense to me, so it, it doesn't matter. I was but able to make sense. I was able to make sense of it with the final sacrifice, the two of them together, two Myers bloods, kill them, Michael's done, and Danny's taken over. To me, I was like, okay, I, I can buy that now. But before, I, I never really could figure out what they were trying to do with each kid. So because I made that decision, I rationalized that I'm okay with it. But I've always had a soft spot for this movie. I've always liked it better than 4 and 5, and that hasn't changed. Yeah, I like you know? this one than 4 and 5 as well. Even do you? Though yeah. Well, I'm the awesome. other way. I, 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 it's still my least favorite, but I had a lot more fun with this, this this time. I still, like I said, I still can't justify it. I find that theatrical cut very messy. Yeah, the theatrical is kind of messy. I don't know if we're there yet. I, I don't know if you want to shoot your ratings or not, but was there anything else you guys wanted to say? No, I'll say it when I give my rating. I'll just throw a few things out. Okay, well, I, I already mentioned the reasoning why I didn't like the theatrical as much. Uh, and I've I've had this lower than this. But I really said, you know what? I think I was just too hard on it. I did get that Halloween vibe. I do find some of the characters are just kind of, they're not given a lot of meat and potatoes. Even the brother and his girlfriend, the best part of when they're getting killed is the fact oh, that the sister's looking kill. through the, tele, the telescope over yes. and is trying to warn them. And I think yeah. that makes it so much better. But I feel like they're just wedged in there to add a couple more deaths. But ultimately, I do fail uh, the theatrical cut. I give it a 4.5 out of 10. And I find the producer's cut, I give a 5.5 out of 10. I raise it a whole point. Wow. Oh, well, okay. Go ahead. I, I don't know if I sound like I was blowing the movie that much, but I just, this is my least favorite out of the first six, but I enjoyed it quite a bit more than I have for the last five to 10 years. That's for sure. See, I prefer the theatrical cut strictly for the amped up violence. 
I love that. I'm on board with it. The ending gets a little convoluted, but even though I don't like the ending with Loomis just saying he has unfinished business and going back into the hospital and you just hear him screaming, assuming he's being killed by Michael, I like it a lot better than him taking on the the thorn symbol and taking on Dr. Wynn's role and Michael. It's all of a sudden the man in black. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. I I give the theatrical cut a, a six and a half and the producer's cut a six. Nice, nice. That's cool. Yeah. Shit, I can live with that. That's it. Yeah. You know, six is really hated, and I understand. I said it. I understand the cult thing. <laughs> it is kind of stupid, and, and it definitely goes against Halloween purists and, and what Michael's supposed to be. But after everything we've seen by now, and psychic connections, and this and that, and it's this is the part six, like C said. This is the sixth of a franchise. You know, I don't know. It's definitely no dumber than other shit that you heard all the questions I had with four. Either way, you know, I like the kills in this movie. I, I, per, I used to be like you, B, where I liked it more because of the gore. Mm-hmm. And now I find that I'm more into the, the character development and the suspense of the producer's cut and what they were trying to go for closer to the original. And this movie has the most stalking scenes since part one and two. It, it, I enjoy that stuff. There's just something about it. All the kills are good. The character development's better in the producer's cut. I enjoy it. Yes, there's stupid shit. I, I can't deny that. You know, But there's, there's good stuff here. And I think that people just get so focused... On, on the negative aspect that they just don't want to look at the good parts of it. And for me, it's a 6 for the theatrical, and it's a 6.75 for the producers. That's, nice. That's fair. Yeah, I really enjoy the producer's cut. Yeah. I like both cuts. I hate the Barry Sims death, though. It doesn't make sense that he would leave the house to go kill Barry. He I mean, wasn't granted... in the house. Hold on. He was in the, in the Smith Grove van. It was a van that was going back to Smith's Grove. He was probably trying to go back to Smith's Grove. Because no, he w- no, but Michael was at his house killing Deborah and the father, and then he left to go kill Barry and then came back to kill the brother and the girlfriend. I don't think he left to go kill Barry. I think he went to go back to Smith's Grove, and he was getting there by hitching a ride in the back of the fucking van there because the van said Smith's Grove's on it. So he was gonna take. He was gonna go back to Smith's Grove by, by transportation of that vehicle, and Barry made the mistake of going in that vehicle, thinking it was for his radio station. Which was stupid. In the other cut, he doesn't make that mistake. But I, I never got the impression he was oh. going back to Smith's Grove because he, he goes back to the house in both cuts to kill the brother and sister anyway. Well, I only say that because it said Smith's Grove on it, so I'm thinking wild. Yeah. If you're gonna and put other- Michael in a vehicle for no reason, you may as well put him in a Smith. It, it makes more sense than putting him in a cop car. Nobody had a problem with that. Well, in the you know other cut, I mean? he's he's in the van. He's in the radio van. Oh, see, in the producers, he's in a van that's the Smith Grove one. Yeah. And, and, and Barry, Barry, Sims Barry gets in there, yeah. Thinks it's the fucking radio van. Yeah, see, and then they, show the, they show the radio van, like, park two cars over. Yeah, you know what? And it is kind of silly to have him go there to do it. But at least when the producers cut, either way, if you're going to do it, I'm glad they did it that way. But I feel you. All right, well. <laughs> Marathon. <laughs> Marathon is right. Man, oh, man. But hey. Halloween comes once a year. This is the year of the franchise, and uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun tonight. I don't know about you guys. We kind of we kind of fucking got heated a few times, but yeah. yeah. And I feel like being the one who's probably the most critical of this franchise, I came in just as high, if not higher, than most of you guys. Yeah, we were. You and I were probably closest, Dave. Yeah, I think so. I, I was more high on this than the other two, but I gave nothing below a, a five or a five and a half. I gave one. I gave a four and a half to, to part five. And that's it. Everything else is four and a half or higher. After six movies, that's not so bad. Include and if you throw in three, I mean, oh, I said six movies. I should have said five. But just you know. Yeah. No, but but still, you know what? It's a better series than than you get credit than I think it gets credit for. That I've given it credit for actually. I think it's definitely 
you know, some of the movies are close to average, but it's, it's really not that bad. And, no. You know, I, we, we really hope we get feedback from you guys. We had a lot of different opinions on this episode, and we got into it a couple of times on some things, and it, and it was fun, but we hope to get some feedback from you guys. We'd like to know where, where you guys land on all this stuff because we talked about a lot of different things, different plot points, what bothers you, what doesn't, you know. Hey, man, it's October, so. Well, I'm going to lose I'm going to lose credibility on the next one, that's for sure, uh, on H2O. But, uh, no, this was fun. I'm looking forward to watching those all with an open mind as well. Nice. Mm-hmm. And why are you going to lose credibility? People fucking H, – H2O is a very fucking divisive film. People oh. love it. Nobody loves it. People like it. A lot of people hate it. You know what? Yeah. Just be honest. <laughs> right. That's all we can do. That's all we can do is be honest. Even if we fucking agitate each other because different, some things bother you and don't bother me and some things bother me and don't bother yeah. me. Yeah. And that's why I even said earlier when, when we were getting a little heated, that at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because we feel about the about the movies the way we're going to feel about them. It's our job, if you want to say it, as podcasters to at least kind of nitpick and play devil's advocate for both sides. And that's what I at least what we try to do here. You know, we're picking apart movies we love and we're looking for the good in movies we hate. So well, that's, that's what we do. Damn straight. And it's fun. So, well, we'll see you guys next time. We're going to be out. Long marathon show. Hope you enjoy it. Happy October, everybody. We'll see you next time. Episode 71 is going to be big, and we are going to have the next five films, including the brand-new Halloween 2018. So I hope that's going to be good. But we'll find out. <laughs> so, Looking forward to, yeah. to that as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty excited. All right. You guys got anything else? I just want to say good night, everybody. Yeah, I just want to say thank you and good night. See you guys later.